Well, and I promise on my honor as an Eagle Scout, which I am, that I will play the full version of Patricia's song later. It is Saturday night, December the 3rd, year 2016, and here she is, the lady from Florida, the mouse of the South, and any other denomination or tag we <laughs> give her. Here is Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Hello, Alden. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Night, and it's here already. We have a guest tonight, and I'm just so excited. We have Marine Corps Colonel Ed Sylvester with us. He is Vice President of the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation. Did I get that right, Ted? Yes, Patricia. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. You sure did. Oh, good. Okay. Yep. Well, um, Bill Grine uh, is a familiar name to our listeners, and you and he were here together last Christmas in the way of introducing you because you were going to be here again, and here you are. So Bill is trying a second retirement. I don't know how successful he's going to be, <laughs> but that's what he's trying to do. So in the way of introduction, could you tell us a little bit about your background, what you do with Toys or Tot for Tots, and how long have you been involved with Toys for Tots? Yeah, sure. You know, so so uh, Bill, um, after 25 years of working at the Toys for Tots Foundation, uh, he retired after last Christmas, and I had the opportunity to uh, to kind of you know shadow him along and see see uh, you know um, um, what it was like to, to, to what what the job was going to entail, and uh, I got to uh, see see him in action. It was great. Uh, just a he was known as Mr. Toys for Tots. So uh, I recently <laughs> retired from the Marine Corps, uh, you know, about a about a year and a half ago, and I was a, a pilot by trade, uh, flew F-18s, and and uh, and now have uh, have the fortune and uh, uh, honor of uh, working at the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation as a vice president of marketing and, and development. So this is uh, my second uh, Toys for Tots season, although uh, serving in the Marine Corps at various uh, reserve units. Was uh, involved with uh, Toys for Tots on on a local level, and seeing it here from uh, from the uh, from a national point of view, I I, I got to say it's pretty incredible the uh, the, the generosity of uh, the American public. It just it, it amazes me uh, uh, what they do. But last year, uh, Toys for Tots distributed 18 million toys to seven million less fortunate children, and that was uh, um, it's all you know possible by the by the hard work of the, the marines and volunteers and of course the incredible generosity of the american public uh, allows us uh, to, to reach that many children and, and of course a lot of support from from some wonderful sponsors that we have i was going to and, ask uh, you, we're looking to have another another good year i was going to ask you ted how what was the interview process like for you did you apply for it you had to go through a different interview level how, how was it how would you the, the fortunate one to take over how did that so, what can you walk us through that part of your process? Sure, sure. You know, um, there, there's a um, th yes, there's absolutely an interview process there. And Lieutenant General Pete Osmond, who's uh, a, re a retired uh, Lieutenant General, who's our President and Chief Executive Officer, um, he uh, uh, um, I interviewed with him um, after interviewing with the other uh, Vice Presidents, uh, Bill grind being one of them so yeah there's uh, several uh, several interview uh, um, several interviews uh, through the process there and, and uh, it just uh, worked out uh, you know good for me fortunate for me so I was uh, 
I think having a little bit of experience with Toys for Tots uh, throughout my career uh, definitely helped because I'm very familiar with the program as a Marine. Wow. What have you been doing up until the position you have now, Ted? I'm sorry, say again? What had you been doing with Toys for Tots before you accepted the position here? Well, Toys for Tots is a community action program, so it's a it's 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 a local it's a local program. We have uh, each community um, has its uh, has a coordinator, Toys for Tots coordinator, um, and we have almost 800 of them now. Where we have a a, a marine unit, uh, they they run a program, and we also have a lot of areas that run run uh, programs that that don't have marine units. So we have. Uh, you know, a, a local community organizer, an LCO. So there's almost 800 of them here. So while I was stationed at, at various various uh, places like Atlanta, Georgia, you know, they ran a very large Toys for Tots campaign in that area. So I was uh, involved for, you know, on the local level with uh, with Toys for Tots, doing events and, and uh, you know, overseeing some of the uh, the toy collections and distributions in that area. What prompted your interest in Toys for Tots? What was my interest? Yeah, what prompted it your was, interest? Yeah. Well, it, it's a, it's a you know it, it's a phenomenal it, it's a great mission. It's it's a, it's one that that uh, you know many people know about and it's a, you know it's well known and it's uh, um, you know it helps children in need. So it kind of you know makes makes you feel good after after a good day's work and and it's still uh, you know as an activity of the Marine Corps there's still a connection to the Marine Corps. So I, Spent 25 years in the Marine Corps, so it was uh, pretty nice having a, um, you know, a, a link with my follow-on career to yeah. the Marine Corps. It was nice. Who are the other Marines who work with Toys for Tots? Well, uh, Toys for Tots, the, the, it's a Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program. So, Marine Forces Reserve units. Uh, the commander of Marine Forces Reserve is is the, uh, um, he, he he runs the program and and and. Uh, all the units uh, within Marine Forces Reserve, and there's almost uh, 40,000 Marines in the reserve component that are that are drilling at at, at various units, and so those are the Marines that uh, um, r- you know run the program. Like I said, there's a lot of other uh, uh, campaigns that are that are not Marines as well that also run programs uh, throughout the country. We're in all 50 states and U.S. territories. This is amazing uh, when we when we think about your beginning, and I'm going to ask you about that in in just a minute. Um, let's do it now. <laughs> Tell me about the beginning of Toys for Tots, and then fast forward to where you are today. Well, sure. Um, it all started in 1947. It's uh, 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 Marine Major Bill Hendricks. Uh, it was in 1947, right after uh, World War II. And uh, there were a lot of a uh, lot, lot of fatherless children uh, in the area. He he was uh, with a reserve unit in in Los Angeles, and his wife knitted a lot of uh, um, handmade dolls, uh, and she wanted to make sure that that uh, all, you know some some less fortunate children in the Los Angeles area there received those dolls, and asked her husband Bill to go, you know, find some uh, some you know an organization that would be able to distribute them. So he. He, he went all around and, and uh, looking uh, all over the place. He came back and told her that he just couldn't find any uh, any organizations that 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 would uh, be able to distribute toys to, to to children in need. So his wife suggested that uh, he start one himself, and so he did. 
So he and his reserve unit there in L.A. in 1947, they uh, they collected and distributed about 5,000 toys, and it was such a uh, such a great success and and good for the Marine Corps uh, it, with, with their interaction um, in the you know in the community. The uh, the commandant in the very next year. Um, ordered all his reserve units to uh, conduct a Toys for Tots campaign. And, and ever since, uh, we've been doing it every year. And, and uh, since 1947, Toys for Tots has, let's see, distributed about 500 and 512 million toys to 237 million children over, over the years. So it's, uh, it's quite a few Christmases uh, that uh, the Toys for Tots program was able to, uh, you know, deliver the, the joy for some less fortunate children. Yeah. Uh, this is just great. I, you know, when you look at it in aggregate numbers, it's staggering. Absolutely. I mean, it's staggering to say 18 million from the toys distributed last year. But when you put it in a time frame and add them all together, it's just knock your socks off stuff. It is. And, and, and it's really, uh, you know, it, it's the American public. Um, you know, uh, it, it's incredible, incredible support. You know, we have with our, with our, all of our coordinators, about 800 of them in all 50 states, they, they have probably, we have several hundred thousand toy collection bins all, all through the United States. And, and, and it's that, it's that single toy that individually, uh, uh, locally, uh, locally donated individual toy in the bin that, that really, uh, um, adds up a lot over the, uh, November, December timeframe to, to allow our coordinators to collect them, sort them by age and gender. And then, distribute them to uh to the families uh, in need there so it's, it, it's really we, we we owe it uh owe it all to the to the american public they they, they just won't let us fail they're they're, they're <laughs> great great people out there there is no way we would let the marines fail they don't know how to fail anyway but i mean really there is the, the word fail is not in the marine vocabulary but um nobody would let kids down you know if, even if you walk around and say gee this is really a great program that's promoting it. So, you know, even if you can't afford to put dollars in and presents in, um, there's no reason why you can't talk about it. None at all. We are talking with Marine Corps Colonel Ted Sylvester. Is that the proper introduction for you, sir? Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I go, I go by Migs though. I was a, I was a yeah, pilot. You know, so, uh, before you know, we get either, off later. Either Ted or Migs. Or Migs. Um, before we get off later, I want to know the origin of that nickname. Bill did give us a high sign with it for last year, but I thought, Migs, what an unusual name. And so we are live on December 3rd, 2016. It's December 3rd, so when it replays, you can't call in, but you can tonight with questions, comments, or just to say hi. We are at our usual number, 714 Seven, one. So, tell me about. I can't imagine that there's anyone who hasn't heard of Toys for Tots, but maybe there is. So, could you give us? I don't know how long it is, but to condense it for us if it's very long. The mission, the mission statement, or the mission of Toys for Tots. Yes. Well. Well. Uh, our, our our mission um, today is it as it, as it was in 1947, and that's the. Uh, to deliver, uh, you know, the joy of Christmas to uh, less fortunate children. So, so we uh, we we collect new unwrapped toys uh, in the months of uh, October, November, December, 
and distribute them to, to less fortunate children so that they can, you know, experience the magic of Christmas. And that is a huge job, just huge. So for people, and I'll tell you how to get to the website in a little bit, but people can make dollar donations directly to Toys for Tots, or you can buy gifts and drop it at one of your local uh, collection places. And we'll tell you how to get to that as well before we end. So tell me about individual donations, Ted. How much of what you give to children comes from individual donations, people showing up with a toy or you know, something appropriate for the older children? I, that, that's uh, the, the majority of our support comes from, from individually donated toys from, from, from the American public. Um, I would say probably uh, 75 to 80 percent of, of, of what we're able to do um, comes, comes from our, our local toy collection drives. Now, you know, sadly, there are, I think, 15 million children living in, in you know, at or below the poverty level. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, and, and a lot of our coordinators, they'll, uh, the, you know, they, they do a great job raising toys uh, locally, but a lot of times they'll, they'll run out of toys before they run out of children in need in their, in their area there. So what we do at the foundation is, is uh, we work fundraising initiatives all year long, and we have uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of different programs on, on how, how we raise dollars from, from individuals to uh, companies with, with corporate, corporate sponsorships. And we have a direct mail campaign and, and we have uh, um, funds that come in online. And so what we do with, uh, with those funds is we're able to augment those campaigns. Last year, uh, our foundation, we, we augmented our campaigns to the tune of about $66 million in the uh, uh, the toys. About half of that was gift and kind toys, and then uh, we we uh, raised another 35 million to to spend on toys and and send them to the uh, coordinators. Because a lot of times they'll <clears throat> they'll run out of toys at a particular age group or, or a gender, and then uh, mm-hmm. you know we'll we'll be able to uh, augment their campaign so they can keep their doors open all through the holiday season. That's, a staggering, that's a staggering number of dollars. And this is just augmentation. This is filling in the blanks for the for the areas that need some help. It is. It is. And uh, it's just like I said. Uh, you know, mo- most uh, most of the campaigns they do a you know they all do they all do a phenomenal job. And, and some areas um, they just just have a you know a large a larger number of, of uh, folks that little down on their luck and need a little help so uh mm-hmm. you know we're we're uh, we're glad that we can uh you know be able to do that uh and 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 provide them some assistance for for uh for the holiday season here yeah now the dollars that people donate to toys for tots what the money that comes in from in, individuals does that go toward the christmas toys or do you use it for some other reason Nope, uh, they, they, uh, it all goes into the program. We, we, we're pretty proud of our uh, 97 to 3 program to support ratio. That means 97 cents of, uh, of every donated dollar that comes into Toys for Tots uh, goes straight into the program. And that, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty, uh, I, I guess when you have an organization that, that's run by Marines, nobody uh, knows how to do more with less than, than the Marine Corps. So uh, we, put, we put those donated dollars to good use. Indeed, they do. I want to put this in perspective for our listeners. 
I got a call, probably the 925th call from this organization, supposedly organization, collecting money for a mispronounced police type. We need to support the police. So I looked them up. They have a 15% donation rate. 85% goes to salaries, administration, probably um, a lot of dinners. <laughs> I don't know, but only 15%. And you're telling me 97% of the Toys for Tots funds goes to the kids. That's right. That's uh, there, there, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, that that work to to, to make that happen. Um, we have a very small uh, uh, paid staff at the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation, and uh, and the and the and the manpower um, uh, costs associated with that. None of that comes from donated dollars. We ha- we have a uh, an endowment fund that that, that covers those. Uh, the, the the manpower and, and, and the salaries for our small staff and of course our, our marines and 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 volunteers that thousands of them um they're they're all volunteers so uh they're they all you know they all have their their day jobs and and yeah. and and they do this in addition to to, to their normal duties and and it's just you know my, my hat's off to them because that's a it's a lot of work uh for for a coordinator to uh to do what they do for for a good three months and, and uh, as well as keep up with, with all of their other requirements. Amazing. Tell me how the children are chosen, the ones who get the toys, and how do the toys get to the kids? Sure, sure. Um, each coordinator, you know, they, they have a, a, um, a discretion on, on how they distribute toys, but most of them, um, most of them will use local social services uh, to to uh, to help out with uh, identifying the families that are, are in need, and and the only requirement to uh, receive toys from Toys for Tots is is to you know for the family to be living at or or below the, the poverty level, um, and mm-hmm. that's it. So uh, our coordinators will work with with local social service agencies and and uh, register you know have the families register and and uh, verify, and and then they have a, a distribution center, and they'll uh, you know bundle up a, a package of toys appropriate for the for the age and gender of uh, of the children within that family and and uh and then they'll they'll deliver it either to the to the the um the agency or directly to to the family now you, you won't see a lot of uh children receiving toys directly from from our marines because we like to preserve the magic of christmas so they'll they'll go to the parents so you know the parents can kind of you know be be the heroes and, and, and keep uh, keep the magic of Santa Claus alive. Yeah. This is great. And, and you understand why we love Toys for Tots, I hope. Tell me. Well, I, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, well, we do. I mean, you know we do. <laughs> this is this is our adopted. I mean, we, we talk about Toys for Tots during the year because it is such a special program and and of course, it's run by the Marines, who are very special people, and we are—we just love the military people. And the Marines are right on top of that. We are talking with—oh my goodness—we'll go through this every time. We are live on December third, two thousand sixteen, and we are talking with Marine Corps Colonel Ted Sylvester. And I, I identified you as the vice president of the foundation, and you said something a little bit different. What is the correct way to introduce yeah, you? To that? Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my title is vice president, of marketing and development for the Marine Corps Foundation. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. Ted, how how are the coordinators picked? Or do they go through training? How do you work on finding the right person? If you have eight hundred of them, that's a lot of work involved. Do they get special training throughout the year? How how do they get ready for October, November, and December? Yes, that's a that's a great question. So so each each Marine unit, uh, the Marine Reserve unit, will will. Uh, you know their their commander um, will, will identify uh, an individual uh, that that will that will be uh, picked to run the campaign, and obviously we we uh, um, work with the with the commanders at that that various other you know the commanders course and the inspector instructor uh, um, course and and uh, you know give them some if they're if they were unfamiliar with toys for tots we you know we we have the opportunity to tell them a little bit about it and the kind of person that would. That we that we hope uh, you know is is chosen to, to to run the Toys for Tots campaign for for their unit there, and uh, obviously it's uh, you know it, it, there's a lot involved there because they still have their their Marine duties and 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 you're going to be uh, in front of local media and you you know you're going to be interacting with a uh, with a lot of people there so it's a good it's a community action program so so you got to be uh, you know good good with people and 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 uh, and, and in the media and, and finding, you know, ways to do fundraising drives and toy drives and whatnot. So there's a lot involved there for the uh, other sites that, that are not Marines. Um, it's a, it's an individual. Usually it's a, you know, like a, like a Marine Corps league detachment or, or, a, or a, a former, you know, retired Marine or separated Marine um, friends of Marines uh, that, that they don't have a, a toys tots program in their area and they want to start one. So they they would have to fill out an application and they send it to uh, our vice president of operations at, at the foundation and and we do a little little background and vetting and and uh, once they're approved <clears throat> then they would become a coordinator for their area and then all the coordinators come uh, we, we we hold a training conference in September in Leesburg Virginia and and we have a um, a, th- a three day training conference to to you know, let them know how, how, uh, thing, things are done, you know, with, with finances and, and, and media and, and all that. So yes, absolutely. There is, there is training every year that we, uh, do for our coordinators. How much time is, do, do the coordinators put in for their training? Well, I, I would say it's, it's not, not time they put in for training. It, it's, it's incredible amount of time that they put in for the campaign. Um, it's a uh, you know you, you a lot of a lot of you know they're not going to have weekends off or or there's a lot of a lot of late nights um, you know there's all kinds of uh, you know events that that companies are are looking to have supported by the local Toys for Tots program um, you know and then just simply running around from from one toy uh, toy drive to another picking up all the toys and then they you know bring them back to their their distribution center and they, you know, they, they, they sort them by age and, 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 and by gender and then work with the, uh, you know, other agencies to identify the families that need them and distribute them. So it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's just an incredible amount of time that, uh, that a coordinator will, will put in. And, and, you know, we, we encourage our, our coordinators to set up a, you know, a, a large volunteer network because, you know, uh, you know, one or one or two people just can't do it. It's uh, in any one area. You, know, you really need a, the help from a from a, a lot of folks there to to run a successful campaign. But it's just, you know as far as time, it's it's an incredible uh, investment in time for each of our coordinators that that, that uh, 
run a campaign. It's very, very impressive in what they do. How are, I guess the, probably similar to your experience, how are the volunteer coordinators, how do they get to you and why are they interested? How, how, I'm sorry, can you ask the question how do again? The, how, do, how do the volunteer coordinators get to you and why are they interested as the same question I asked you before? Well, um, yeah, they, they, a lot of them are, are, are former Marines or, or um, um, you know, uh, friends of Marines or whatnot, and, and they're in an area that, that – and, and they're very familiar with Toys for Tots, and there's, there's no Toys for Tots campaign in their local area. So, so they uh, would like to start up a campaign and, and want to take on the, uh, you know, that, that, uh, um, the responsibility of, of running a campaign. So, so then – you know they'll they'll uh, they'll get in touch with us and and ask if they can start a campaign and and we'll we'll uh, tell them a little bit about the process and they'll submit an application and then and then you know we'll we'll do a little uh, background check and and uh, and give them some some uh, some training and guidance and and that that's how how it starts and each year we we probably add about ten ten or fifteen new locations um, um, that would have new uh, you know a Toys for Tots campaign. In an area that that didn't have it the year before. Do typically do a coordinator stay with the program for several years? I mean, or is the attrition rate pretty high? Or once somebody says they donate that time, it almost becomes the contribution to the community, and they do it year in year out. What's the profile like to, for a coordinator? Yeah, then? yeah, we have um, we have some coordinators that have that have been doing it for for a couple of decades. Wow. Um, and they just been uh, they just they just uh, it's a part of them you know they couldn't imagine life uh, not not running a campaign because uh, you know they they you know they they do a great job at it um, the marines uh, you know the marines get reassigned to new duty stations about every you know two three or four years so so we'll, you know with the marines we'll see about a third uh, of the marines turn over every year you know because they're assigned to new new duty stations. Typically, what you'll see is a is a Marine running a campaign will have a assistant uh, coordinator with him that year, and he'll he'll move on, and then the assistant coordinator steps up to become the uh, the primary coordinator for that area. So there's a there's a little bit of that uh, <clears throat> fleeting up on, on the Marine Corps side. This gets this gets I don't know how Alice in Wonderland said something similar to it. It just gets bigger and better every year. Yeah, that, that's uh, you know, like like I said, the the American public is just uh, you know, just just wonderful and, and uh, keeps uh, helping us out in a big way. And and that's you know, that's individuals and and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of local businesses and and, and a lot of media. Um, you know, we don't we don't pay for for paid media advertising. We we rely on on our you know you know local companies and, and our national sponsors to do that for us and, and mm-hmm. it seems to uh really <clears throat> help out and, and get a little bit a little bit uh you know more awareness and 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 uh and and, and recognition every year and, and a little bit more a little bit more popular and 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 you know that 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 comes in um we can kind of measure that a little bit with the number of toys that we're able to just dis- distribute to uh children in need each year so we're in the middle of a, our 2016 campaign, 
and uh, every everything seems to be uh, working very well so far, and uh, all indications that we'll, we'll you know on on track for another successful year. My gosh, my gosh, Ted! In today's environment, people correctly ask, "How do I know what I give gets to the right place?" And in Toys for Tots situation, many of them would ask. I want to make sure that someone at the drop-off places aren't taking toys home for themselves. How, do, how can you reassure them for that? Well, we're, we're, we're you know, we're very transparent, um, you know, starting with our, with our finances. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, every, everything is, uh, is, is publicly available um, from, from our IRS, uh, you know, tax form 990 to our audited financial statement, which we do every year, and, and uh, um, it, it's it's uh, on our website. And as far as the uh, the locations with toys, you know, we have uh, you know so so many so many uh, folks that are that are volunteering coming in and out. Um, you know, there's there's always uh, many many individuals there um, at at any given time, and and uh, you know, the, you, we we keep track of our our um, we have after action for for each of our our locations, so mm-hmm. you know we know how many how many toys that are collected and how many toys that are distributed, and you know how many toys that are that are uh, that that we arrange to, to to have shipped in, and and as well as the dollars uh, dollars raised locally and and uh, dollars that that we're able to uh, transfer in. So it's a very uh, there's a, there's a, a lot of oversight there to make sure that. Uh, we're 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 putting our our uh, our assets where they where they should be. Are there, we are, know what? I'm I'm sorry. Sure. Go ahead, are, Walden. Are there some communities that that that's such a good job raising money that they don't need assistance from the foundation? And you know, I imagine you gotta keep track which one needs your biggest help and which one are almost run by themselves. I imagine you guys are aware of different profiles of that. Yes, you know, we have a lot of a lot of uh, court, uh, uh, campaigns, and you know, like in the larger markets, like like Atlanta or, or, or Fort Worth or Minneapolis or Los Angeles or New York City, you know, they they have uh, very large campaigns, and and they service, uh, you know, they, they support children in the couple hundred thousand uh, in some of those some of those locations, mm-hmm. and and they they do receive a, a, a lot of support. But at the same time, you know, because they're in areas that are that are so big and have so many people in need in, in, in some of those, uh, you know, inner cities that, that they also need help as well. So uh-huh. uh, and a little bit of augmentation. And, and that, that's what we're there for, too. And some of the other things that, that we do as well as uh, <clears throat> to help offset their costs or, or you know, like we'll, we'll provide some some promotional materials uh, that our, our campaigns can use, you know, our posters and. And the and the Toys Tots collection boxes, uh, things like that, and and some stickers and 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 uh, pen pens and that kind of that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and we can also uh, help out with, you know, a lot a lot of most most of our coordinators, uh, they you know they need a warehouse. So so, um, the warehouse can be uh, very very difficult uh, to obtain. You know, we don't own any any property, so um, it, it's usually donated and and. Uh, and, and occasionally, um, you know, someone will have to, one of our coordinators will have to, uh, you know, uh, a warehouse space so we can assist them with that as well. So they can keep their dollars going to, to buy in toys uh, and, and support more children there. 
can't. I checked out my county on the toysfortots.org site, and there was a message up there on you know, for for my particular area that they couldn't yet post um, exactly where these things were that you know how to pick up the toys and and things like that because they did not have enough people volunteers with vans or trucks to get from the deposit points you know and it it just it just seemed like for want of a van for goodness sakes you know so if there's anyone out there listening please be sure to check your individual county at the websites and make sure that the transportation of toys the locations of toys make sure that there's something up there that you might be able to fill that they need like transportation with trucks or vans so i just wanted to sneak that in there i hope that's okay absolutely and that, that that's uh you know um we receive uh, a lot of donations in the form of services you know for 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 donated warehouse and 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 truck support and whatnot you know you know, the, the, as a, it's a Marine Corps program, but the, you know, the, the Marine Corps, we, we don't use uh, any any Marine Corps dollars to to support this program. Um, so, the, so uh, you know, everything comes from from uh, what we're able to raise. Uh, you know, to, 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 to either donated vehicles or sometimes we have to rent some as well. Uh, and and uh, you know, our our volunteers they work really hard to uh, you know find local support that that'll you know enable them to. Uh, you know, uh, receive some some donated services. Uh, you know, like like vehicles and, and warehouse uh, support as well. Yeah. So, so I stepped on on your question. No, I'm sorry. So if somebody if somebody has a warehouse, can they get contact the foundation and let them know, and then you can let the local local coordinator know what what the warehouse ability is. Is that a good way to screen you know upcoming warehouse space for next year, or even for this year? Um. Yes, absolutely. Okay. If, uh, if if uh, you know so someone has some some warehouse availability and and uh, they're they're looking to uh, you know donate some of that space, um, they can they you know they they can call me at the foundation or they can call their local Toys for Tots coordinator. Um, either way, and then uh, you know to, you know for, for for those who are who make donations, you know the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation is a is a IRS uh, um, public charity. Uh, we're a five hundred one c three, so you donate uh and in, in you know in addition to a cash donation you know a warehouse uh, uh donated space is also uh um tax deductible as as well as uh vehicle support as well excellent excellent i have a question that popped into my head as we were talking um what are the most what what are the most surprising pieces of information that you give to people that surprise them. That was a stupid way to um, ask question. <laughs> what, what surprises people when you give them information? Um, well, you know, we're, we're uh, I, I handle uh, um, a lot of corporate sponsorships, and when when, when uh, you know, sometimes uh, we we receive uh, quite a bit, quite a few phone calls from from companies that are. That are looking to uh, become a sponsor of of, <clears throat> of Toys for Tots, and and uh, and they're like, well, you know, how, how you know, you know, we we'd like to make a donation, you know, um, how how can we help? And and we're, you know, our our process is is pretty simple, and and uh, I think I think uh, a, a lot of folks are, are pleasantly surprised at, at how easy it is to to run a um, to work with us to start a cause marketing campaign or 
or to you know make a cash donation or to, or to donate some some services and and uh, there, there's not a lot of bureaucracy or red tape or or, or lengthy process it's it's very uh, very very quick and efficient we don't you know we don't have a, a lot of folks there's a there are four of us that that work in the marketing department so um, if someone you know we, we we usually try to make it easy for those who are who are helping out the program and I, I think a lot of folks uh, from from what I have come to find are are pleasantly surprised to find out how easy it is to uh, to work with us uh, on a on a sponsorship program. How do you, uh, mm-hmm. I, I imagine the corporate sponsors are on the national level, and then they probably break down to regional and state and local level. Am I right on that? How, how do you break down the different level of corporate support? Well, uh, re- really, really two two levels, and it's a it's a national uh, corporate sponsor and, and and a local sponsor. Okay, um, and that's really just a. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, a monetary amount. If, if, if a company, uh, um, you know, contributes, uh, uh, you know, makes a donation and in, in, in a cash donation of $25,000 or more, um, we'd be proud and happy to call them a, a national sponsor. And, uh, but we had, we have so much, uh, support on the local level, um, that, that there's just, you know, I mean, there, there are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, uh, you know, across the country, hundreds of companies that, uh, um, and, and in, individuals that that make uh, pretty pretty sizable uh, contributions uh, on the local level as well. Do they recruit themselves, or do you recruit them? Uh, uh, sponsors? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I'm. I'm sorry. I should have clarified that. You're, when your sponsors, when when I look at a sign and says that says we support Toys for Tots, did you initiate contact with them, or did they with you? Um, it, it, it's a mix. Uh, there, there's a lot, you know, a lot, there are a lot of companies um, that that uh, will, will call us uh, and, and want to, uh, you know, you know, like I said, sponsor Toys for Tots, and and we go out there and, and ask a lot of a lot of folks too if they'd like to uh, consider uh, supporting Toys for Tots, and of course our, our coordinators are are out there in their local areas uh, doing the same thing because um, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot, a lot of things they need, so they're they're always uh, looking for help, whether it's from from media or, or uh, you know, uh, getting toy drives set up in their local area to, uh, um, you know, to, to local uh, um, local cash uh, uh, contributions uh, as well. So it's a it's it's, it's a mix of both. Mm, interesting. So when people say, "Gosh, I never knew that before," what's the most common "I never knew that before" that you hear? Um, well, when when uh, when when they ask, uh, you know, how how many uh, toys we distribute and how many children we we reach. When when we tell them, uh, um, you know, last few years we've we've reached about seven million children on, on an annual basis. They're like, ho- ho- holy cow, you know, <laughs> I you know hadn't realized it was that big. <laughs> Interesting. Now you you help family seven million children. This is not seven million families necessarily, but seven million children. How many would you like to be able to help? How many do you well, have to turn you know, down? Uh, yeah, that, there's you know there's a, a, a reported uh, you know fifteen fifteen and a half million children um, that are living at or below the poverty level, and you know it'd, it'd be nice to be able to uh, you know to reach to reach all of them. Of course, not 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 everybody asks for help either. You know um, that that's down in their luck. So. Uh, 
you know, we, we just, uh, we'd, we'd like to be able to, um, assist, you know, you know, all families that, that have children that are in need, uh, that, that ask for it. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've got, got a little, little, little ways to go, but, uh, we're making a, a pretty good dent right now. So if somebody knows a family who needs help, what's the best way is it, should I contact the local social worker? Or should I contact the coordinator and they say they hit the process to do it for my area? How can somebody help on a personal level? Is there, is there a good procedure to do that? Sure, sure. So, so the the easiest way is, is to to visit our website um, at www.toysfortots.org, and then uh, um, you know find and then there's a you know find your local program, and then. You know, you, you just, you know, you add, you know, you you pick, it's a drop down your state and, and, and the county you're in. And then, you know, you can, there's a, there's an option there to uh, request toys. And that kind of works you through the process. Uh, you know, each coordinator, <clears throat> they, they have a, you know, some use social services and, and some just do, you know, work, work directly, uh, you know, with, with families for, for all of them. So that website will, will uh, they'll fill out a, uh, a request and, and that gets the process started there to receive toys for Christmas. Really interesting. Uh, this is so well coordinated. I, I, I wish you'd come in and do my office for me. <laughs> my gosh, you're just so organized. Uh, you mentioned calling toys for tots before could you give me a phone number that people can use um yes yes it's uh it's uh, uh for, for our our uh, national uh, our our foundation number is is uh mm-hmm. 703-649-9365 okay all right and walden's got that one in his bank as well absolutely um tell me Tell me what is most needed each year. What do you what do you have to fill in or supplement? Uh, for example, I know uh, Bill had talked about either very young teenagers or older kids, um, and especially boys. Is that still the case? It, it is. You know, when when you have a, an organizational name that that ends in tots, you know, a lot of folks, um, you know, donate uh, toys. Uh, you know, uh, for for the younger younger children, and mm. and uh, those those are usually plentiful. So, so when it comes to um, you know to to you know preteen early teens, it's it's uh, you know there you know you, you know if you're a parent, you know uh, you know trying to trying to get toys for an older child, uh, you know they become more expensive and harder to pick and and, and whatnot. So that that always r- remains a challenge for us. Uh, that's usually the the first age group of toys where where we run out of, and then we'll have to uh, augment and and, uh, and fill in that age group for, for a yeah. lot of our coordinators. Yeah. Ted, I never even gave a thought that people would interpret tots in your name as literal. That the kids yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a good, a good number will, will just, you know, you know, picture of a, a younger child, you know, but, but, uh, yeah. you know, we, you know, we you know try to try to support uh, you know children up up you know into their early teens and 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 that's you know it's just it's a little little more challenging for for our coordinators but uh, you know a lot of families will have you know several children they might have a couple of younger ones and they'll they'll have an older one we still want to take care of their their older child as well. Sure. 
sure. I have to tell you, I, I, last year, I was just so excited to bring my goodies into Walgreens because I found something for the boys in an older age group, and it was just a dynamite idea, if I do say so myself. Um, and I was so fortunate to get them because they were out of production. And uh, it's what I wanted, and gosh darn it, I found them. So oh, I was wow. really happy, and, and I concentrate because of you and of, of um, Bill and the program. I never realized that that group would be so vacant of toys, that that's the, the area that you really need help filling in. And I just didn't know that until we started having a relationship with um, Toys for Tots. So that's what I concentrate on, and I hope other people do as well. That is really a valuable piece of information. It's not that you have too many toys. There's a group that you don't have enough for. Yes, yes, ab- absolutely. And and uh, you know, like, like I said, that you know, you know, to, you know, for, for older older children and and you know, early teens, you know, they they tend to be a little more expensive, you know. So uh, you know, it, it's it's just a, a little more a little more challenging. But uh, you know, we we make it happen. You know, by the end of the season, one way or another, we'll. We'll make sure that those orders get filled, and, and you know yeah. those children are supported as well. But yeah. uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, you know that that's usually a, an area that that needs a, a lot of attention a little bit earlier than some of the other age groups. Wow, um, I I love the idea that you try to always include a book for a child. Is that still the case? It is. You know, um, we we have a, a marine. Toys for Tots literacy program, and uh, you know, if you look at uh, literacy rates uh, um, in, in <clears throat> inner cities and, and, and some, you know impoverished areas, um, it's it's it, it's alarmingly uh, it, it's it's kind of it, it, it's sad, you know. And they they say uh, you know one in four children in impoverished areas, uh, you know, they they haven't learned how to read, and and uh, and the biggest barrier, the biggest challenge is simply access to books. You know, when, when you talk about books per child in, in an area like that, it, they say there's like, like one book, um, you know, per, per 300 children. And that, that's, that's that. And, and there's no reason for that. So, so, you know, our president and CEO, you know, he says that that's, we're going to try and do something different. So since, uh, since 2008 we've had a literacy program and and you know our, our mission is to is to deliver you know new unwrapped toys to children but also um you know a book or two so we we've uh, um got some some wonderful sponsors that, that that help us out and and uh raise dollars for us to uh to purchase books and you know we have a lot of book drives as well and uh you know we, we've distributed about uh, 100 and 135 million books over these last uh, eight years and um, you know, we, we, we're not at the point where we can give a book to every, every child that we, that we support, but, uh, but we're making our way there. We're, we're getting there and, uh, that's important to us as well. So they can, Is that an appropriate you know, um, item? I'm sorry. I, I jumped right in there. Is this, is a book an appropriate item to put in a collection drop box? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we collect uh, new, uh, um, unwrapped toys and books. Absolutely. That, that's uh, that's uh, part part of our mission. So, um, you know, toys, you em- toys and, and, and books. Yeah, I'm glad you emphasized the unwrapped portion of this. You know, some people 
just get all excited when they put bows on boxes, but that's not what you need. You need to see what you're getting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our coordinators, they, they, they take, uh, you know, these buckets of toys from, from whatever local business that they're being collected in, and they bring them back to their warehouse. So they, they then have to uh, sort them, and they, they, they need to be able to look at them and see if it's a, a toy appropriate for a boy or a girl and, and what age group and whatnot. So they, you know, they, they separate them all, um, you know, by, by age and gender there. So, uh, yes, absolutely new and then unwrapped um, so they uh, can properly sort and, and distribute those toys. I love that. I, I just love that you emphasize books and reading for kids. It, it is just so important. Um, and we don't normally do that. Yeah, I mean, we don't normally see it, I, I should say. We are talking with Marine Corps Colonel Ted Sylvester, who is Vice President of Marking, Marking Marketing and Development of the Marine Corps Toys for Tots. And I love it. I just love it. I have a couple of more questions, and then we will let you go. Sure. You really, you are really so good about about staying with us for so long. I'm kind of overstaying my welcome here. I am overstaying my welcome. Oh, not at <laughs> um, all. The, the it's, it's an honor to speak off, with you. It, it, oh, it's it's a pleasure for us that you are here with us. I just want to uh, repeat for our listeners. Finding Places to Drop Off Toys. You can find this at www.toysfortots.org. Every county and every state has a separate page, and uh, you find out a lot of information in there. Contact toysfortots at gmail.com if you want to send a message. And, Ted, would you repeat the phone number one more time for the um, Toys for Tots Foundation? Yes, uh, it's a seven zero three six four nine nine three two five. Okay. All right. Um, what kind of final message would you like to give our listeners? Well, um, you know, we we would, uh, you know, we're we're past Thanksgiving now, and and everyone's uh, you know gearing up for Christmas, and and. And working their their Christmas lists uh, for the, for their Christmas shopping and uh, and there's a lot of lot, a lot of families that are you know down on their luck a lot a lot of you know children and 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 in need in, in, in a lot of communities there so we just ask that uh, as you as you're out there you know shopping and and, and uh, getting prepared for your for your holiday season to you know think of those children pick up an extra toy if you can and and, and drop it in one of our toy bins uh, we have quite a few of them uh, uh you know around around all, all all 50 states so we just ask that you that you help us out and, and uh, drop a toy in the bin we will i promise all right i promise we are just so happy that you spent time with us ted i really appreciate it walden appreciates, it and i know our listeners do as well we will get phone calls after we're finished and somebody will say well, I didn't want to interrupt, but I wanted to let you know. <laughs> so, the fact that we did not get phone calls does not mean people are not listening. We've got a lot of family members out there. So, um, Ted, I'm going to let you go, but could you stay on the phone for a couple of minutes while Walden switches over to oh, something? and then we Okay. Well, why don't, why, why don't you both you hang up, and let me start a show, and then I'll call you both off air, and then we can do that. Excellent. So, so Excellent. What, for our audience, we're going to play a film again, Molly. 
and then uh, Ted, Patricia, and I'll call you off off air in about five minutes. And so with that, uh, here's a little music, and we'll be back with the show in in a after the song here on Yesterday U.S. Bye, everybody, oh. for a minute. All right, go ahead and hang <laughs> Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Shows no signs of stopping. I brought some corn for popping. Lights have turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. Windows N, desktop F, FS Reader 3.0, S, Skype, S, Snapfish, S, Saturday Night Enter, Saturday 11 F, Fibber McGee and Ma Enter, Fibber, Fibber McGee and Molly 1, 2, 6, 4, Fibber McGee and Molly Christmas Album, Fibber McGee and Molly 1, 2, 6, Fibber McGee and Molly 1, 2, 7, 4, Fibber McGee and Molly 1, 2, 1, 2, 4, Fibber McGee and Molly 1, 2, 1, 5, Fibber McGee and Molly 1, 2, 16-4 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-17 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-18 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-18 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-18-45 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-19 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-20 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-20 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-21-43 Fibber McGee and Molly 12-21-48 Unloading job, can't okay, enter, quiver. All the way home I'll be warm. Oh, the fire is slowly dying. And my dear, we're still goodbye. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Go with Fred McGee and Molly from December 21, 1948. WMAQ and WMAQ FM, NBC in Chicago. For incredibly fast relief from pains of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia, try Anison tablets. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients. Get A N A C I N, Anison, today. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Well, I guess there's not much doubt that the kind of beauty women want in their kitchens is practical beauty. Maybe that accounts for the popularity of Johnson's self-polishing floor wax glow coat. The beauty in glow coat, of course, is the luster it gives your linoleum. Especially now that there's a new glow in glow coat. A glow that makes every inch of your linoleum shine far more brightly than before. Well, there's a practical quality in Johnson's glow coat, too. And that's the protection it gives your linoleum. It certainly would be surprising if you or anyone could go through the holidays without scuffing up the linoleum surface a bit or spilling liquids when you're washing the dishes. 
Well, Johnson's glow coat, bright and pretty as it is to look at, covers your linoleum with a hard, dry finish that protects and makes it so easy to clean. Ask for Johnson's Glow Coat, the floor wax that now shines with a brighter, warmer glow. Your dealer has the new glow coat in the same familiar yellow container with the bright red band. Take some home and see what we mean by practical beauty in the kitchen. No holiday is a complete success with everybody. Cops, for instance, hate Halloween. The Army thinks Navy Day is silly. If you're a turkey, you're entitled to a low opinion of Thanksgiving. And what a mailman thinks of Christmas is absolutely unthinkable. One of them has just relieved his aching back a trifle, however, by leaving a batch of greetings at 79 Wistful Vista, the home of Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, here's the mail, kiddo. Mostly Christmas cards. And Hey, you know what? No, what? I wish the mailman a Merry Christmas and he looks at me like I'd poisoned his dog or something. What goes with that sour puss? Well, what's so merry about Christmas to a mailman? Huh? He starts out holding the bag and winds up the same way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right, but... Oh, look, a card from Uncle Dennis. Ah, uh, Uncle Dennis. Kentucky's greatest booster. <laughs> Straight Kentucky, that is. <laughs> What's the card? It's a picture of Santa Claus coming down the chimney upside down. Upside down? Yeah. <laughs> it says Merry Christmas and bottoms up, Uncle Dennis. <laughs> That's him, all right. Boy, the government missed a great bet when they passed him up during the war. What a production man he'd have made. We'll be back, everybody. You yeah, ever know a guy that could locate a bottleneck quicker or we'll get to back. the bottom of it faster? <laughs> Oh, I just love opening Christmas cards. Who's that one from? Old man McDonald from the Third National Bank. It's a picture of him in a Santa Claus outfit, foreclosing a mortgage on a ragged widow and three barefoot kids standing out in the snow. With a equalizer, <laughs> John kidding, Tad, of course, Sound Forge Pro eleven point oh. With a equalizer, one. Kidding, my Sound Forge Pro eleven point oh. Data window, one hour fourteen minutes eighteen point eight one five seconds. 1 hours 14 minutes 26.615 seconds. Unloading job. Can't. Oh, enter. Sound. Jaws Professional. Patricia from FL Home. Bill Tab. Skype trademark left. Alt page down. Alt Tab. Patricia from FL. Alt page down. Alt page down, menu bar, Skype, tab, leaving menu bar, type a message, tab, send image, tab, send file, alt tab, Skype trademark, left right tab, online tab, Walden News tab, search edit, list box, Teresa Thomas Mann, Teresa Ted Sylvester, phone number, applications, con, send, view, pro, rename, add to fade, enter, leaving menus, contact, favorites, top, Ted Sylvester, phone number, favorite, favorites, Tetzel, Ted Sylvester, new number, can go phone, Stuart can, Patricia from FL, enter, Patricia from FL, home. I'm here. All right, my dear, let me get Ted. All tab, Skype, tri tab, online tab, Walden, Maybe. use tab, search edit, active, favorites, 
Ted Sylvester phone number applications content send invite the group enter from Walton Hughes Walton Hughes created a group conversation with Ted Sylvester show group conversation sent on Saturday December 3rd 2016 833327 p.m. Leaving menus, Ted Sylvester, Patricia from FL Home. Hello. Hi, Ted. It's Walt and Patricia. Hi. How we're are back. you? Uh, we're, not, we're not waking up your family. Oh, no, no. No. no okay. <laughs> after, after I said 1030 to you the other day, I thought, wait a minute, the Marines go to bed early and they get up very early. <laughs> Did you leave yeah, that behind? Okay. okay. Yeah, now yeah. is now is your fess up time. Where did the nickname Migs come from? Oh, it's a kind of just a you know funny little story. I uh, I had um, an instructor pilot of mine. Um, his his call sign was Migs, and and uh, so he was one of my instructors. And he, when I finished, I I, I went to the squadron that he recently left, and uh, and a lot of the uh, pilots there that knew. Migs um, said that I uh, I looked just like them and had a similar bar act and, and and whatnot a lot of mannerisms so I was Miglet so I was a uh, um, kind of <laughs> Miglet for a while and then I got my section lead and they upgraded my name to Migs so that that's how that came to be. <laughs> See that's something I could have asked on the air I just didn't know. <laughs> yes yes. <laughs> Once in a while, I see something and I think, well, maybe I better check first. So, <laughs> thank, you, thank you for filling in the blanks. Ted, I am so delighted that you were able to be with us tonight. And I'll remind people that sure, this is our kickoff. Sure. For the, you always, if you can do it, Toys for Tots is our Christmas kickoff in December. Oh, and wow. We celebrate it. Yeah, we, it is every year. Every year, or we can and do it, or all we can do it in July because we celebrate Christmas in July. So you have a free Saturday for a few minutes in July. That'd be great too, just depending yeah, on your schedule. Absolutely, there. I'm, I'd be happy to. You know, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we we you know we don't pay for 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 paid media advertising. So any opportunity that we that we have to uh, you know talk uh, you know to the public about the program is is you know it's great for us. So we, yeah. you know, I certainly certainly appreciate that opportunity. Well, we are so glad to have it for you. Um, we are an international uh, radio show, of course, because it's on the Internet, but we, we have quite a few countries that listen to us. So it's not only the United States that's hearing you, it's a whole lot of people around the world. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So they can pick up the phone and call their relatives in the States and say, by the way, did you do anything for Toys for Tots this year? <laughs> so I'll remind them of that. <laughs> That's true. That's great. It's true. Well, thank you again, Ted. I really appreciate your time. Sure, sure. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. You guys have Merry Christmas and uh, have a great weekend. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Be safe. All right. Bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. All right, Patricia, go ahead and take your break and then I'll start the show. The Fair McGee Marley Show. Okay. All right. Bye. I'll hang up. All right, good. Alt page down, menu bar, Skype, Alt tab, application, leaving menu, Alt tab, from Walton Hughes, call Alt tab, Ted Silver, Alt tab, Patricia from F, Alt tab, Patricia from Alt tab, Bill Bragg, Alt tab, Patricia, Alt tab, Registry, Alt tab, Replay Radio 9, colon, Alt tab, Replay, Alt tab, Skype, Trademark, Left tab, Online tab, Walton Hughes tab, Search at, Blank, 
Ted Suvest, Ken Goff, Stuart Kemp, Patricia, Larry Gap, Unread Messages, John Gap, Bill Bragg, Bill.Bragg3, Enter, Bill Bragg, End Call Button, Unloading Job, Cans, OK, Enter, Bill. Soundforge Pro 11.0 Tab, Jaws Professional, Jaws Pro Tab, Soundfall Tab, Jaws Up Tab, Skype. Windows M, Skype, Sign in Heading Left, Windows M, Desktop S, Scripts Folder for S, Sunday S, Skype, S, Sound for S, Sound for S, Skype, S, Snapfit S, Saturday Enter, Saturday 11, F, Fibber McG and Enter, Fibber Mc, Fibber Mc, Pay Pay Page Down, Fibber McG and Molly 1, 2, 1, 8, 4, 5, 5, Fibber, 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 Fibber McG and Molly 1, 2, 2, 0, Fibber McG and Molly 1, 2, 2, 1, 4, 3, Fibber McG and Molly 1, 2, 2, 1, 4, 8. Unloading Jokans, OK, Enter, Fibber. Weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Shows no signs of stopping. I brought some cars. All right, we are back. Like I said, I prayed then we start the film again, Molly Show. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful program, Toy for Tot. Look after the program. Help you gain more toys, help with kids and family and children and girls and boys. Help find books, help find toys for kids who don't have any. Look after the needy and the poor during the holiday season. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's Fibber McGammon from the beginning from December 21, 1948, everybody. WMAQ and WMAQ-FM, NBC in Chicago. For incredibly fast relief from pains of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia, try Anison tablets. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients. Get A-N-A-C-I-N, Anison, today. <laughs> the Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly.
makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Well, I guess there's not much doubt that the kind of beauty women want in their kitchens is practical beauty. Maybe that accounts for the popularity of Johnson's self-polishing floor wax glow coat. The beauty in glow coat, of course, is the luster it gives your linoleum. Especially now that there's a new glow in glow coat. A glow that makes every inch of your linoleum shine far more brightly than before. Well, there's a practical quality in Johnson's glow coat, too. And that's the protection it gives your linoleum. It certainly would be surprising if you or anyone could go through the holidays without scuffing up the linoleum surface a bit or spilling liquids when you're washing the dishes. Well, Johnson's Glow Coat, bright and pretty as it is to look at, covers your linoleum with a hard, dry finish that protects and makes it so easy to clean. Ask for Johnson's Glow Coat, the floor wax that now shines with a brighter, warmer glow. Your dealer has the new Glow Coat in the same familiar yellow container with the bright red band. Take some home and see what we mean by practical beauty in the kitchen. No holiday is a complete success with everybody. Cops, for instance, hate Halloween. The Army thinks Navy Day is silly. If you're a turkey, you're entitled to a low opinion of Thanksgiving. And what a mailman thinks of Christmas is absolutely unthinkable. One of them has just relieved his aching back a trifle, however, by leaving a batch of greetings at 79 Wistful Vista, the home of Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, here's the mail, kiddo. Mostly Christmas cards. And Hey, you know what? No, what? I wish the mailman a Merry Christmas, and he looks at me like I'd poisoned his dog or what goes with that sour puss? Well, what's so merry about Christmas to a mailman? Huh? He starts out holding the bag and winds up the same way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right, but... Oh, look, a card from Uncle Dennis. Ah, uh, Uncle Dennis. Kentucky's greatest booster. <laughs> Straight Kentucky, that is. <laughs> what's the card? It's a picture of Santa Claus coming down the chimney upside down. Upside down? Yeah. <laughs> it says, Merry Christmas and bottoms up, Uncle Dennis. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him, all right. Boy, the government missed a great bet when they passed him up during the war. What a production man he'd have made. Why? You ever know a guy that could locate a bottleneck quicker or get to the bottom of it faster? <laughs> oh, I just love opening Christmas cards. Yeah. Who's that one from? Old man McDonald from the Third National Bank. It's a picture of him in a Santa Claus outfit, foreclosing a mortgage on a ragged widow and three barefoot kids standing out in the snow. <laughs> Says, just kidding, of course, McDonald. <laughs> just kidding, my clavicle. That guy's got less heart than the celery on the blue plate special. Hey, here's a pretty Christmas card. Let me see it. Oh, yes, isn't this sweet? Mm -hmm. It says, though Christmas comes but once a year, it brings back memories all so dear of friends whose hearts are strong and true, old friends, good friends, dear friends like you. Ta-da-da. 
little drippy, but nice. <laughs> Who's it from? Well, it's signed, uh, With Love, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I wonder who that could... Wait a minute. It isn't addressed to us. It's addressed to you. To me? From Elizabeth? <laughs> who do I know named Elizabeth? Well, I'm sure I don't know, dearie. Just some casual acquaintance, no doubt. My casual acquaintances don't sign Christmas cards with love, Snooky. My gosh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Interesting, isn't it? Very. Some schoolgirl friend of yours, probably. Not likely. Any schoolgirl friend of mine has got an ear trumpet and grandchildren by this time. <laughs> hey, this is kind of intriguing, you know that? It is? Elizabeth, Elizabeth. I wonder if that could be the rather attractive woman I gave my seat to on the streetcar last week. <laughs> Just as I was getting off. <laughs> no, I don't think so. She called me a lazy slob. Well, now, just don't worry about it, sweetheart. And stop smirking at yourself in the mirror. I wasn't smirking. I was just wondering how I'd look with a mustache. You did raise one once, remember? How'd I look? Well, I don't recall ever committing myself, but Dr. Gamble said you looked like an adolescent walrus with a vitamin deficiency. <laughs> but of course he was... Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Come Elizabeth. in. Elizabeth. Oh, it's Mayor Latrivia, McGee. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hi, Elizabeth. Or, hi, Latrivia. Oh, hello, Mrs. McGee. McGee. Whew. Getting pretty nippy outside. Regular winter weather. Yeah, this is the kind of a day I like, Latrivia. Brisk and bracing. Feels good not to have to go out in it. Sit down, Mr. Mayor, sit down. We're just looking over some Christmas cards. Yeah, I got one here that kind of baffles me, Latrive. I don't know who it's from. Why don't you read the signature on it? Well, he did, Mr. Mayor. It's signed with love, Elizabeth, and himself can't remember any Elizabeth, he says. Got me kind of curious, Latrive. Oh, not that I figure I got any more secret admirers than anybody else, but... <laughs> well, you know how it is, getting a card signed love from somebody you can't place. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably just a mistake of some kind. Yeah. I'd certainly advise Mrs. McGee not to worry about anybody stealing her husband. <laughs> and I'll thank you to keep your advice to yourself, Latrivia. My wife can worry about me if she wants to. Can't you, Molly? Indeed, I can, dearie. <laughs> I certainly can, and I will, too, just as soon as we get Christmas out of the way. <laughs> See, I'll bet you get lots of letters at the City Hall from people you've never heard of, Mr. Mayor. Don't oh, yes, yes, we do, Mrs. McGee. Most of them full of suggestions about how to run the city. Ever take any of them? I take all of them. Good. Out and burn them. <laughs> A letter came just this morning warning me to have the paving fixed on 14th Street or else. It was signed anonymous. So naturally, uh, I... Signed just... how, Mr. Mayor? Anonymous. That's just the anonymous, way of signing eh? something. Do you have many Irish friends like that, Latrice? <laughs> Irish friends? Like what? Like the man that wrote you the letter, Mr. Anonymous. Yeah. We knew a family named O'Callaghan and one named O'Lonigan, but... Uh... Yeah, that is an Irish name, isn't it, Latrice? We're Irish ourselves, you know. Molly was an O'Driscoll, and I've been an O'McGee for years. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is an Irish name. I've known the Anonymous family since boyhood. <laughs> huh? You have? Certainly. 
Terence Anonymous was a second cousin to Danny O'Donigan of the Donegal Donegans. He was? Well, that's odd because I and Molly were merely his trying to... His father start... was a Finnegan on his grandmother Flanagan's side, but the <laughs> Flanagans married into the Galligans, and the Galligans got into so many Brannigans with the Donegans that the Finnegans got tired of the shenanigans and said the Galligans were hooligans. <laughs> and everybody lost their tempers, but I'm not going to, because an unstrung harp is no good to anybody. Besides, I just dropped in to offer you the season's greetings, so Merry Christmas to both of you and good day. the orchestra with a medley of Christmas tunes. smiles when she spills a bowl of soup in your lap is no sign McGee, she's... McGee, I ordered lamb chops for dinner if it's all right with you. Elizabeth, Elizabeth. McGee, are you still worrying about that Christmas card? Yeah. Throw it away. Yeah, but my gosh, Mom. Come in. Oh, for goodness sakes, McGee, it's Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hi, Wimp, old man. Hello, folks. My... <laughs> my gracious, it's chilly today. I... I think it's going to snow again. What makes you think so? I just cleaned off our sidewalk. <laughs> I just love winter weather, though. Sweetie Face, that's my big old wife. Yeah, we know. Sweetie Face and I always have a snowball fight every year. It's sort of a tradition with us. Oh. Sounds like fun. Well, I think it will be fun this year, Mrs. McGee. I made a whole big bunch of snowballs for myself last summer and hid them in the attic. <laughs> Last summer, you made snowballs? Yes. <laughs> we didn't have any snow handy, so I made them out of plaster. Plaster? Why, Mr. Wimple, isn't that awfully hard? Oh, 
no, it's easy. You just take half a brick, coat it with plaster, and let it dry. <laughs> well, I hope you have a nice Christmas present for your wife this year, Mr. Wimple. Oh, yes, indeedy, Mrs. McGee. I've been saving my allowance for simply years, and all her friends have fur coats, so this year I went down and bought her a mink. Oh, Heavenly days, a mink. Was she surprised? Oh, indeed she was. The minute I got it home, it bit her in the leg. <laughs> most surprised. Oh, my. You've got some pretty Christmas cards there. Yeah, I suppose we've got one from you here someplace, Wimp, but we haven't come to it yet. No, I didn't send any this year, folks. Oh. That's why I came over today. I'd like to read you a little Christmas verse that I... Well, it's sort of a serious verse. Oh. It's called The Chimney on the Corner. The Chimney on the Corner. Oh, read it, Wimp. All righty. The Chimney on the Corner. When the Santa on the corner smiles and rings his little bell and waves a cheery greeting and hopes that you are well, don't pass him with a hasty grin, but drop a coin or two, because the Army of Salvation plays St. Nicholas for you in places where a bowl of soup, a place to sleep tonight, a pair of shoes, another chance, keep hope still shining bright. We know the corner Santa Claus is good for lots of jokes, but he's a real Kris Kringle to a lot of other folks. Goodbye and Merry Christmas. Well, same here. Isn't he a nice little man? Yeah, well, I'm so good. Oh, I forgot to ask him how did he know who sent me this Christmas card if he did. I don't know how he should know. After all, just because... What are you doing? Huh? Oh. I'm just looking at my hair in the mirror. <laughs> I hadn't realized till today how a little touch of iron gray at the temples gives a man that distinguished look. <laughs> <laughs> you noticed how much of a wave I'm getting in it. Don't let your hair go to your head, sweetheart. <laughs> Maybe that wave is just your hair saying goodbye. <laughs> Besides, if this Elizabeth, whoever she is, could... Hello, Molly. Hiya, pal. Merry Christmas. And to you, too, Mr. Wilcox. Yeah, you're a little previous, Junior, but since this is the last time we'll see you till after Christmas, and don't think I don't appreciate it, <laughs> happy Yuletide. Well, thank you. I was just out mailing some cards, and I thought I'd drop by. Hey, and... Junior, speaking of cards, I got a Christmas card here that I don't know who it's from. Really? What does it say? Well, it's addressed to me, see, and it's just signed, Love, Elizabeth. I don't know any Elizabeth, and it's got Do you with love, pal? That's yes. what it says, Mr. Wilcox. The thing is, Junior, there's lots of people that know me that I don't know them, you see. Even women. <laughs> sure, on, on account of I get saw around in public a lot, you know. <laughs> Prominent figure. Elks and everything. You mean you've got one or you are one? <laughs> Naturally, if some girl is struck by my looks and... Ask somebody my name. Well, I mean, there's no way I can help it. Say, now that you mention it, pal, a girl asked me your name just the other day. Uh -huh. Very attractive girl, too. You hear that, Molly? Oh, my gosh, this is even worse than I thought. What'd she say, Junior? Well, she pointed you out to me in Kramer's drugstore and asked me if I knew you and if I'd give you a message. Message? Gee whiz. Hey, is her name Elizabeth? Well, what's the message, Junior? Go ahead, tell Molly, too. We got no secrets. If girls I don't know want to send me messages, Molly knows there's nothing I can know. What'd she say to tell me? <laughs> Well, she said, and I quote exactly. Yeah. You tell Mr. McGee that one of the things that makes men most attractive to women is thoughtfulness. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that makes a kitchen most attractive is the Johnson self-polishing glow coat on the <laughs> yeah. 
She said, tell him that the way to keep his wife always in love with him, the way to keep that happy glow on her face, is to see that her housework is made as easy as possible by keeping her supplied with glow coat always. Oh, dear Dorothy Dix. <laughs> because glow coat with its new built-in glow, that great beautifier and protector of your linoleum is so easy to apply. You simply pour it out, spread it around, let it dry in 20 minutes or less to a gleaming, sparkling finish that not only adds years of life to your linoleum, but makes dirt and dust so easy to wipe up. Uh, hey, and, hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. Waxy. Yes, pal. Who was the lovesick creature who sent my husband such a tender, sentimental message, Mr. Wilcox? Yeah. Was her name Elizabeth? No. Name's Jessica, come to think of it. Jessica. Best secretary I ever had, too. Oh. <laughs> well, I gotta go, kid. You in a hurry, Mr. Wilcox? Yeah. I'm on my way to a chimney sweep. Chimney stopped up, kid? Yeah. Full of soot, is it? No. It's full of my cousin, Big Bay Window Wilcox. <laughs> Rehearsing his Santa Claus act for Christmas and got stuck in the flu. <laughs> well, he may not be a very good Santa Claus, Junie, but if he gets out of that chimney, he'll be well suited for the part. <laughs> Don't you get it, both of you? Suited? Okay, suited. <laughs> See, I constructed a pun involving the two meanings of the word suit. Ain't soot. funny, McGee. Taint? No, taint. So long now. Smart guy. You don't seem to realize that when a mature man like me, a man of the world, a man of charm and experience, can throw some woman for a loop so that she loses her head and sits down and writes him a love note for Christmas, I, I mean, she doesn't think that Wilcox doesn't. What did I start out to say? I'm sure I don't know, pet, but I've got to go out and get dinner started. Let me know now if you remember who Elizabeth is. Okay, but you just keep your chin up, Tootsie. Don't you worry about a thing. Me? Of course I won't, dearie. My <laughs> goodness, after all these years, what woman would want to... Uh, that is, I mean, well... You're no boy anymore, you know. Huh? I mean to say I love you dearly, you know that, but who else would ever... I mean... <laughs> Come in, please. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Gamble. My, it's nice to see you. Hello, my dear, and good day to you, pudding head. <laughs> Hi, Bellbottom. You out spreading Christmas cheer this week by staying away from your patients? No, I'm out taking measurements for splints, my boy. Huh? Do you plan to use a stepladder to decorate your Christmas tree again this year? Or shall I cross your name off my list? <laughs> cross him off, Doctor. At the price they're asking per foot for Christmas trees this year, we'll be able to decorate ours from a kneeling position. <laughs> yes, say, hey, Doc, uh, you happen to know anybody named Elizabeth? Certainly, my mother. <laughs> Himself got a, a Christmas card signed, Love, Elizabeth. No, no, that wouldn't be her, Molly. She hates him. <laughs> Your mother doesn't even know me. I've described you to her. <laughs> How could she hate me just from that? My gosh, you got to know me for years to really hate me. <laughs> really, I'm a little disturbed, Doc. Some girl sends me a Christmas card with love, and I don't know who it is, so naturally I'm worried. Why? Why? Yeah. Why, my gosh, suppose some girl has saw me someplace and got a crush on me. You know how girls do, Doc. Probably just doesn't realize I'm married. Maybe just saw this sort of distinguished-looking man around town and bingo off the deep end. I know just how you feel, my boy. Your distress is perfectly natural. What do you mean, distress? He's never been prouder in his life. Oh, I wouldn't say I was proud exactly, my dear, but after all, one can't help it if one has the type of personality that sets women on their ears. 
My gosh. I remember the time when I was kind of shy and bumblefooted and no woman would look at me the second time. I remember that time, too. It was about two minutes ago. <laughs> but look, Casanova, if you're really worried that some girl has fallen in love with you, I have something here that might reassure you. Here, take it. What is it, Doctor? A pocket mirror. Read it and weep, Romeo. Merry Christmas, children. Oh, King's men sing Ken Darby's composition, Let's Have an Old-Fashioned Christmas. Let's have an old-fashioned Christmas With snowflakes and memories of yesterday Let's sing a few dear old carols we knew Riding home in an old-fashioned sleigh the happy faces of children round the tree While jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle in their hearts so merrily So here's to a bright merry Christmas With all of the old-fashioned love we knew Gone it, kiddo. This thing has got me waffled or baffled. <laughs> Perfectly strange woman writing me mash notes when. Hey, what's the dangerous age in a man, Molly? <laughs> the dangerous age? Yeah. That's the period of time between when his pants get long and his wind gets short. <laughs> now, I suppose around my age, a man does take on a kind of a sophisticated glamour for women. Kind of a man about town look that they just can't resist. Oh, I just hadn't realized till now that I'd reached that age. Well, you know, there is something different about you lately, dearie. Yeah? I look at you sometimes and I get an almost uncontrollable desire to run my hand through your head. <laughs> you do? Yes, with a pair of clippers. <laughs> How long since you've been to the barbershop? Oh, not so long. And besides, this shaggy look must have uh, had a certain appeal for women because whoever this Elizabeth is, she's... Start... Come in. Mr. Oldtimer. <laughs> hi, hi Oldtimer. Hey, we got a little mystery on our hands here. Is that so? Yep. What happened, kids? Find footprints in the snow or somebody walking across your roof on his hands? No, Mr. Oldtimer. Himself here just got a Christmas card from some mysterious woman. 
What do you mean, mysterious woman? What other kind is there? She means we don't know who this card is from, old-timer. It's signed with love, Elizabeth. <laughs> well, it's nothing to get excited about, I guess. Happens every day. College girl crushes, you know. <laughs> I suppose Ronnie Coleman and Clark Gable run into this stuff all the time. I suppose so, Johnny. So does Roy Rogers' horse. <laughs> I read where some fan cut off a foot of Trigger's tail a couple of years ago, so you better be careful. But hey! <laughs> I, uh, I got an interesting Christmas card myself, kids. From a woman, Mr. Oldtimer? Yep, my landlady. On account of them, I'm a little behind in my rent. You're behind in your rent, so she sends you a Christmas card. She wish you a Merry Christmas? Didn't say, Johnny. Just a picture of Santa Claus on it, and underneath it it says, Who do you think I am? Him? <laughs> Something. Oh, I suppose so. I gotta get back to work, kids. <laughs> I'm on extra at the post office this week, you know. Yeah, what doing? Smearing addresses or mislaying packages that gurgle? <laughs> I'm in the parcel post, Johnny. Oh? Here's my work order. See, daughter? Uh-huh. Yeah. It says proceed to parcel post department and see that all packages are weighed and stamped. What was that, daughter? She said see that all packages are weighed and stamped. Why? Stamped? Yeah. Oh, Jiminy, now I'm in for it. Why? I thought it said stomped. Uh, for three days, I've been having myself a wonderful time jumping up and down. I go, oh, really trip well, anyhow, kids. When you get that package from your Aunt Sarah, it was glassware, I think. Hey, I wonder if he could have traced this Christmas card through the post office. And well, thought... I doubt it, dearie. And frankly, I'm developing a terrific disinterest in the entire subject. Hmm? So while you practice that flashing smile and the lifted eyebrow, I'll go start dinner. Okay, Tootsie. Ah, oh, there goes a good kid. And steady as a rock. <laughs> Strange woman writing mash notes to her husband, sending him her love, and what does she do? Scream? Pull hair? No, sir. She fixes dinner. <laughs> a little more flattering if she wasn't so dad ratted calm about this thing because... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, sis. <laughs> What you doing, mister? What you doing? What you? I'm trying to think, Teeny. It seems that somebody... Gee, you got a lot of pretty Christmas cards, I betcha. Yeah, we sure did. But mm-hmm. one of them was... So did we. Good. Now be mm-hmm. quiet a minute, sis. I want to concentrate on a little problem. I here. think we had some awful pretty Christmas cards this year, mister. You did, eh? Yes, we all... Hmm? I says you did, eh? Did what? Had some awful pretty cards this year. Who did? You did. I know it. <laughs> Yesterday, she said, bring me the Christmas cards you bought for Mr. McGee and I'll address it for you, Elizabeth. Yeah, well, that... Huh? (laughs) What'd she call you? Me? Yeah. Elizabeth. Oh. She always calls me Elizabeth on account of I'm named Elizabeth. But my daddy calls me teeny only Elizabeth. Oh, my gosh, you. (laughs) Hey, Molly. Here's Elizabeth. Don't go away, Elizabeth. Hey, Molly. Hey, Molly. Come in and see who's Elizabeth. My gosh, you're all... I wonder whether you've tried Johnson's glow coat lately because this self-polishing floor wax has a new glow, a glow that brightens up your kitchen linoleum, makes it glossier and more lustrous than before. Now, that wouldn't be quite so very special, of course, if you had to do a lot of rubbing and buffing to get that kind of finish on your linoleum. But you don't. 
Johnson's Glow Coat produces its own sparkling luster while it dries and without any help from you. Ask your dealer about this wonderful self-polishing floor wax. When he hands you the familiar yellow glow coat container with the bright red band, he'll be handing you the glow coat with the new glow. The glow coat that protects your linoleum makes it easy to keep clean and very cheerful to look at. Ladies and gentlemen, for 14 years now, we've asked old Santa Claus for audiences like you. And for 14 years, he's granted our wish. And so thanks for all the wonderful Christmases you've given us. And on behalf of the Johnson Wax people and everyone on the program, we'd like to wish you the merriest Christmas ever. Here's to a bright, merry Christmas With all of the old-fashioned love we knew As long as you live May the years always give An old-fashioned Christmas To you This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. December 21, 1948, and we'll get Patricia and play her theme. So stand by, everybody. Jaws Professional, Bill Bragg, and Call Ball Tab, Skype Trade Tab, Onla Tab, Walden Tab, Search at, at Favorite, Tets, Tets, Can Go, Stuart, Patricia from FL Home, Phone Number, Fa Applications, Content, Send, Invite to Enter, Leaving Menus, Content, Unloading, Jaw Cans, OK, Enter, but All right, once she picks up, I'll play her theme. You know, California. Hello, Florida. Stand up, everybody. Here, here it is. The moment that we all have waited for. Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia you could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love with you Oh, Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue sky. Oh, Patricia, my lovely 
Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in Patricia, how are you? Hello, Walden. I am fine. Good, good. We have Hello, a- everybody. Thank we- you for being with us and staying with us with Ted Sylvester, the Marine Corps colonel, who is now in, um, I, I, I'll say he's taking his place, but no matter who steps into a role, you never take the place of another person. You take the role of the other person. And our entire family, I think, remembers Bill Grine, Major Bill Grine, who joined us every Christmas forever, yes. and every Christmas in July forever, uh, talking about Toys for Tots. And I have some suggestions and stuff like that there. Good. Well, call it day there. We got a couple of announcements to oh, make. No, no, no. Let Caller come in, because I can jump in with this stuff okay. anytime. Okay. Hello, Caller. You're on air. Hello there. Hello, Ron. Hello, how are you? Good. Well, let me get bring you on Skype, so you want to hang hang up there and. I'll just hang this up. Okay, you hang up there. You know, we might well bring him in high fidelity, don't you think, Patricia? <laughs> I think so. He's a very high fidelity person. Jaws professional, so Patricia from talking. FL Home, <laughs> Bill Brown, tab, Skype, Ron, Ron has a really tab, wonderful online, voice, and the phone does not do it justice, tab, search but edit, Skype does, favorite, so that is a lot of go, fun. Stuart, and Patricia, and Larry, I will Gat, give you some information on gas, Bill Brown, Ron, 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 Send video, the send item SMS, that I was send contacts, send files, send voice messages, share screens, invite a group call, share, invite to uh, enter, uh, leaving menus, contacts, list, unloading, job, cast, okay, enter. About twice the size of a credit card, and it had a battery in it, or batteries, and you clicked a button, and a question would come up on the screen, and they were all sports. Who was the most valuable player, or you know, how long as a football field, just anything that had to do with sports. Uh huh. And it was originally produced by NBC. They put this out on the market, and it was so popular that it was just sold out everywhere. But it sold out the previous year, and they never reproduced the product, which always boggles my mind when they get something so successful. They meaning anybody so successful, and then they just say, okay, no more silliness. Anyway, 
I searched everywhere, and the only thing that was coming up was these rinky-dink things that had like 200 questions. This thing had over a thousand questions. This one that I really, 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 really wanted. As a last resort, I went to eBay, and there was somebody selling these things, and brand new in box. I don't know where she got them, but they were ten dollars a piece, and in other places they were as high as thirty dollars. So I bought a couple and sent her an email and said I really appreciated that the price was so low because I was buying them for tours for tots. And she wrote back and said, "Oh, how neat! I'm so happy we could participate. I love it." Wow. So, when in doubt, try <laughs> try eBay. So that's that was my story about the sports question thingy. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi there. How are you? Am I getting in? Did I do something bad? I know you didn't. Cause you didn't do anything last night. We didn't hear anything last night, I don't think, did we? I heard something of Milton Berle, so I don't know if well, Patricia's we... stuff got lo- uploaded, but it was something with Milton Berle hosting a game show. Yeah, it was. It was uh, actually, it was uh, Will Elliott. <laughs> Would it work as, uh, as an awful show? American pageant, I think. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. No, oh, I think it, it was. No, I think that was one of Patricia's shows. Oh, was it? Yeah. What didn't you do the American pageant, Patricia? Oh, the, that. Oh, that was um, the beauty pageant yeah, show. It, yeah, it, it wasn't Milton Berle. It was the actual beauty pageant of Miss America. It sure yeah. sounds. It sure sounds like Milton Berle to me. But yeah, oh, you're right. Oh yeah, uh, it, I can't remember who was it doing was, it. But it wasn't Milton. No, it was Win Elliott. Oh. Win Elliott of CBS Sports. That was it. Yeah. Win Elliott, yes. Maybe it was mutual. It was on mutual. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. You sound like you have a cold. I don't. I. I don't. I'm, I don't really feel stuffed up, but it's running, you know, and it's that kind of thing, and I don't know. Oh, as long as you feel okay. I feel fine. Okay. I feel wonderful. So we'll accept that. And I'll save my sympathy for later. Just in case you do get one, I'll have a supply ready. Oh, I, I don't want one, though. But anyhow, it's uh, 36 degrees here. It's <laughs> cold for this for us. I mean, it could be cold. Oh, it's cold it's for cold. everywhere. Yeah, well, if you're used to, well, you know. What? Well, Fort Myers people are. Are much. Uh, We're less. more delicate. Yeah. Well. Okay. I'll. 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 Yeah, I'll take I'm that. delicate. If, if, you, uh-huh. if, if you, you if you reverse the old numbers, I think you're not quite where we are, Ron. So I'm. I got my heater on. Oh, Walden, come on. <laughs> I do. Good I do. Patricia gave me a little heater for Christmas, and it's a godsend. At 63 degrees or whatever it is right now, 68 it, degrees. It got cold over there. You know the energy that that. Oh, I don't know what you'd do. It would I, be I, I, I have no idea what I would do with cold. <laughs> yeah. I, th- oh I, I, think Patricia, I think Patricia and I should spend a Christmas in Manhattan, New York. What do you think, Patricia? I think I'll wave goodbye to you. <laughs> <laughs> say, have a safe trip. I'm here, but... You know, like- it really is a marvelous place at Christmas time. Well, if I put you the the after what what is the after roof still around the after Astoria Hotel? The Astoria Hotel. Uh-huh. Yeah, the famous hotel in the forties in New York. Yeah. Is that still up? 
Oh, gee, I don't know. How interesting. So I, I guess I have to go. I was thinking, you know, if I if you had your own suite there, you could wave out the window. That wouldn't be too bad. Oh I'd have to get out of a car somewhere in order to get in there. Well, if we Would. if we moved in in October, I'm not going to do it. If you moved into in it in October, day through March, that wouldn't be too it's bad. Not stay off that time, you know. I don't think inside all that. Yeah, well, you know, I could be a bad lady for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and just oh you know, kind of rough it on the streets. So no, 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 no. I thought we we could put you up there from October till March. In your Somebody suite. Somebody can put you up it there. Is that correct? Be, yeah, we'll put we'll put you up we'll, we'll put you up there in, in your suite. Oh. Okay, and I hope we will put you up there. Um, does not include me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of the putters. I can't afford to put me in my own apartment. No, that's okay. That's, that's okay. No, I thought I thought we we have it. We'll have it underwritten for you. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Maxwell House. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, what did you think of of the beauty pageant? Well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it, um, it was kind of silly. I thought so, too. That was kind of silly. It, th th this was the brain part of the pageant. Uh-huh, it was, and it wasn't very brainy. Yes, yes. I suppose <laughs> from an entertainment standpoint, if it was just a cold interview with some of these girls i'll say they were girls they were uh, it it would have been different and mm -hmm. i would have listened to it differently but knowing that it was the brains portion <laughs> somebody was there <laughs> i don't know <laughs> kind of um, i know <laughs> it was embarrassing i would have been embarrassed if i had been those girls i think i would too so that anyway, was, anyway, I'm glad I'm glad I'm not getting scolded. No, you're not getting scolded, and I have something else to share with you. Ooh, yes. That I found very interesting. What? I've been listening to the Lone Ranger quite a bit lately. Uh huh. Which to me is, is a sacred cow. Okay, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, it really is, and it is for a lot of people. It is. I agree. And Did it's you one. Come across one that is a bomb. But having having said that, I shall say this and get in trouble. The what? earlier, uh, the first few programs, first so maybe year or so that it was uh, recorded, and this is what we have. The acting really wasn't very good. And which one was this again, please? The Lone Ranger. Yeah. No, I mean the the episode that wasn't very the good. The first few, uh, maybe the first year or so, that it was there. Oh was, no, uh, they they weren't. There were some in the beginning good. that. Uh, it wasn't very good, and that was that this, was. Yeah. Um, this didn't get in. It just didn't make a stride. It, it just couldn't get. It was uh, a rough beginning. It the goes back was, to yeah. it goes back to what I've all, what I've been saying all along about about programs of that era and and it and it's right there in step with them as okay. far as you know and 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 and, and yeah, so what Ron has been saying is that programs from the 30s especially the earlier 30s had nothing going for them in radio because it was a new medium for entertainment and uh 
Walden suggested that there were not actors and actresses readily available as they were later in radio, and what they had to settle for is what we hear. And Ron and I look at this from different directions because I think lousy is lousy no matter <laughs> when it was produced. And, and Ron is being kind, and, and really, when I say kind, I mean, you have a a different perspective that is a lot kinder than mine, I guess is the best yeah, way to put I, it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell but, you a couple series in the 30s, I think, uh, if you look, if you compare it to other 30 shows, I think holds up very well. What are those? I think you should look at, if you study luxury or theater of the 30s. Oh, and that's, that's, that's in a and, and compared to other shows of the 30s, I think that's a pretty solid... Well, that that doesn't count. Oh, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't count. Wait that. a minute. <laughs> oh, it I understand count. what he's saying. Wait it a minute. Count. When you said Lux, I thought, oh, I don't think that counts. It doesn't count. <laughs> wait a minute. On this one. Is it in the it 30s? Is it in the 1930s? Yes. Is it in radio? They yes. were also able to pull movie actors and actresses that's where, that's into where those shows. That's, that's so you really got a super professional yes. cast. Okay. okay, and then the other show that I think holds up very well, and I'm asking you guys to say, yeah, but on this one, too. <laughs> You'll have to call her. Is, is Bing Crosby Crap Music Hall of the 30s. Might, might I... Mention something? Yes. No, I'm I'm having an issue here. Okay. Someone's calling me on Skype, and I can't talk to her. Right no, 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 hang up. No, hang up. Well, you won't. Until she hangs up, then you can. Yeah. Well, why don't I? Why don't I just? Okay, mm -hmm. now, well, what I could no, do? <laughs> I just gave a last shot for you. There we go. Okay, <laughs> but no, I I think I think Bing Crosby Craft Music Hall from the 30s very good. Which well, I, I have to tell you something, Walden. Yes. Before you go any further. Yes. I don't think I've ever listened to one. That's okay. And that's why I'm, 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 I'm holding up the mantle for for that, considering it was it yeah. one of the top yeah. comedy oh. writers. Yeah. yeah. Carol and Carol wrote no, for it. it. it yeah, no, and it with was music. Crosby yeah. is almost an automatic thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I have to agree with you, even though I didn't listen to one. Well, then, if you're going to talk about luck, well, we're, we're losing you. I know, Ron. Let me give you a comedy show I thought did very well that I really like in the 30s. Well, you can't. She's calling me again. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Give me the comedy. Yeah. But the uh, the but Walden, if you're gonna if you're going to go there, uh -huh. now I can I I can qualify a lot a little bit for you there. I thought the first the first one that was broadcast, uh, the first one that was recorded, the one from thirty four. Well, the first one we have is thirty five. Is it thirty five? I thought yeah. it was thirty four. Thirty five. It's starting thirty four, but yeah. It was, that one was a little rough. Yeah, but I think, I'm thinking from the 36th period, once it moved to Hollywood. Well, oh, yeah, there's a lot right. of good shows there. Now, uh, let me give you the comedy show I think did very okay. well in the 30s. We don't have a lot of examples, right. but with the late 30s, I think the Aldrich family is fun when it started in 1939. We got some of the 39 broadcasts, and I think that holds up very well. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so I'm, I'm I've good. got a whole bunch of them now. I don't know where I'm collecting them from, but, you know, a little piece here, a little piece there. I've got quite a few. So, see, I'm just, I'm, I am defending the 1930s a little bit here. Even though I'm yeah, one. No, 39, 39 is kind of on the threshold here. I think it is, yes. I think it is. Yeah. Um, but, and even Fibber McGee and Molly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I was not overly impressed with the first. Uh, no, they're, they're, no, they're the beginnings so really when impressed. they were traveling cross-country in the car and they would run on yeah. into Harley Wilcox, who was selling, what was he selling, Skelly Oil? No, Johnson Wax. Car, Johnson Carnew. Even, even when they were on the road? Oh, it, that's, of course they would. They yeah, would. Johnson Carnew. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would... Uh, I would say that, but I didn't. That uh, that that first those first few uh, uh, shows were not very good either. I, I would agree. They, they I would were agree. dreadful. Let's yeah, be they honest were, here. That, that's they were kind. terrible. They were awful. Just terrible. So yes, I, I, that's a great suggestion. Thank you. I have to pull out one or two of the earliest shows. Maybe the one where they're traveling and see the the place where they have to put in their. Uh, I don't know. It's a raffle. Yeah, uh-huh. a raffle ticket. So I will pull that one. That's a great suggestion. Okay, now, for historians, I th- and this was a hard one for us to judge, I think, of the 30s. A lot of historians think Fred Allen was a subset on the 30s. I think for us, it's, it's hard to tell because he's so topical of the period of time. I don't know if we can fairly judge Fred Allen of the 30s and compare it to uh, other 30 shows. Not, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough call, Walden, because even those early ones weren't bad. No, they weren't. Him, no, they weren't. They, they weren't. Were. They really weren't. Yeah. And, and, and same with Burns and Allen. Boy, though, I like, I like Burns and Allen once they became a married couple in 42. It, to me, it's so strange yeah. to listen to them in the 30s. Right. Um, and I don't recall that they did a lot of topical material. No, they did not. They didn't. They didn't. What, what am I hearing? Am I hearing uh, something? Uh, that's no, Jackie. No. Over here talking. Oh, okay. She's over here talking on the phone. Okay. Um, close. That's the problem. We're close together here. Yeah. We're both in the same room. <laughs> I can tell. That's, that's not very easy. It really, I don't know what to do about this. I can't change it. I can't do anything. That's okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's all right. Um, Fred Allen. We, we kind of part ways with Fred Allen because his funniest times were when he was able to be spontaneous, off the cuff. Um, and he doesn't do that in the Fred Allen show. It's all stilted, and you can tell it's, it's pre-programmed. It might even be his material, but it's pre-programmed. He doesn't have an opportunity no, to be spontaneous. No. But my gosh, when you listen to him in a show, something well, yeah. like um, Information Please, he was on there several times. He is a riot. He is just so funny. And I never appreciated his show, the Fred Allen show. You know, that was, that was interesting. I didn't really either. But I, I will say this for him. He was very topical, even then. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Oh gosh, yes. Even I have, that, even I have that. turned a 
but paused a show at different times. So I got to look this one up you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and go out and find out yep. who the person was or the situation yep. that he was talking about. He was, and yeah. it's only because I'm interested, and I I love that era. I'm interested in history, so for me, it's it's very much worth it to go out and hunt for this. But for the average listener who listens for the appreciation of the show, I, I'm confident, as with you. Um, you just get lost. It's amazing to me that Fred read about six newspapers a day and wrote his own scripts pretty much. I, the I 30s. That. And, sure. and, and to me, uh, you, you could tell that it was topical or he was based upon something he read or, or had. Mm-hmm. And she don't have that knowledge. I think what Patricia suggested is probably the great way to absorb the show. I believe that's right. That's true. Yeah. Except I'm not in his audience very often. No, I'm really not either. Well, that's okay. There are tens of thousands of shows out there. And Lynn Noyce used to tell me, well, you have to broaden your horizons. You have to listen to something that you don't like. And my answer always was, I've got so much to listen to that I do like. Why would I spend my time? Can I I ask you both a favor? Mm Hmm? Ish. Would you listen to the a Fred Allen show that we will play the last Friday night in December, the, the December 30th, a special show? Sure. Because it's the 80th anniversary when Stuart King played to be, and Stuart's going to be our special live guest that Friday night on the 80th, uh, right on the 80th anniversary. Oh, oh boy, how is that for timing? You Isn't that timing? It. Yeah. It's excellent. And Stuart, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's still playing. He is still had just got done doing six performances this summer, and he said it's remarkable. He's ninety, and wow. and just he's still a delight. And so I just want to those he is. those of you who have never heard the show, it's a one hour bug. We'll play that night, the anniversary, the eightieth. Eight <clears throat> O, everybody, underline that eight O anniversary, the the last Friday of December. So, and we'll have him live to talk about it. That is so great. He is such a delightful person. Absolutely. Yeah. Now back to Fred Allen for just a second, if I can. Yes. Sure. One of the things I found very interesting about Fred Allen, and I'm not sure how they were so connected up, but in the early two. Well, the middle 60s, I guess. The middle and late 60s. Quit. Early 70s, I get problems here. The uh, early, uh, late 60s, middle 60s and late 60s, maybe into the early 70s. Uh, very early 70s. I would listen to Jack Eigen in Chicago quite often. He had an interview program. Um, a live audience interview program. But he would do interviews, interview celebrities and things like that on this program. Uh, and it was an hour and a half, weeknights, on, on a Chicago radio station. Anyhow, I'm, where I'm going with this is that um, Fred Allen would very often make references to Jack Eigen on his, on his program. And I don't know how uh, those, I'd, I'd be interested to know, and I hope someday I can find out how, uh, what that relationship was between those two, because it was very interesting. Uh, Jack Eigen is from New York, I think, and 
ended up in Chicago and was in Chicago for several years. And you and you hear Fred Allen mention his name on the radio show in the forties. So they must they must they must be they must they must been friends or something. Yes, there must be some relationship there, friends or how what kind of friends they were, how it developed. That would be very interesting to know. Okay, uh, find out. I uh, I I'm, I'm I, pulling my teacher role. What a great question. Well. Everybody will benefit for it. You look it up and let us know next week. <laughs> That's what my teachers would say. Isn't that crummy? Yeah. Teacher is supposed to know the answer and have courage enough to say, I don't know, but I'll find it. <laughs> they used to give it to us. Well, yes. That, that is not the best encouragement to ask questions in class. No. But I told you last week that, that I did that one time. One time, and thought I was pulling the wool over the teacher's eye because uh, wool over, over the teacher because I, I was sidetracking her, and she didn't care. She she knew your business, huh? She knew she okay. knew her thought her her where she was coming from, was that it's fine because I was discuss, I, I I was interested in 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 a, a subject that while it didn't wasn't dealt with in the books we were using. It dealt with that. With the, it was a government city. It was a government class, mm-hmm. civics government class, government class. And um, I started asking questions about the city government there and where 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 I went to school, because they had a uh, little different kind of government than we had here. We have a, a city council type government. They had a city manager, an alderman type government there, and I was very interested in that. And so she thought that was just great because as long as it had to do with the government, it was, it was, it was okay. And I thought I was getting away with something. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> you had to try harder. I know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, Ron, I'm so glad that I was not in trouble this week. You were not in trouble this week. And, and I'm so glad that you thought it was kind of silly that what we listened really to last wise. night. And I, I think that... Uh, that it didn't show the girls in the best light. I think it was very unfair to the girls. Um, I thought the girl, was, I thought the girl from Texas was the was the smart one of the group. Pretty good, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, these girls had to had to be more intelligent than what, than what that was showing. And I don't think it was very fair to them. Oh, I don't think so. They were the best of the picks. <laughs> Well, I mean, no. there, uh, maybe you got to be a girl to do this. You got to be. You have to I be. Guess, a girl I guess. Okay, I'll this, take but that. Recognize okay. when somebody's putting on stupid, or they really are stupid. They were stupid. Okay, not Patricia. All not all of them. I, I have to tell you that. I, and I readily admit it. Not all of them. But my goodness, there was a pass. All right, my dear. Can I ask you a question? Uh oh. Now, I don't like answering questions that you give me, but I'll do it. <laughs> She'll do it. Do you know any real, have you ever met or known any really stupid girls in the past? Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> 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 my. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. But you're not one oh, of yeah. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I say stupid, it, there's a difference. Uh, let me, let me just 
define this for you. There's a difference between ignorant and stupid. Ignorant is not knowing information. Stupid is not being willing to do anything with information or rejecting information. That's hey, stupid. Hey. All right. But ignorance simply means a person is not educated in per particular subject mm -hmm. or life area, sure. and they can learn. Sure. Stupid people can't learn. How is that for a very, warm, fuzzy very, attitude? very good analysis? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, I have known stupid people. That's great. It's great um, that I knew stupid people. No, it's <laughs> Your the, the, this 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 direction you're coming from here is interesting. Where am I coming from? Where are you coming from with it? I wouldn't have thought of it that way. Yeah, your analysis. Oh. Oh. Yeah, your analysis. It's not that they were ignorant. Some of them were really stupid. Yeah, it's your yeah. it's your it's your masterpiece on the stupidity question. <laughs> One of my masterpieces of stupidity. Yes, I like that. <laughs> I kind of rearranged the words a little bit, but yes, well, that, that right. was good. That was good. That's all right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Um, well, so I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I will say this. It was interesting. It was interesting. It really was. It was very interesting. I think Win Elliott was probably the bomb of the group. Oh, I think you're right. And, it, and he, is, he later was so different. Indeed, and even at that time, he was one of the one of the stars of announcing and stuff like that. There, oh yeah, boy, he sure did not shine his star on this one. He did not. No, he was about. I don't to think it would even be fair to say he was having fun with it. That's just not the kind of thing you do on a program like that. No, no, you know, he had to, it sounded like he was almost embarrassed in some points. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know how to talk right. to them. He was just uncomfortable in the role. And by golly, I would have thought a professional at his level would have either done fine because he was a talk show host, uh, not a talk show host, but he, is, he hosted programs, so had to spontaneously speak with people. And if he couldn't I, do that, at least practice with your kids. I'm not sure what 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 kind of radio he what he was doing then exactly. Um, I really don't know. What kind of radio was he doing at the time? I don't know. Right, that's that's it. Now later, in '52, I was at '53. He was doing those Sanka salutes on CBS that we heard, and then later he got into sports. And was very knowledgeable at it and very good at it. So I don't know what he would be, what he would have been, would have been doing then. That would well, be an interesting question. Somewhere in here, I have um, the folder. <laughs> it's in here somewhere. But anyway, it's one that was recorded. Um, I'll find it. And then there was some information I found about him. At what he was doing at the time. Huh. But anyway, he didn't follow through very well on uh, Miss America. No, he didn't. Very peculiar. So, I don't know. Well, Ron, your mission this week is to have a good week. And, oh, I try. And I will order some warmer weather for you. Would you let me know if it arrives? I shall. Oh, Though so I'm not, I haven't really. You know, for, 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 for this time of the year and where we are, Mm -hmm. Where I am, 
it really hasn't been too bad. Now, I hear uh, that tomorrow we could get some snow. Ooh. I don't think very much. Ooh. I don't think very much, and I doubt that it'll stick because I think the ground's too warm. Ooh. So I don't think it's going to amount to much, but we could get some snow tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Well, at least it's pretty coming down, but... Yeah. And it, it just it just doesn't make it when you have to go outside. No, and that's the, that's, the, that's the nice thing about it for me, is that I can stay in. I don't have to go out. Yeah. You know, that is I, really nice. I, someone, and I think it was you, told us a long time ago that when you were working, you took oh. a bus and somebody came out of their driveway and hit you? They did. That I got the right person. I remember you did. that. You, you did. You did. And you did, and I'm, I'm still here. And you are still here. I am still here. So, okay. So right. you don't have to go out anymore, so you're at least a little bit safer. No, I don't have to go out anymore unless I want to. That is yes. the difference. It's by choice, yes. It's by choice. And, and that's well, such a good thing. That is such yes, a good thing. Yes, it's a wonderful thing. All right. Well, you have yourself a wonderful week. I'm sorry about the snow. I'm even sorrier about the temperatures. So, well, it is what it is. It is. I mean, um, not, you know, of course, Mark Twain's quote about everybody talks the weather, do, about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Do we know yet if <laughs> so the Dropbox? Oh, do we know yet if the Dropbox works? I tried to put stuff in there last week, and you didn't get it, or didn't take it, or whatever. I, I checked it a couple of times. Hmm. I deli- oh, wrong. Your, fi- your old one is finally working? Because I deleted that. No, no, the the the, 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 the one you sent. The, the one that's yeah. Ron and Patricia. Yeah, that should be the one you should use. Well, I will go look. But I well, do no, let, me, let, me, let me do this. Let me, I've got something right here. Let me go. Uh, hold on. This is live radio, folks. Let me do this. Let me go in here. Let me make a couple of station announcements while we're doing that. And then we got Fred from Vermont on hold. But here, I want to mention three special live broadcasts this week. And this is going to be all in the blue. On Wednesday, December 7th, Larry and I will come on at 1 o'clock Eastern and look back upon Pearl Harbor. There on December 7th, 75 years ago. We're going to feature Patricia's interview with Major John A. Hughes in that first hour. And we'll have newscasts and uh, broadcasts. That is Wednesday, December 7th, starting at 1 o'clock Eastern. On Thursday, on the blue, December the 8th, because all this is 75th anniversary, Larry and I will come on at noon Eastern and look at the shows and Franklin Delano Roosevelt speeches. Oh, we have both Mutual, CBS, and NBC. We'll feature all three, but the news and some of the, some of the broadcasts. On Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern, on the blue, Patricia it will be getting upright, out of bed, and in time, and she'll be on with Ken Golf and myself, and we'll have our Holiday Express on Saturday, December the 10th, at 4 o'clock Eastern, and then we'll take a few hours off, and we'll come back at our normal live time. And if you missed the John A. Hughes interview, we'll play it part of the program that night. So those are some of the up-to-date schedule. Ron? Yes? 
You have to figure out a way to stop sending volume one because as I take it out, it just comes back. And there's nothing in the folder. There's nothing in the folder? Mm-mm. Hmm. Well, well obviously it works. So uh, I'll have to try to send it again. Okay. Watch for it later. I'll send it again. Send, it, okay. send one file at a time. Yeah, I'll, I'll send that just that first volume. Okay. That should fit. All right, Ron. All right, you guys take care. You too. Uh, Thank you. Bye-bye. Just as, as, as I always do, I got to tell you that. And uh, no news on Jim yet, by the way. Okay. No new news on Jim. Thank, thank you for remembering that. Well, I, I must. I have to. Because I'm, as, as you can well imagine, I'm concerned about him, and I, I need to hear from him, and I can't. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, 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 waiting. <laughs> and we are waiting, 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 waiting. Yeah. So <laughs> right. it, it will come together. He's got it's, a. It will. He's just got so many things on his mind and so many things to that has to be done yep. in yep. order to get to a life. You know, he has to get his life back in order. Right. So we'll forgive him. But it's it's concerning when you don't hear from somebody like that. Yes, it is very, and that's my that's my point, I guess. That it's yeah. you know concerned, and I think we all are. Anybody that knows him and mm-hmm. um, so, so but we'll, okay. we'll we'll hear something fairly soon. All right. Ron. Okay. Be all good. Right, all right. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, Fred. How you doing? I'm good. All right. How you guys doing? Good. You have any any weather report to give Patricia? I mean, she had the weather map of the um, USA. Crappy and crappy. Crappy and crappy. Can, is that in the, is that in your dictionary, Patricia? That you have that terminology on your weather board? In my dictionary? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. And Walden gives me a word that I can use. You know. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the sun since Monday, so. Oh wow, we haven't seen rain for months. Yeah, uh, I hate that. I hate stuff like that. But anyway, it's not. We got a little bit of snow last night, not much, but it's like I said, wet and damp and dark mm. and everything's brown and dead and not not a pleasant time of year. Uh, one thing I say about snow is at least it covers up. It makes it look nice outside. <laughs> All the boo-boos are gone for now. <laughs> yeah, so... To, yeah, when it starts to melt, it's depressing what what shows up underneath the snow. Oh, yeah, when everything dies, the ground, you know, everything turns brown and... Uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, but it is winter, you know? you know? I mean, so, actually, I can't complain. We, we, it's been, as far as the temperature goes... You know, it's been fairly warm, so, for this time of year. Do you, do you guys have, uh, uh, you know, I had the Killing Grimes on last night, it recorded, because next week she's going to Bedfall, New York, because they have this run, this five, they're doing three days of event on the highlight. Last year, can you imagine this, Patricia? She told me last year they had 4,100 people run 5K in the snow. Wow. And they That's stupid. Thank you for defining stupid for me. <laughs> so, yeah. are there any crazy things in Vermont 
find that people... Oh, yeah. Idiots up here, they play softball tournaments in the snow. <laughs> There's other ones that they do a golf thing in the snow. Most I risk my like, case about S-words. Yeah. I risk my case. This is great. Thank you, guys. I... I disagree with your definition of stupid. Oh, okay. Oh, go for it. That, something like that is stupid. <laughs> People that know better and still go out and do this crap. That's stupidity as far as I'm concerned. But mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I think know, I said that, that it's people who ignore the information or just have no common sense to follow it. Well, see, no, I agree with that definition, but when you said stupid people can't learn, that's the one I took exception to. Oh, I think they can learn. They just don't apply they can with learn, them. Sure. <laughs> you know. Thanks for reminding me of things that I said. I, you know, just keep calling. Okay, 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 okay. Let me ask you this. What? 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 Are there, are there stupid people? And I'm not talking as if they're disabled. You know, no mental sound, not nothing. I'm just saying. Oh, no. Yeah, sure. Uh, we're just talking about. Are there just people who, no matter what you do for us, as, as a tutor, they can never get the concept. Uh, I'm not sure no. that's stupid. They're I trying. At least yeah, they're trying. I mean, but you get you get somebody, for example, who is told repeatedly, "Do not cross the street in New York City in the middle of a block. When you come out between parked cars, you're going to get hit." And they say, "Poof," and they walk between parked cars and they get hit. Right. That's stupid. Yeah, it's like it's like these people. Like I, I watch, I watch that show in the mornings, that that parking wars show, where these it's one of those idiotic reality shows about Philadelphia parking, and these follow these meter maids around, they give out tickets, and some of these people that come out and argue with these people on their tickets, and the guys try, the guy tries to explain it to them. You see that side? No parking between seven a.m. and seven p.m. And and they they'll just sit there and argue about why it's wrong and, and it's like yeah, the law is wrong, not them. Yeah, well, well, yeah, and, and they'll, they'll they'll say, "Oh, the side's wrong," or or there is no side, and the side's like right there. You know, <laughs> or then they'll argue because the side's not in the right spot. Or it's, it's yeah, unbelievable. it's crazy. Yes, that's stupid. Yeah, exactly. As far as the answer to your question, Walden, no, I've never had a kid. I mean, there's certain concepts that are too hard for certain kids at points, and there's certain things they might not get because right. of what we're doing and how fast we're doing it. But kid, everybody learns differently. That's the thing. And so there, there, there are people who can't sit down and read about something and and process it and understand it. But you take that same information and you deliver it to them via a video or via a play or you slow down the information and you just talk to them about it as opposed to having them reading on their own and all of a sudden it clicks. They can get it. Everybody's different. I mean, mm-hmm. I think anybody can learn. They really can. Even even kids who are severely severely challenged, mentally challenged, can learn. They can't, they can't learn maybe a lot and it takes them a lot longer to learn something. But I think everybody can learn to a certain extent, so, you know, certain things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's things I'll never get. Like, for me, I can't, foreign language, forget it. You and Patricia are in the same boat. I just can't do it, yeah. I, I took three or 
two or three different classes in high school, and I tried. And I and, and I don't consider myself stupid. Okay, okay. But, Let me ask, but, what's the challenge? What do you think is the, the hurdle of trying to learn a foreign language? From oh, my perspective, uh -huh. it's, it's a part of your brain that can do that, and some parts of everyone's brains are stronger than others. And that's exactly. my weakest area is in my brain. You, you, think, it's, you think it's the rhythm? You have, have you sort of figured out why that brain doesn't absorb that part? Well, I heard, and I don't know how true this is, but I took, I, I don't know if you've heard of those, there's, they advertise them, but I get them in the mail all the time. They're called uh, Great Courses in Learning, and they're basically yeah. all uh -huh. courses that you get cheap, because you don't get any credit for them. But you can get them, you, you pay, like, I paid 15 bucks for this course on, on, on the brain, in development of the brain, and it was like a 15-part lecture series. And they talked about how, like, a baby is born. If you put a baby in a house with eight different languages going on at the same time, while it's growing up, it'll learn all eight different languages fluently. That a child... His brains, the connections to the brain, are such that it is wired to learn that at that age. Yet, as they get older and certain connections aren't used, the brain literally rewires itself. Then, how does the instructor explain people who are post-retirement who sign up for adult education courses can come out? Knowing Spanish. Well, you can learn at any age, and your brain, and, and and you can apply it yourself at any age. But it's like people like uh, like learning learning how to play the piano or learning how to play an instrument. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. easier when you're, an age, you're right. There's an age that the brain is more receptive to these kinds of learning experiences. Exactly. And yeah, when you what? don't use them. It, yeah, your brain literally. Area. Yeah. What's well, I tried doing French. I took, it. I took, I took two years of French and I took two years of Latin, and I can't tell you anything except sing a song in French. I'm with you. I, I, and even and even that's iffy. I took four weeks of English of French in high school, only because I had to, in seventh grade, and it was the only class I. Well, no. One of only two classes I ever failed in my life in high school. Uh, and then I took two years of German, and I still, I can count to ten in German. That's about it. They high and by. I'm sorry. That's it. That's all I could get. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just, and, and the spelling. Oh, my God. That was even worse. And then I took a class. I was individual aid with a student. Um. And so I had to take, I had to basically help him with what he was taking, and he was taking Spanish. And that was, I mean, I helped him with everything else, but near Spanish, it was like the blind leading the blind. What a joke that was. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did the best I could, and I did all right, I guess, but I just, yeah, it's like I said, my brain's not, it's like, it's not wired for that, so I just can't, I just don't yeah. get it. Apparently but, mine never was. But, but yeah, I don't know. I just uh, so, well, I know in, out here in California, we have the great debate about uh, having our kid, you know, who's coming from a different country, 
learning English. And you know, the two schools of thought, the merging process, where the kid is sort of get, is a, a, around it all the time in the, in the classroom, and hopefully picks it up. Or the other program that they've been trying out himself is almost teaching everything in the uh, native language, uh, the courses and, tri- and, and trying to in- introduce English. And for years, I, I think we've always sort of, the United States always gone with the immersion process, but they've been trying to, they've been trying this other method, another track, but um, I, I was, my guess is the immersion program is still, for most kids, is probably the way to, to go, but uh, it, it's, so the, it's the great debate. Yeah, it, it almost, I mean, well, yeah, it, that, that's hard, that's a hard call. Yeah, it really is. It's almost, it's almost, I think based upon every kid, rather than just, just assume that this you, is the way to do it. You've got a kid right. coming over, and he's already eight, nine years old, and he's already halfway through his education, and he doesn't speak a lick of English. You know, if you're going to hold him back if you're going to wait till he can speak English before he continue his education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you know, from my point of view always it has been a language challenge for me to i mean my father spoke fluent french so and he learned it in high school so it, it's not like i'm from a doofus family no <laughs> you know, who never encouraged anything my like brother that. yeah my brother uh I, I, could the state not, I could not understand a word he was saying my brother worked for the state department for 20 years he could speak persian chinese and yeah, whatever they speak in Thailand, I don't know what that is. I, 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 was really, I don't know. I was really interested. I talked to our friend Richard Williams, who was one of the quiz kids, and he actually he went in, in to be a diplomat. And Dick Davis, who was uh, Pinky and One Man Family, he went to the diplomat. And both of them told me at the beginning, in the early days of the diplomatic course, it, you were not required to know a foreign language. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Back in the 30, 40s and 50s, you would sign up, and then you would learn the area, and eventually they would you would uh, you know adapt the language. But that was not a requirement. At, well, I know Chris was beginning. telling me. Actually, believe it or not, do you know what they use? Because he learns, he he would he would go from nothing to almost fluent in six months. That's how accelerated the, the course was. But you know what they you actually use? At least they use with him. What what? Learn the foreign language. What? The Rosetta Stone. You see it advertised all over the place. Oh. It's it's a course. That's a you can see it, you go you can click it on the internet. They got all these different languages. You can buy anybody can buy it. Right. That's the, that's what the government uses as as their teaching method. Um, and it, it's totally immersive too. I mean, he's you know when he's training, you know and I, don't, I don't know how long he goes away. For, I don't remember how long he went for training, but when he went. He went to an environment where that was totally immersive. Uh, it's the Extra Stone. I'm, I'm trying to tell the Patricia the name of the program. Oh, the Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone. It's what they teach. Yeah. I, 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 okay, and that was that, those were the words that I missed. Yeah. Thank you. I, I know. But he taught. What he taught me was, and it makes sense. Now you think about it. He says, "You know, you got the language when you start thinking in the language and stop." Mm-hmm. And stop interpret, you know, transferring it from your mind. You know, where you go, this is a pencil, and then you take the pencil and you say, this is a whatever it is. 
And, he, and when you stick, you start looking at the object and just recognizing it in that language, he said, that's when you know you've got the language. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah, Rick, I was talking, you've, you've heard me talk about uh, the, well, we had him on the air one time for Christmas, Marcial out in California, the right. person I do work for his business. And he called me the other day, just this week, and we started talking, and he dropped a couple of French words in there, and I understood because it was in context, and it was only one at a time. He said, please forgive me. I was just on the phone with my mother, and she's in France. Then, so he was speaking French with her, and he had to make the transition quickly, which he yeah. can do, but he just, he just wasn't recognizing that the French words were coming out right away. Wow. And I had asked him this question, when, when you think... And when you have images in your head, do you think in English or in French? He said, I used to always think in French and then have to translate to English. Now I think in English, and I have to prepare to talk with my mother <laughs> and right. to the no. French code, which, which I thought was really sweet. Yes, I mean, Chris said he would even start dreaming in the language. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, mm -hmm. it's like that. He goes, that's, that's like... Yeah. Now, but, to me, that you, you're almost are, are born that that with that ability. You, you mm -hmm. know, you're able to do that. I I can see why the three of us don't have that because we're not we're, we're not gifted with that ability to to think that way. But yeah, but, but according to the course I took, mm -hmm. every baby is born with the ability to pick up. Well, it makes sense any language because a baby's born into whatever it's born into. So you're talking about immersive. Yeah. A baby, you know, when it's born, it is in whatever household it's in. And that's all it's going to hear. What, what I, I'm trying to think of... Uh, trying to think of one, uh, Barry Farber. Now, there's a gentleman who's still uh, learning new languages. And what what I look on Wikipedia, he's up to 26 languages right now that he knows. Oh. Yeah, 20, I thought it was 28. It might be 26. Yeah. 28 um, languages. And, and it's conversational. It's not bits and pieces. It's conversational. He said, I couldn't teach a course in this, but sure, I can hold a conversation. And he does really strange, yep. not strange, highly unusual. He speaks Cantonese. He speaks uh, uh, Ukrainian. Um, uh, it, it's just the most unusual mix. And he said, and of course, the common ones, you know, like French and Spanish. <laughs> well, might right. come to him. <laughs> Not coming to me, but really an unusual collection of languages he speaks. Twenty-six. I can't, like I said, I can't imagine keeping them straight in my head when you're talking. That was There's got to be a lot of them that are similar. Mm -hmm. yep. So, you know, you're talking in one, and, and, and like you said, you know, it's more like if you're fluent in it, you're thinking in it while you're talking in it. I, I, I can't even imagine. I, I can't imagine having yeah. five in my head, let alone 30. I'm sorry, but I remember the, the English word sometimes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, but, yeah, I can't. Okay. I, I can never do that. Tell him I have a question for him, Walton. All right, Patricia got a question for you, Fred. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying, okay, I've got a question for you, and it's just gone. And when Walton... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Everybody listens when Walden says something. Well, I, I heard you. Yeah. yeah, we heard you. Uh, Fred just had a, my, uh, Fred had just had a stop. Fred had a fire stopping point. That's all, Patricia. 
That's right. Okay. All right. My question is, are you with me? <laughs> no, I, 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 I want to ask a question. I'm just making sure you're with me. I thought you just asked it. You said I'm with you. <laughs> no, I'm, I wanted to know if the instructor who was in the Rosetta, uh, the, what, film, uh, the education of the, the sessions, when he talked about babies being receptive to learning as you said, if there are eight different languages being spoken in the house, the baby will adapt to all of them. How long does it take him to discern that what he is learning has to be segregated into different languages, that they're not all part of a single learning experience? That's a good question. I have no idea what the answer is. I don't know. It was it was part of the the, the, the lecture was like a one part of an eight part course. By the way, this my, when I when I when I learned that it was separate from the Rosetta Stone. That's a different deal. The Rosetta Stone was what the government taught for languages, and it's a program yeah, for teaching languages. I, I understand now. Walden suggested Rosetta Stone, and there is, of course, the the language learning. But what you were talking right. about were great courses. That's yeah, the name of the courses. program. Um, I. That's yeah. a good question. I don't know if he ever answered it. Actually, uh, I, I don't remember if he did. I don't remember where that, how that distinction came about. The thing that amazed me was it, it, it suddenly clicked as to why kids could pick stuff up quicker to me. And this is all theory, though. This is not. This is theory. This is this. Let me let me let me also yeah. reiterate that. I don't think they've proven any of this. There's so much about well, it that we don't know. Um, yeah, I have a suggestion in that area that the older the child gets until adulthood and then on, we keep adding information to our brains, and it has more clutter in there, whereas a child, a young child, doesn't have that kind of clutter yet. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Well, I know a kid last year I coached some basketball. He's nine years old, and he speaks. His, his family is from China. They run, they run a Chinese restaurant here in town. They don't, his, his grandfather speaks no English. This kid speaks fluent Chinese and fluent English. Fluent. Two of the probably most difficult languages on the on the planet. And he speaks them both fluently because he's around them all the time. He's around Chinese at home all the time. Yeah. And he's around English at school with his friends all the time. He he was born in the United States. He's been raised in the United States, but he's in a household where certain pe- members of the family speak nothing but Chinese. Sure. So he speaks both. So yeah. That part, that part, I can figure out how a child might be able to segregate the two of them. But when when you're talking about multiple languages that a child is learning, just within a household, not anything formal, not outside, not playing with friends, but just in a household where he's got so many languages surrounding him. I don't know how he would separate them. Yeah, I don't know how he would either. And I, and I don't know if they, were, they, they brought that point up as a, as, a, as a part of the theory, saying that the, the child's capable of doing this. But if you think about it, how many actual households are there where there's more than one or two languages? Yeah. Probably there's many. And, and I guess I guess the the next question is, he can absorb it. Does he know how to use it? I would I would guess yes. Because I'm assuming. I mean, he might he might 
I would think he might get it mixed. He might do what your friend was doing a lot, especially if there's four or five languages going on at the same time. Yeah. He might mix words up, so he might have a sentence that's half English and half Chinese, or half English. I mean, you can even do that in a two-language home. I was just, uh, just thinking, like, both, like, in New York, in the early days, in the 20s and 30s, you have multiple languages in the same city. Maybe, yeah. maybe, the, maybe there were kids that absorbed all that. I don't know. There, there must have been. There must have been a kid that, because yeah. uh, they were exposed to so many different cultures and things, which were able to absorb four or five different languages without, without any training. I mean, it's almost like it'd be a gift to do that. Uh, but, yeah. How to put it together. As Fred says, the children were flexible enough to do that. Mm-hmm. My great-grandmother, who came here from Germany, could not. Mm-hmm. She was limited in her exposure, yeah. however. She was already she was what? Oh, already well the old when she got here, right? Say that again? Your grandmother, how old was your grandmother, you think, when she came to the States? At that she, time? To the she, had very, she had very small children, so she was young. However, the biggest obstacle that I think there was to people, immigrants who have come in with a different language, and English was going to be their second language, the biggest hurdle that they had to get over was that they all lived in neighborhoods with people who spoke the same language. Yes, so that's there you go. Got the Irish neighborhoods, we got the German neighborhoods, we got the Italian neighborhoods. It wasn't that they were segregating themselves, they were simply attracted to each other because they could communicate. Yeah, cultural reasons. reason yeah. for my grandmother to learn English because she had everyone around her who spoke German. Right. And my great-grandmother, not my grandmother. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah. and, and that's, and I think that's the way with a lot of, you know, a lot of immigrants that come over here that even in, the, even in their 20s or 30s, even by then, you're already, oh, I don't know what the word, invested in your own language. You've already put, you know, yeah. it's not... It was so hard for her to communicate with somebody in English that she just didn't. She just didn't. She could get by without having to have that, that intensive experience while she was raising five kids. And she was right. doing it by herself. Her husband died. Very shortly oh. after they came, they came over, he died. Uh, and she had five children. Another remarkable thing. I bet her kids picked up English, though, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, see, and and that's what that's what the, the the course was saying was that young younger kids they can, they can learn faster. They pick things up faster. I I know. They do a better job. We get old. I know. Playmates all spoke that language. It was also interesting here in California. You remember in the seventies, we had a lot of Vietnamese culture came to California. And right. it was interesting to observe uh, the parents didn't, didn't speak any languages, but the offspring spoke both Vietnamese and English. And a lot of time, one of the stu- one of the kids would go to the Peace Conference meetings with their parents. That way, the interpretation, he, yeah. Yeah, that way he could interpret for both the parent and the, and the teacher. And it would be would be one of those one of those children that would do that, and I thought that was an interesting way to negotiate the language barrier, mm-hmm. because the Vietnamese yeah. culture is very family oriented, very 
you know, there, a lot of the kids really do very well in school, and and they ha- so they had that strong unit. But it was interesting how they figured how to adapt and how to make, you know, to try to help their parents with with the to interpret. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's uh, and let's face it, we, you know, we are a melting pot. Yeah. That's what this country is. So. Of, of all of all the subjects, I'm just talking about generality, Fred. Here, have there been one generally that's the toughest for students to absorb? In other words, when they come to you for tutoring, uh, uh, most of them need help in a certain area. Is it mostly math? Is it mostly science? Is it uh, over the years? The board. Uh, a lot of the kids that I get, though, not all of them. Okay, not all of them. Um, some of them. Or, or they're, they're, they're really bright, but they're with me because they couldn't control their temper. Right. And they're actually good students. Um, and, uh, but a lot of them, the ones that aren't so good as, aren't so good as students, a lot of it's reading problems, comprehension problems. Um, because we're very rigid. It, it is, and how we say we're advanced in education in this country and all that, we're not. In a lot of ways, and and a lot of a lot of our teaching, quote unquote, comes from kids reading a textbook. How do you help a kid with comprehension? That to me, that to me, that's a that's an interesting trick to work with them to. It's you know, time you get them, they're 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 beyond kindergarten. I would think that the that's an interesting. Oh, we, don't, we don't do anymore. We don't hold kids back anymore. That's, that's too bad. That's like, a, that's like we can't do that because it'll hurt their self-esteem. It's, it's unbelievable. If a kid, when, when I was growing up, if you didn't learn the material, you were held back and you did it again. I repeated third grade. It didn't kill me. No. Um, and, and it's, I don't know. We, we just pass kids on and they're not learning. Not all of them, but if you're not, we, we teach. The thing is, you, it's, it's almost like we're trying the same thing. I think it's the same thing as well in the medical field, and there's really no pat answer. But medicine is, is is more, you know, somebody gets sick, so the standard procedure is you give them this drug to fix that illness. Well, not everybody's the same. Not everybody's body's the same. Not everybody's. It's the same thing with teaching and learning. Not everybody learns the same way. So if you're not geared towards learning the standard way, you get left behind. Like if you're slow at reading, you don't. You, you, you can't keep up in reading. You're at a major disadvantage in this country, all the way up through school, because so much of it is based on reading. Yeah. Um. I, but there's kids that um, they they're just conceptually um, they don't like math. You know, there's kids that just don't get it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those kids, I will I will go back to to, to some basics with them um, and try to get them to understand. You know what addition, what addition is, what subtraction is. A lot of them don't even get that, and they're sitting here trying to take a tenth grade geometry course or an algebra course, uh, and they don't understand. Not that they don't know what eight plus seven is, because they can sit there and, and 
look it up on their little chart or punch it in their little calculator and give you an answer, but they have no idea that multiplication, for example, is repeated addition, which is a real simple concept. Yeah. I mean, that's something you should get in second grade. I always found for a student, when I would tutor kids in math, when they ask you a question, a lot of tutors don't answer the question right away. They want to go back and say, well, this is sort of the process. And, they, and I think that sometimes that loses the kid. I always try to answer the question and make them say, and try to figure out how they're looking at it. And I said, you're looking at it this way where you really ought to be looking at it that way. And I think it's, you know, part of a, t a tutor to help kid alleviate that frustration level. That way, once you can do that, I think, then you can help them learn the basics. I, I don't know, that was just... Show well, yeah, and, and I understand, and, and that's my deal, that I don't, I don't have time to reteach this kid either. Right. You know, I, I can't make up for 10 years. This, I, I get this kid when he's 15 years old. And I can't go back and teach him 10 years of math plus the course he's supposed to be learning in three months, you know. So I have to pick and choose my battles, too. But it, it's it, – it, the thing is, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to teach somebody – it's like coaching, you know. I get so frustrated with coaching because that's why I like the level I'm back at now. I'm back at the beginning level. Where they, they they got those fundamentals where they're yeah. starting to learn, you know. Because when I had these kids when they were older, and I'm trying to teach them certain skills, and they can't even do a basic dribble. It's the same thing. Everything builds on everything, and math especially. Yeah. Math is like another foreign language. It really is. Yeah. It, it's everything builds on everything else. So if you don't understand if you don't understand the basics of what let's say what simple addition is and what it what it represents. Not even so much the answers, but that to add something means to get more of something. To subtract means to actually take away from something. The actual concept of what it means. Then how are you gonna understand what multiplication is and what division is? And then how are you, I mean, everything builds on everything else. So, I mean, I, I worked with kids in, in a college that were, in second grade, we had them doing geometry with, with cues and air runs. Hmm. <laughs> you know? And, because, and they loved it, and they were having a great time. But it was physical, they could see it, mm -hmm. and they could understand the concept. And, and I, I don't know, it's, it's, but as far as one thing, you know, I would say the one thing that I that I see in a lot of kids that I get is their 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 reading level is really low. The kids are having a hard time learning. So how can we fix that? How can we fix that as a society? We have to teach kids how to read, and which means we can't we can't move them along if they're not getting getting it where they're at. Especially in the lower grades, we have to do a better job of making sure kids can read 
first, second, third grade level before we push them on into higher levels. Or we need to readjust the way we teach. Makes you wonder if having the grade system is the right method anymore. Are, are, are we really doing a disservice to having first, second, third, and fourth, fifth grade? Is there a better way to structure it? That way the kid can get the concept of the different areas, then move on to the next level. It makes you wondering. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking outside the box here. Is there a diff, is it is our structure need to be rethought? Well, I think it, I think that's probably a good a good question. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if there's any easy answer to that. Um, and again, can we adapt how we teach certain kids? Okay. So now I I'll do a lot of that with the kids I get that can't read with history and stuff. You know, like, for example, I've got a kid right now, great kid. Not, he's not stupid at all. And he's not a bad reader. He's, he's, I've had worse. But when it comes to reading a textbook, and that dry... Mm. Last time you read a history textbook, and I love history. Yeah. But nothing kills history more better than a history textbook does. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and there's... there's uh an equally bad, Walden asked last week what would have made me excited about learning about history in, in school, I, and I said the start would have been a teacher who was excited about history. Exactly. And what I will do with this kid is I will go over the chapter with him, and I'll, I'll, ta I'll, I'll read, literally read it to him, but not really. I will basically put it into my own words and try to explain to him what's going on. Mm -hmm. And try to make comparisons to what's going on, and 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 then he gets it, and he understands it. Um, but I won't sit there and and like make him read the text, read the chapter, and answer the questions, you know, because he won't get you. it, and he won't. And they must love you. Uh, but yeah, but I love history, so you know, yeah. I'll take something. I'll say, oh, oh, this is what they're talking about. Okay. Um, so, like, we just did a thing on Napoleon. Um, we're doing the French Revolution. And uh, their, their little thing on the Bastille was, you know, a bunch of guys got all ticked off at the government, so they they stormed this prison and started the French Revolution. And, and that was about it. I mean, it was a little more than that. But I basically, you know, explained to him what Bastille was, and why they stormed it? Because he was like, "Why would they? Why would they want to let all these prisoners out?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, you got to understand that these people weren't really prisoners. Well, they were prisoners, but they were political prisoners. You know, he's 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 thinking in terms of the people we have in our jail mm -hmm. down the road. And I'm thinking, no, these were people who were poor that couldn't pay their taxes or dared speak out against the king." They didn't really do anything wrong. And a lot of these people were just thrown in jail without a trial and were left there. So they weren't really prisoners, but they were, but they were, but they weren't there because they really did anything wrong. And, and that's why... They weren't there because they killed somebody, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, then it clicked. He's like, oh, okay. And he goes, and so that's why they did what they did. They were angry, and they were angry at being treated like that. And they were angry at being poor and having to pay the majority of the taxes. And it was funny because 
I'm starting to, and I didn't say this to him. I'm starting to compare it to what was going on in France at the time and how, like, the poor people and the middle class people had to pay most of the taxes. And he goes, well, it's kind of like us today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we don't have a But yeah, yeah, rather rather good observation, you know. (laughs) I have a trivia question for you, Fred. We need a best deal. I'm sorry, Walden. Yeah, go ahead, Patricia. I I, I got it. No, I was just going to say we need a best deal. That's true. To fight back. We don't have a best deal. All right, Fred, here's my trivia question on the back deal. Okay. How many prisoners did we did the, the French Revolution let out? <laughs> I was just going to ask oh, that. Ah, that is a good question. I, I know it's a very small number. Was right. It, I can't remember. Uh, it, well, then what, what, because I read this just, a, I know. just in the last couple of days. I read it, too, and it, it, just the other day we were going over this. I don't remember the number, though. It's 14. What a guess, though. Yeah. I got I got two numbers in my mind. Okay, go give me both. Two hundred and seventy three, but I think that's too high. Uh-huh. Way too high. Uh forty five. Too high. That's too high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. What I remember reading was fourteen. That sounds about right. Okay. They that's killed more guys than prisoners. That's true. But they were. They were. Yeah. And I think it was, no, I, I, I can't even say that. I can tell you what I think, but that's not historic. So I will mm-hmm. refrain. So, Fred, we got to hop to another subject. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a week did you have? <laughs> oh, I had a good one. I had a good one. I started coaching again. Um, mm-hmm. Were you able to get in and out of the car? How, 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 how's your physical? Ability oh, so far, so good. Um, matter of fact, I took some bigger steps the other day at therapy. We're, we're thinking. I don't. I don't know how I feel about this, but we're thinking uh, Monday maybe trying some steps, which would be really good for me if I could do it. Because then I can get. And then I can just increase my distance. I can actually get to my car and back in my house without having people help me. So, would you take a rock or a stroller? How are you gonna? How you, how would you negotiate that? Have you figured out how you would? Well, we haven't figured that out yet. Okay. Look at it. Um, my like I said, one of my biggest problems right now, <laughs> and I'm still being a chicken. I gotta get my nerves up. And I'm, I've never been a really a big needle fan. Um, because I've been pro proud of my wife, and I just hate them. But I probably should get a cortisone shot in my left knee. Uh. And just to see if it works, because my left—that's I think that's holding back my my, my progress in my walking. Mm. Because it's the right leg that I broke, but the left knee's in bad shape too, so that doesn't help. When I, you know, I've been off that for ninety days as well. Mm-hmm. It, it really, really hurts and when I'm walking. I can't—I don't even bend it real a lot. Because it hurts yeah. the bandit, but I got weight on it. Next time it really starts hurting, when it really starts to hurt, that's the time you develop courage and say, "If I have the shot, I won't be. It won't have to go through this." Yeah, I know. I know. Would it help to have your resolve down? Would it help to have like handrail? You have any handrails outside and that you can hold on to while you're walking toward the car? I I have on both sides of the steps. Okay. Um. And I never, I've never been one to go up to, up 
I always go up one step. I'm always, even before I got hurt because of my arthritis, mm-hmm. I've always gone one step at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been one to put one foot on one step, put the other foot on the second step. Mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, rock have, one foot up, one have, foot up. Have you decided to install a dumbwaiter? Maybe that might be easier to get down to the car. That'd be nice, but I already had my town pay for one of my stairs, so <laughs> I got one. Well, not a dumbwaiter, but we use it as a dumbwaiter, but I got one of those chair lifts. Ah. Oh. On my regular oh, stairs. Yeah, that's nice been a godsend. I, I'll tell you what, I live, and I was thinking, I was thinking about this the other day, I live in a town, people are unbelievable. This town is unbelievable. I, I'm so lucky. Uh, I, I, as bad as the Vermont weather and winters can be and all this, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. People are like, why don't you go to Arizona? The weather's better and this and that. I've heard that, a lot, especially from my doctors. I've heard that. Um, and it probably would be better, probably physically, but I got, when I got hurt, I got out of the hospital in July, and the first thing I did was I put on Facebook that I'm going to need uh, uh, a few things in the house. I'm going to need a microwave thing I have upstairs. I'm going to need a Keurig coffee maker. I'm going to need a college-sized refrigerator. I'm not going to be able to get up and down the stairs. And within three hours of putting that on, I had offers from all over the place. Wow. So that was just a start. And then I, I've had people lug me, take me in and out of the house, you know, I'll come home and I'll, I'll there's been a couple people who've done it a lot for me. Um, I've had friends take me to and from therapy all the time. I've had uh, people brought me dinners when I first got home, suppers, plates of food, all kinds of stuff. I've had, uh, you know, I'll get home and someone, the guy that's usually here to help me in isn't here. Mm-hmm. So I'll just start driving around, see, see a friend of mine, I'll drive across the road, we have a a factory across the road with a bunch of workers over there, and all kinds. You know, oh yeah, I'll come over and help you. I'll be right over. <laughs> uh, unbelievable, and it, it's it's just amazing. And then I needed a, a friends of mine put an ad on Facebook about me getting a chairlift. You know, for my stairs because I was coming up down the stairs on my butt, and I still would be doing that, even though I got my cast off. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing this since July. I got home in July. And I had my cast off in September, but I was going up and down the stairs on my butt, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole time, and going down wasn't too bad, but coming up was no, but it was quite a, quite a workout. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they put a little ad on Facebook <clears throat> on me wanting a chairlift, and I couldn't afford it. Basically, was the was the bottom line, mm-hmm. and. I got, not only did I get a bunch of donations, I had an actual nursing home, a couple that ran a nursing home, that tried one in their house, didn't like it, boxed it up after running it for about two weeks, gave it to me. Wow. $1,500 unit, they just gave it to me. And then I had over $1,000 in donations, which ended up paying for the installation because it cost almost almost $900 to install it, a little over 900 A little over 1000 to install it. So that got all paid for. It was all donations. People, you know, it's, uh, the help I've, been, I've gotten is, uh, it's, it's even much bigger than that. I was sitting down thinking about writing a letter to thanking people, but I, I know I'm going to forget a ton of people. 
You know, I, uh, I've just been, it's been overwhelming. So I'm just tickled. I just, I'm humbled, let's put it that way. Incredibly. That's a wonderful story, Fred. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I spent my life giving, you know, I try to give the best I can, but it, it, it's, I don't know. Like I said, it's humbling. It really is. Um, just, you know, and that's why I want to, I want to stay here till I die. I want to stay in this house till I die. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to end up in a nursing home or have to move away or have to sell it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, because it's just, my whole network is here and it's amazing. It's just people crawling out of the woodwork to, to just help. It's just, it was just and unbelievable. You didn't even know we're out there. So, well, I'm, yep. I'm so glad that you've had, you've had good experiences mixed in with this bad one, Fred. So your mission for this week, again, as I am telling other people, is to have a good week. And I'm going to say one more thing about, I want to argue with you one more time, but I'm going to hang up. <laughs> I did not I hear your, uh, your, your show about the beauty pageant and the, the stupid girls. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think they could have fooled you how stupid they were because the girls, in the third, right up until the 60s, I know girls, that, my mother said she was taught by her mother, the best way to catch a man is to act dumb. Girls were literally taught that. So I would think they would be pretty good at fooling people. Acting stupid when they weren't really stupid. Because that was taught, that was the definition mm -hmm. of sexy. Oh yeah, depend. yes, I, I, and I do understand that, and I heard it too. You, you think that's where it was... Even later, it went on like that. You think that's where we... The concept of the dumb blonde jokes... I do, yes. You think that's where it came from, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think so. I mean, it was, to me, that, I mean, to me, that's appalling when you think about it, to act, tell your child to act mm -hmm. stupid. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> go act stupid. <laughs> go act dumb, so you get it's a guy. That's for me, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that's the definition of stupid right there. Tell your kid to act stupid. There you go. There you go. Okay. So. Well, I'm going to hang up. All right, Fred. Okay, Fred. I'll be listening, though. Sounds Better good. Better me until I go to sleep. We'll be good. Oh, I'm not going to say anything bad, I promise. Okay. Well, you can. As long as it's funny, I don't care. <laughs> that can be funny, Patricia. That's, the, the pressure's on. Okay. okay. All right. Make me laugh until I go to sleep. We will. We'll make you okay. laugh. Okay. We put a lot of people to sleep. Bye-bye, Fred. Bye-bye. You know, I was listening the last week or so, Patricia. Um, I'm blessed to have the NBC December 7th, December 8th, almost every hour of coverage, both NBC Red and Blue. And it's mm -hmm. almost like 80 hours of material there. And I've this week I've been trying to get caught up, and I was listening to December 8th, 1941, and the soap opera shows. And one of the giveaways were Christmas cards. If you roll in and donate 10 cents, you got Christmas cards that you can send out. These really nice Christmas cards. I think it was like 50 for 10 cents or something, some deal. Oh. Some, but the, the, this is what caught me. 
if you send away for the, they also donate to you stickers. And these were from Santa, Indiana. I was just thinking of Pope, remember, uh, when, uh, 10 years, 6 years uh -huh. ago. I didn't Santa Claus, Indiana. I yeah. didn't realize Santa Claus, Indiana would do this back in 1941. So they had, they had the individual stickers for Santa from Santa Claus, Indiana as part of the giveaway. Fun. Isn't that fun? Hello there. Hey there. You're on air. Hello, you two. Hello, Hello. Oh, I've got stuff for you. I'm so glad you called. <laughs> Uh, I was I was going to tell you about this, Patricia, to begin with. I, I've had it here for about a week, I think. In the morning news, our newspaper, it, <laughs> depression increases during winter's darkness. That's what you and I were talking, what you were talking about, Hayden, daylight, you know, daylight savings time. Remember when you were talking about that? Yes, yes. And so it says here, depression increases during winter's darkness, study finds. But they actually have a word for it. Uh, let's see, what was, what was I going to tell you? Oh, there's a hormonal adjustment that goes on in melatonin, which doesn't, which keeps some people awake. Insomnia, insomniacs, you know. Yeah. And what they have here for this, um, what was I going to read to you? Okay. But not everyone bounces back after the first change. They're talking about when we all changed our clocks, you know. Between mm -hmm. 4 and 6 percent of the population um, separate a wilder, I can hardly read this here for me, excuse me, a wiser seasonal adjustment, effective season, they call it seasonless, seasonless effective disorder. And you know what yes. the acronym for is for that? Yes. It fits you and me perfectly. The acronym for this is SAD, S-A-D. Mm -hmm. S-A-D. <laughs> It makes people sad. Yeah. Well, well you know, you know I, I heard you talking about it, and yeah. lo and behold, this article came out, but I haven't been able to get through to you guys for two or three weeks. But it's called, well, let's, let's you know what melatonin is? Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. And it's a natural well, that's, substance that occurs in the body, and you can buy it in the drugstore. Uh, yeah. It's mostly yeah. to help regulate your sleeping pattern, mostly. I don't know if it yeah. works. It does. It's yeah. one of the chemicals that the body releases at night that helps people go to sleep. Some of uh -huh. us don't get it until daylight. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so, so okay. you, and, you and I don't have melatonin in our body, right, Patricia? That we do we? not have melatonin, I guess. We uh. are not melatonin-driven people. <laughs> uh, well, I'm because not because either, Patricia, because yes. you know... I've told y'all before, I live in an old historic neighborhood, and we have a beautiful park. I like it when that park, when you can still see at 9 o'clock at night. That's mm -hmm. my day. Then I don't have any sadness. But when this now <clears throat> here, 
at about 5.30 in the afternoon, it's already dark. I don't like it. Do you? Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't adapt well. No, I don't want to what? talk about it. I don't adapt well. <laughs> I just, no. <laughs> having having more darkness in my day, and of course the days don't get longer. The sunlight gets longer and or shorter, and the amount of darkness gets longer. Right. But right. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't like I don't like dark in my life. Well, this is where you and I we have seasonal affective. Disorder, and the, an acronym for that is SAD. SAD, seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> Do you know what the first line treatment of seasonal affective disorder is? No. Sit in front of a window in the sunlight. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what it. This, this article goes on to say how you should light everything out up and try to stay. Um, Try to stay up and walking around later on, and then you won't be so sad. Yeah. 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 The, but I heard you talking about it. The there it was in the newspaper, and I said that's exactly what Patricia was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm miserable, and I'm still miserable. I know. Me too. And I won't be happy till when do we spring forward? April or when is it? I just, I just, it's spring, each one of them has a disaster written on it for me. March, I think. <laughs> yeah, March. It's March. Now then, I had, yeah. here's a different subject I wanted to talk to about Walden. Sure. You know, during, on YouTube, Patricia, during World War II, they uh, got the Hollywood director, Frank Capra, yep. to put out uh, films. Right. Of everything that was going on on World War Two, you know, right. and some of the people, John John Houston did one of the films. George Stevens. George Stevens, yep. Yeah, yep. and but Frank Capra was sort of in charge of it, and this is what's interesting for for radio people. Mm-hmm. Um, they got um, when when Frank Capra was in charge of what was going to happen in these films, they would write out a little script and all that, and he really had the last say on which propaganda, positive propaganda, would be good. And they had one, Frank Capra did one on on the Italian-Americans, and there were many Mexican-Americans that served in World War II and all that. But he... Frank Capra was not, uh, he didn't like what had been uh, uh, developed to uh, give give uh, faith to our black soldiers that were fighting right there with everybody else. Right. So Frank Capra, let he, he did one, John Houston did one, and George Stevens did one, but Capra still wasn't happy for the one that he that had been turned in for black American soldiers. And guess who he chose to finally make the film? And it's a beautiful film. They had these um, black soldiers there in their church. It's a beautiful film. But Capra wasn't going to do it until he got in touch with this man, and this man's script was what they produced. Now, guess who it was for the director? 
the first one I'm thinking about, but I don't think he ever directed with Paul Robeson. Um, so they, yeah, that that was a, uh, one of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, these these are films that are okay. made about um, you know different areas. Um, uh, uh, see, of, what, what, how about Billy Wilder? Was Billy Wilder one of them? No. Um, this is a name you really, really know. Really, really know. Huh? Really know, huh? Mm. And it was a beautiful tribute to black soldiers. And Frank Capra didn't, until this script was turned into him, Frank Capra didn't like the ones that had been turned in about the uh, African-American soldiers. I have no idea. You got me, so I... And this is a person from radio. Okay. Guess who it was? Carlton E. Morse. Carlton E. Morse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. I thought that was so interesting yeah. when I read that, when I saw this, you know, and read about it in the newspaper. And wow. then it was a beautiful film that Carlton E. Morse did for African-American soldiers. It showed them in their church because, you know, church is very... Important. A very binding thing for African-Americans. Yes. But he wanted something to reflect that. And the the special starts out with uh, the soldiers being in their hometown service. And it's real uplifting, and it puts them in a very good light, you know. But he... Frank Capra wasn't happy until Carlton. Wow, that's a great story. Did that, did that movie. That's a great story. Isn't that good? That's a great one. Carlton E. Martin, when he turned his end to Capra, Capra said, you got it, wow. go for it, wow. and gave him the money to do it. Wow. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Very good, very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Now, the one that had the saddest, part was actually um, George Stevens because he went over seas and filmed people in the concentration camps and that one just oh my god I, I was also thinking about was he the one that helped fly, film a lot of combat I think there was one of them that was in charge of all you know, all the combat films and that they took the, the live footage and try to make that in, too. Right. And that was also another Joy Stephen project, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Well, I was just thinking, you know, with, during, they had really Turner, um, Turner Classic Movies really did, did a wonderful job of this, showing all the directors and all that. But Capra was really in charge, and he chose... He didn't like any of the scripts he got, but he went out and reached out to Carlton E. Wow. who wow. did a wonderful film about black soldiers in their churches. Isn't that great? That's great news, yes. And I thought I thought you might like to know that. I would. With December 7th sure. and all that coming up. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I, I jotted it down when they showed it. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell Walton about this. What were his other shows, Walton? Well, the one that most people remember him, he, he wrote One Man Family. That's the famous 
uh, which I think is one of the great shows in terms of dialogue and character descriptions and relationship. Uh-huh. That was his bread and butter. And, and it, he, he did One Man's Family. He did One Man Family, and he also did I Love a Mystery. I Love a Mystery. Yeah, those are the two that people remember. Yeah. 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 But he, I, I had lunch with him in the mid-80s. He came from Louisiana. And then he went up to Oregon when he was about six years old. And then he was a newspaper man in the 20s. And then got to uh, San Francisco Radio two weeks before the stock market crashed. Mm. And he would write, shoot him up uh, radio scripts until he came up with the idea of one man family, and he wrote that for almost one day short of 28 years. So. Oh my goodness, yeah. I had no idea. Did it run that long? Yep, 28 years from 1932 wow. to 59. So, mm. and then it was interesting, and maybe Patricia could relate to this. Patricia, he, Carlton said he had a difficult time, he wanted to write novels. And he threw a million words away trying to adapt his style from writing a radio script, which was for him, for the ear, and trying to write for the eye and into a yeah. novel. For, and it took him a, mil, he threw a million words away until he was somewhat happy with that. And, you know, I've interviewed other writers here, most recently George Warford, who still writing today, been writing for 70 years. And Earl Hamner, who didn't have a problem writing for different formats, but made Carlton writing for radio for 30 years, he get, got in a, a, into a habit. I, any idea, Patricia, why something like that would be so it's, difficult for him? Yeah, I, I think you're right on target. That was what I was going to suggest, and for me it would be true, because my entire writing career had been built on factual information, nonfiction, and mostly magazine work, Right. going to fiction, long form, writing forever. I cannot tell you how many articles a book would, would take me to write, and my attention span is squirrely. So it, it would be a very, it, it is being, I shouldn't say it would be, it is being a very difficult transition for me to do. You know, I sit here with my cast of characters, I've got outlines i know who the characters are i've got their personality charts all filled out and i get to page seven and i say now what i'm not doing very well on this project but is it because it's taking a heck of a long time for me to make the transition is it because mm-hmm. that was exclusively what i wrote whereas the second person you talked with it sounds like he had done multiple forms of writing right. from the beginning right? and kept adding to them. Right. But I've, I'm locked into what I'm familiar with, and that's where Carlton was familiar yep. with. Yep. That's that's well, I think you're right on target with that. Yeah. And, you know, they had, a, um, they had an African-American preacher for the, and he, he filmed, the, filmed them in their church, you know, and the wonderful, inspiring words that the, that the African American pastor was sure. giving to this flock, and it was all written by Carlton E. Morris. Isn't that amazing? That's a great story. That because he, you never think of him connected to film. No, it's strictly always a radio man. You, 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 
you know, he, he, later he in the fifty he he went to TV for five years for one man family, but he was basically a radio writer and yeah. But that's a good background. I like that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting. Now, look, uh, here's what we've got to go into, Patricia. Uh oh. Online therapy therapy helps insomnia. And now that you can go online if you're an insomniac and answer all these questions and talk to all these people and do all this stuff. But this is what I figure. Patricia, remember when we were going to have our own little get-rich scheme? What was our get-rich scheme that we were going to do? You you, you were going to have so much interpret, uh Language or something. Oh, it, it, yeah. oh yeah, my yeah. questions, my questions, yes. yes. And I'm doing very well with them. In fact, I think I ran out of them. I'm, I'm not getting any more points. Uh-oh. Yeah. But I, I have to tell I cheated. Because. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, maybe, maybe we could go into the business of talking to insomniac. <laughs> oh, well, see, when insomniacs talk to insomniacs, it's it's at weird hours because we can't get to sleep. <laughs> so you have to plan on talking with people at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's fine for me. I'm not in bed by 3. <laughs> you are in bed or you're not? I, I am not, no. I'm awake at 3 o'clock. What, what do you do to finally go to sleep? I mean, what... What is your? I'm a terrible sleeper, by the way. Uh, I had to go to a sleep center, and I take uh, trazodone at night. Relax me and let me go to sleep. Yeah. Well, my doctor finally switched me to a sleeping pill. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm so sensitive to that kind of stuff. The rest of the world, you know, they say, oh, I can't. Can you give me two? I take a half, <laughs> and, it's, and it's fine. But um, you know, if I'm even if I'm left to my own devices, and and even with the the sleeping pill, I take it to match my schedule. Uh. So you know, I'm I, I'm at the computer, and I do squirrely stuff in those hours of the morning. <laughs> but um, well, your your trick is always wait till you're totally dead before you go to bed. I'm absolutely dead on my feet. If I am in bed. More than, I'll say, more than five minutes without falling asleep, I'm up and I'm bouncing off the walls. It's all over for the night. <laughs> so, she, uh, she, so I really do. I, I wait until I'm actually nodding off at the computer, and she, then I go to bed. In my case, since I've been a little kid, since I lost my sight, I have a terrible time falling When I go to bed, I have a terrible time falling asleep. I'm generally sure. awake for an hour or better, sometimes three hours. And, oh. oh, yeah. Well, you know, my mom, she thought she should go to bed at 9 o'clock and here it's still midnight, 1 o'clock, and I'm still awake, you know. That's I, when I was 10 years old. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, so my, that's, my that's married life, my married life, before, I, before we had children, mm-hmm. I stayed up as late as Paul did every night, you know, because he was so accustomed to not coming in until 12 or 1 o'clock at night after he played, you know. 
and we'd stay awake there and watch TV and all that till two or three in the morning till we could go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a trick about me. The radio does it every time. I listen to you guys <laughs> before I go to sleep. And I love all the hearing everything that you're saying. I, I know Frank Brzee for years, and I think that he's not uncommon. He always keeps the TV set on all night long for some, for him. Yeah, a lot of people do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's this... There's this do that when I had one. There's, there's this theory that if you watch TV because it's the, the motion of the eyelid or something, the frame is, is a lot slower that your body somewhat falls, drifts into a sleeping pattern. Uh-huh. And people think if they watch TV at night, late at night, they'll allow them to, to f- fall asleep. And that's, sort of a, all the that's, a, that's a theory. I don't know if it's true. Yeah. Well, after my, I've always been a terrible, terrible sleeper. My grandmother gave me a little brown radio when I was growing up that was there on my bedside table. And my daddy would get up in the morning and say, did I hear that radio last night? And I'd always say, no, 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 daddy. <laughs> but he knew I was in there listening to the radio to put me to sleep. And one of the things I listened to when I was very young was I Love a Mystery. Ah. That always came on at uh, 12 midnight here, I think. You know, so funny, I've... I've... I've asked a few people over the years uh, what were their favorite radio shows. And this is, here, Celeste, do you remember that? I talked to Louise Erickson, who was, you know, Marjorie of uh, the Great Girls Who Have a Date. I asked her what were her favorite show. She said, I Love a Mystery. I asked Joan Benny, Japanese Dollar, I asked her what her, I Love a Mystery. That seemed to be a popular show. It was very popular. And, oh, they get in. Of course, when I was young and listening to it, they're sneaking my little brown radio into bed. With, oh, yeah. I used to go to bed with my radio propped up beside me. <laughs> but then I had to get up before Daddy came in there because he'd say, did I hear that radio? And I'd say, no, no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> Terrible sleeper. Terrible sleeper. But I figured, Patricia, one of our underground things here could be to... Uh, help people with insomnia. We could make money off of this. How are we going to fix somebody else if we can't fix us? <laughs> well, since we're both still up, I guess it won't bother. <laughs> well, you well, could, you could see, say, you could you say know, these are the things not to do. See, you can you can you can charge people. Don't try yeah, this. Right. I've already. This wo- is what I do all. Uh, this is how I live my life. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, people ask their doctors, or they'd ask about their doctors, not usually to the face. <laughs> How are you going to fix me if you haven't fixed yourself? <laughs> and it's, it's the same principle. Yeah, it is. But I, it is. but I think if we find some answers for them, and they think it comes from a professional, it must be good. So we have to set ourselves up. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we, we have to be professionals in this. Yes, yes. Market, we, have, we, we can then go on television, you know, all these promos they do for Swifter and all that. See, we could do uh-huh. a little show there and tell people how to go. There you go. You two could go record info commercials on TV. 
and we can run those. Like, I think that's a money maker. I do too. You're right. Absolutely. That sounds good. Yeah. Nobody no, expects them to work anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so if they try it and it doesn't work, they say, "Boy, that was a rip off, wasn't it?" And they move on to the next one. You, you, you know, you hear me. We get to keep the money. Okay. Now here's a question. You always hear this, this uh, money-back guarantee. Mm-hmm. How yeah. often do people take advantage of that? In other well, words, if the stuff doesn't work, you think most people just don't bother to ask for their money back? There might be a, there might be a percentage that <laughs> only 5% of those people really are upset enough to get their money back. There must be <laughs> some crazy number like that. It's, well, it's, it, they have to come up with their proof of purchase and stuff. I am the only person in the world who 10 years ago bought a $10 toaster in Walgreens and it came with a lifetime guarantee, unconditional. And I still got the receipt. I still have the receipt. I could not believe this. $10 and I got an unconditional guarantee. They, they had great faith in their product and the only problem I've had with it is that the, the little push down you know when you when you push down the slot yep the the little doodad at the end of the push down is not yep. there anymore so i have to use two fingers because it's kind oh, okay of, may i ask in 10 years may I, it's still working. okay may i ask you both the great debate question of all time all right okay oh dear what does lifetime guarantee really mean that was my question whose lifetime yes <laughs> Is it the person who's buying it, or is it the product itself? What? <laughs> this is good for a lifetime. Well, see, that was good. I like that. I have a lot of, I have, because of working in politics, I have a lot of friends that are lawyers. I guess we'd have to get a lawyer to draw a right. company to yeah. write it so it wouldn't get us in any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think but that's probably a very good all idea. About you. All the caveats, terms of service, the whole, the whole Megillah. <laughs> true, true. I, but I, I'll, have to, I'll have to think about this. I think that's a good idea, Celeste. Yeah. Who, yeah. who would know the challenges of an insomniac unless you were an insomniac? An insomniac, absolutely. Or yes. maybe would be better. To be one to know one. Or would be better to just create a club. Everybody gets to give you guys twenty dollars a month to become part of the Somniac group. What do you think of that? That might be an easier social club. Yeah. Now that I that is twenty dollars a year for it. Well, I thought a monthly stipend wouldn't be bad. That's not a stipend. Yeah. That's a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> twenty dollars a month. So what, what do you think is a fair price? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, know. That's, that's a good, that's a good service. Yeah, that's a good yeah. service. Then you know, have to do it. We have to do it. We'd have to do it seven days. That's what I mean. So, I mean, it would have to be. What is, what's your time worth, Patricia and Celeste? I mean, you know. <laughs> I can tell you what I bill out for, but. Yeah, that well, <laughs> now you don't want to know. Well, well, you know, if I, if I had two hundred thousand people give you both twenty bucks a month, that would be pretty good money. 
It would be pretty good. 200,000 people giving me $1 a month. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> then we could build our own yesterday U.S. There you go. Station. There you go. Put Patricia at the helm of that. There you go. Not all that. The Shamiak Hour by Patricia. We did. We'd have to do something with all that money going to raise in. like a prayer hour. There you go. There you go. What do you, what do you want? You can, we can have Patricia read poetry. We know how much you love poetry or, or something. Oh, yeah. Now that would put an insomniac to sleep. <laughs> if we have no poetry allowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And I, I am truly not being disrespectful to people in this field that, but you, you have to you have to have a special appreciation of it which i never developed it's like horror or or thriller type stuff for me it it just doesn't make it and, and other people thrive on it yeah yeah i do not thrive on poetry i'm a doofus. i i don't either i don't either I'm, well i have I'm something here. for you celeste what? I have something for you. What? Well, the the crazy stuff. I've I've saved these. There are two that are just too precious. <laughs> the first came from a local news broadcast. They you know they are such treasure troves. The local news <laughs> broadcast. They were interviewing uh-huh. or going to interview. They talked about a woman who was out walking on her normal morning walk and she came across a dead body and the, the newscaster i'm so i'm embarrassed to say this the newscaster said the young man had five bullet holes in his back and she immediately knew something was terribly wrong the now she, the, the the victim had what in his back five bullet holes this is what they said the the newscaster said the young man had five bullet holes in his back, and she immediately knew something was wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this five, bull- five bullet holes in his back. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And she knew something was terribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You never know what this newspaper, I just read one yesterday, um, in the editorial, now this is a major newspaper, the Dallas Morning News, and a guy started his sentence with firstly and ended it with thirdly. <laughs> that one firstly, me. secondly, thirdly. Yes. Well, I don't, want, I, would, I don't want to go out on a limb with this second one and tell you which book I'm reading this came from. However, it included the line, she sneakily took a photo. <laughs> we'll figure. I, I guess the word surreptitiously was probably... <laughs> a, 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 a sneakily an action verb? I'm wondering what a sneakily is, you know? I don't know. I wrote it on the computer, and I've got it set to underline anything that's misspelled. And there it is. Sneakily did not come up as a misspelling or an invalid word. So somewhere out there, somebody is sneakily doing something. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, sneakily. me, I tell you, the, the fun never ends. 
I'll tell you. But I, I just love that. She knew something was terribly wrong when she found a man with five bullet holes in his back. No. Oh, my. Oh, my. And, and it seems like... You know, more... you know. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say that more gruesome the circumstances, the worse the reporting gets. <laughs> yeah. Terrible stuff. Terrible. terrible stuff, terrible stuff. You're not kidding. Terrible, terrible. But when, when these riders, you know, the other thing that I don't like, they'll ride along, uh, and I'll be pretty interested in the story. But then all of a sudden, they'll start a sentence with "and." Mm-hmm. They start sentences with "and." Yep. I, uh, it just or, sounds terrible when here when I help girls get their letters ready and all that, you would never think of sending in a letter with starting a sentence with and. Mm-mm. No, it's a conjunction. You know. it, it locks things together. That's a conjunction. Right, right, yeah. But they start it oh, with and. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> you, guys, you guys were talking about learning another language, and I'm going to let you go because somebody else wants to call okay. in. But you were you were talking to him about learning another language, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And the way you do that is you learn some vocabulary in Spanish, and then the first thing you do is you teach people to use phrases that are correct in Spanish over things that they really want to know. Because if you start them and it says, I drink a cup of water, or I do this, or I do that, but there are, there are questions that people want to know and that you have to teach that in Spanish. And then you have to teach them how to listen to the response from the Spanish teacher. It's, it, you see what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I know. I'm thinking... talking about little bite-sized pieces at first. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking in my Spanish class, uh, Miss Gutierrez, we we never spoke any English. It was all, the whole one hour was straight Spanish. And she would point to things. And so when she would, you know, if, I, if she wanted me to talk about my shoe or something, she would point to my shoes or point to that. And that, that's how she did it. She did everything for the whole hour and never spoke English. And that, so I guess she believed sort of the immersion process of trying to... Yeah. Yeah. That was her theory, I guess. That, some that, some mm-hmm. people do that. They have what they call total immersion in, in all languages. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that it doesn't, the student can't think that fast unless you give them a good, good start. And in order to do that, you have to speak a little English to them. I agree. That's, at least that's that's my theory. I, I, I found so much easier to read Spanish than to speak it. And I yeah. think, partly I think you're right. So I the, the brain the brain was a little slow reading it, so I absorbed it rather than when you're speaking it in normal pace, your brain uh, your brain's not caught up to it. Uh, or right or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And yeah, and the confusion it causes in these total immersion classes that I never would teach one because I don't believe in that theory. Mm -hmm. But um, the other thing is they're 
teaching things that are probably really difficult to begin with. And the way I like to teach my students is to write, is to think of a short sentence and a short question, a short question and then an in, a sentence to answer that so the kids know what they're doing. You understand? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes more sense than total immersion, but then I'm old-fashioned. No, no. So. You're my fashion. Uh, that that would be the only way I could learn is to have two languages going on at the same time, one that I know and one uh -huh. that I can translate my language into. Right, absolutely. So will you would you yes. repeat the same concept so what every day? How how yeah. would what? you how would you build upon it? I mean you know, if you're working with somebody like that, you know, uh -huh. you're going a little bit small bites. Let's say you start that little bit uh, process on a Monday. Do you go? You, you cover the same topic on Tuesday with them and build upon it. How do you move yes. them ahead? Yes. Uh huh. First fifteen minutes of, of my first fifteen minutes of my classes always began with what we had finished with the last time. Okay. And then you learn new. Mm -hmm. You know, the first fifteen or twenty minutes, you go over what you learned the day before, and then the next time you add to what the learner has learned, and they won't forget it that way. But if they just, total immersion to me is just uh, for people that really want to learn another language, they think total immersion is good, but for me, I, I never found that the best way to go. Uh -huh. Now, by the, by the time you get to a sophomore class in college, yeah, uh -huh, you can start more total immersion, but you have to get... Yes students simple sentences and various things that they can memorize that they can know and know what each word mm -hmm. then then the next time <clears throat> I always taught Monday Wednesday Friday classes and then the next time they come in they have something to build on last time how do you grade somebody you know if you had uh, you know some you had your, your test your midterm or whatever, how would you grade somebody? Well, you usually make out a test, and it's fairly easy to grade if they use the right word and the words and all that. So would it be a written test, or would you would you yeah. test them on verbal? Yeah, it's a, it's a written test. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But now during the, during the day classes when they're learning a language, you want them to feel free to respond to you, so... If they make a little error, you can tell them this is a better word for that or whatever. But I don't know. I hear a lot about total immersion, and I'm, I know teachers that teach that way, but I think it just keeps the students confused. I really... Mm -hmm. I'd be outside eating I, lunch. What? Patricia would be eating lunch. I would lunch. be outside leading, eating my lunch. <laughs> it, just, it would be beyond my ability. <laughs> well, I know that's why you have to teach students something that they can grab onto that really makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. and then keep that with them in the next class you have you build on that. But I don't know. I know a lot of people, Rosetta Stone and all that, a lot of people like to use it, but it's, it's, when I 
I used to have my students use it in the library. It's only good to learn vocabulary, really, not how to conjugate verbs or anything. So, but that's just me. No, I, I agree. So it's two of us. Okay, good. Two against the world. Good. Two against the world. We can do that's it, Celeste. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, you, so you're going to, here, you're going to teach a foreign language to synamiax. Oh, boy, I blew that term, didn't I? <laughs> I did that a couple of times during our interview. Um, yeah, we we could put them to sleep with this kind of stuff. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many people we we. I, I said this last week, and it sounded so weird, uh, and because it was weird, but I'll say it again because it was funny. You have no idea how many people we go to bed with. That's true. <laughs> How many people wake? How many people wake up? To, did I really hear Patricia say that? You know, <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> they were right. Well, I, I do want to hop in with just one thing before you go, Celeste. I did an article about a man who was doing volunteer teaching in the community he lived in, and they had a, a lot of Spanish workers, or Spanish, yeah, Spanish workers, on their their team in on in employment at this particular community and they only spoke spanish they had no english at all so his his starting block was to go shopping for things like vegetables and he would come in to class and he would put an orange a banana a string bean and because those are very common words those are ones that we use all the time and so by the time they finished that particular class they knew what an orange was and how to pronounce it. They, uh, they of course, knew what a string bean was, but in English it was different uh, pronunciation or a different word. And so they each learned three new words and how to use them by the time they got finished. Yeah. So he, he appealed to their visual as well as, well as their audio, uh, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. When I, started, when I first started studying English, I'm like you two guys. I had a good, wonderful grammar background from my high school and elementary mm-hmm. school. And uh, <clears throat> you know the old diagramming of, remember how you died? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, like, I like to teach my students at least one diagram sentence every time we met ah. mm-hmm. because then that way they have that one under their belt and then you skip a day and you come back to class and you get another phrase under your belt and what it means and people in the United States would just be amazed at how many words are in Spanish in the United States and just take them for granted you know lots of the states are Spanish words absolutely Colorado means colorful. I'm trying to think. Oh, and Nevada, the state of Nevada. Yep. Nevar is, N-E-V-A-R, Nevar is the verb to snow, and so Nevada means snowy. I'm sure named after the mountains. Sure. Yeah. But you can teach them things like that, too, just just so they'll walk away and say, gee, I never knew that. What Nevada? Means. I know. 
or, you know, California means mm-hmm. flowery. Right. You know, flowers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I won't keep you all because somebody else might want to jump in here. Alrighty. I just knew that you needed to know about your melatonin, <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> I've already you, got a bottle. <laughs> and you and I, you and I need to know that the we're we're counted in this SAD. <laughs> we're called SAD. Yeah, what is SAD? What is SAD? Mm-hmm. <laughs> disorder. You got it. Uh-huh. 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 Absolutely. Well, you guys, it's good to talk to you. You too, Celeste. Okay, but I thought, Carl, I thought, you know, Walden, you want Absolutely. Carl to need more. Carl to need more. You bet. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a okay, you well, guys. Thank you, talk to you, Celeste. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love you both. You too. Take care. Alright, my dear. It it is only 11.25 here, but 2.25 you are. So you want to just be you and I the rest of the way? If that's what you would like. Uh, Not up to you. uh, Lady first. I've been brought up. (laughs) I've been brought up to look to treat the ladies in my life with first class tender loving care. So whatever the lady Chival- wants. Chivalry has its limits, Walter. <laughs> 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 Putting me to bed is not chivalrous. <laughs> that, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I misspoke. Yes, yes it, it is. is. You're yes. taking care of it. Uh, that's true. But I don't want the choice. Chivalry begins at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Sure, we can do that. I've got some really good questions for you okay, today. Okay, okay. Right. Oh, 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 I have, oh, and by the way, it's 47 degrees out there for anyone who is poo-pooing at poor Walden. Uh, you know, oh, you're going to go to 40. Well, it I got. 47 degrees out there. I, I have, I have been, you, your Haiti and me are really close friends right now. It's it been like that since last night to one thirty in the morning, and it's sitting next to me here on the floor two inches away, so... And I got the that was Walden's last year Christmas yes. present. Yes. A, a lot of tender, loving thought went into that, and I've been, got, been getting good use right now. I am so glad. I mean, I even read reviews and stuff. Well. Like that there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. Well, I'm so happy that I found something that you're happy with. Oh, uh, very grateful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had, a, I met a neighbor downstairs yesterday, or the day before. It doesn't make any difference. And uh, he, oh gosh, he's got a beautiful new Honda. It's white. It's sleek. It's just so pretty. And he was coming in from work, and he got out of the car. I said, "That is a nice car." And he came over, and we chatted a, a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And he looked at my car. He said, "Boy, that really needs a wash, doesn't it?" <laughs> And it does. It's been, you know, it sits out in the open and it's under trees and sure. stuff. I haven't been able to get out there and wash it. But anyway, I, so I have to bring it to a, a car wash. He said, well, don't bring it here. Don't bring it at this one. Here's the, here's a, here's the right name for the person or, or the, the place you should visit. It's out down on Gladiolus. I said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And he said, okay, pop the hood. Said, pop the hood. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll clean out the leaves that, that are caught in the oh. And I thought, Oh my goodness! So 
<laughs> he popped the hood. I opened the door. He said, well, I'll get it. I'll get it. He popped the hood. And he's cleaning out the leaves from the, the little, you know, the, yeah, the little yeah. channel that runs at, at, the, at the edge of the, uh, of the hood. Right. And I said, this is so nice of you. He said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I started to laugh. He said, oh, no, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and, oh, gosh. Um, and and I could tell that English was his second language. It was perfect. But you, you can always you can always hear a little bit in the, in the background of someone who has English or almost always English as a second language. And he said, "My mother always said you help people, you help your neighbors. And if my mother was here and I didn't do this, she'd hit me." <laughs> so I I don't know which country he's from, but I love his mother. <laughs> So sweet. I was so going to mention. Had, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, we just had a good conversation, and uh, it was funny. I mean, it was really funny to me. I think probably somebody else would have been insulted by it, but I thought, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Of course he knows it. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. We have a friend named Sylvia Upchurch, who is a really close friend of the family. And Sylvia mm-hmm. was born and raised in Costa Rica. And she came okay. to the United States when she was 14 and moved to New York. She has no, underline, no trace of a foreign language at all. It's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. And she she's able to do that, but and she, but she still speaks uh, Spanish fluently, and she's been in the company for years. She was the yes. main translator. Yes. But somebody yes. who came to the country that late, in you know, at 14, could, you know, uh, and I was thinking in the other direction, she came so young yep. that she was able to do this. And you're saying it's remarkable because she was 14, so old yes. to, to, to accept a, a new language. And I'm thinking that she was young enough to Maybe do it so. with ease. Maybe so. Maybe that's a good point. But it gets, it's always remarkable to me. There's no tr- no. No trace of a foreign language in her nothing, speaking voice. Nothing, And I, I really should have clarified this because, of course, there are people who, out there who have come at different stages in life and, and they have accepted or absorbed the language so perfectly. I, I mean... I got the sense from the way he was talking that he was, he was quite well into adulthood when he, he came, came to this country. Yep. So I, I was just so delighted that he did so well with the language transition. Oh, look, um, at, look at you, Patricia. You came from a yes. foreign country of New York and went to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. No, you didn't, bring in your, you didn't bring in your accent from New York down. I mean, you, you, you made the transition very well. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I learned uh, um, stuff before I got here. <laughs> I did it. I know. I'm not stupid. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> can you pronounce? Oh my gosh. Can you pronounce S U R E for me? Sure. Okay. Very good. Can you sure? Another ha- word? Can you sure? Can you sure? Can you pronounce sure in different lang- in different languages? Sure. <laughs> Right. Very good. <laughs> did 
forgive me if I've, I've done this one before. Did I tell you about the show Frasier with the two psychiatrists and the father who was just a down-home ex-cop? No. And, and these two guys are frou-frous, you know. I uh-huh. have a duvet. I don't have a bedspread. I have a duvet. One of those deals. Uh-huh. They had um, a, his, their father was shot on duty, and he has this therapist who and she turned into a housekeeper as well who lives in the house with them and they all decided to to go to a particular location to welcome the new year they were celebrating new year's eve and somebody took a wrong turn and they wound up having crossed the canadian line now the girl who is the therapist is here from england on a work visa so she has to apply if she wants to go to, to Canada. And so they wound up in Canada, and they got stopped by the border people. They, you know, they, they're very selective, and right. they just do this occasionally. And they're in this huge motorhome, and they crossed over. And poor Daphne is going crazy. I'm not supposed to be in another country. And she's crying. So the father stands up, and he says, look. Can you say anything in really good English? And she said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he said, okay, what can you say? Sure. <laughs> he said, no, really, what you can say? She said, that's all I know. <laughs> so that's where sure came from. <laughs> At least I can pronounce it like Daphne did. Sure. Sure. Oh, that's a great story. Never mind. The, I, I won't ever say it again, even. Now that I know it's new for you, I did. Well, pull it out. Cause it, there's, no, there's nothing but the, 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 best, the best of Patricia. Those are always timeless stories. <laughs> and if they're not timeless, they're at least priceless. That's right. You, you are a colorful personality. Oh, thank you. Yes, you're very I'm your color commentator. Oh, very good. Well, that's what you, you said. Know, well, you are. I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be great if you and I was a sports broadcasting team? You could be the current yeah. Tom, and I could do the play-by-play. Then, then wouldn't that be a first? You, you could all do all the sports stuff, and, and I'll do the interpretation. You can do, sure. Sure, Walden. Sure. <laughs> sure, I can do that. Sure. Oh, look at they're in a cuddle. And Walden would say, it's a huddle. A huddle. <laughs> <laughs> I bet we can make a. I bet we can make a living at that, Patricia. We're very unique. I think. Yes, I think we we are captains of the unusual. That is true. Mhm. Just remind everybody: next Saturday, Patricia is going to be doing two shows. At all the same pay. Which is zero times zero equals zero. <laughs> You know, we teach about our paychecks every once in yeah. a while. Or I do most of the teasing about our paychecks. I need a raise. I need a raise. But everyone who, every every person you hear on Yesterday USA is a volunteer. You know, we we don't get paid. And, and I, you know, I just, I feel guilty when I hang up some night and I say, man, I've got to remember to tell people. I'm only joshing about the paycheck. <laughs> we're not. The, we we do not take paychecks here. So it's because but if, we if, if you if, if you might if you might make a, a financial contribution, I'll figure a way to set up pay, 
Patricia PayPal account for everybody, and we can help out. But, you know, but, no, she, she's a volunteer just like I. We, we just gotta figure out how to pay the bills, but, you know, besides that, you know, that's all we need to figure out. My gosh, my gosh. I told you they raised my rent. I know. Oh, my gosh, $100. That's a lot. That's a lot of money, my dear. That is a lot when when your starting point was, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's almost. That's almost. I, I I know at one. I know where it was a couple years ago. That's almost like a twenty mm-hmm. percent increase, practically. Well, you didn't know where it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, was just, I I think I knew where it was last year, but I, I but I, I'm thinking where where it was down a couple of years ago, two three years ago. I knew, sort of knew what that starting point was. Yeah. And uh, if you yeah. count a hundred bucks, that's almost a twenty percent increase of twenty years ago. But that's you know that's that can count the increase of the last couple. So. Uh huh. It doesn't count what I've already got hammered with, and I want a write-in campaign <laughs> 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 to lower <laughs> to put Patricia's rent back where it belongs. Well. Or just move, or just move you to the Hilton or or or, or the Four Seasons or something like that. I guess it might be more convenient. I, I'm not, I'm not. As long as I'm not part of the, we are paying for this. Oh no, no, I, I just that'll be fine. Okay, that'll be fine. This is I'm allowed to accept gifts because I'm not an employee. That's true. Mm-hmm. I am allowed. Room, wait a minute. Patricia could become a professional student as long as she takes care of room and board. She could do mm-hmm. homework. She, she'll do homework for the show, everybody. How's that? Yeah. 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 Room and board. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I got <laughs> <picked> it. the place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, at the Waldorf Astoria, is that the one you're asking uh-huh. about? Uh-huh. See if okay. see if I thought I thought if we would go have Christmas time, now if I got you up there in October and you didn't come out of the store until March, you might be able to enjoy Christmas in New York. What do you think? If you could make it June, okay. <laughs> that would be great. I might consider coming out in June. June to come back home 15th. to Florida. All right, fifteenth. Yeah. Maybe even later up there. July. <laughs> I don't think I'll do it. No, I don't think so. I'll just stay home. Now, I know how much you love Virginia. Yeah, and I've only spent a little bit of time there, so I, I just, I just felt very good there. It has a nice, warm, enriching environment. But I didn't check out residential places, you know. Well, now, when you but went... I really, I really liked what I saw there and I'm the t- people I met. Okay, I'm trying to think of, um... Was it Williamsburg that you took... The, that you yes, took I, your was, fi- I was at Williamsburg, uh-huh. But that was in the cold country because your camera was practically frozen. It was frozen. <laughs> <laughs> That was, and I didn't have any clothes. I was not prepared for this. I was told repeatedly that we have very mild winters. Please don't be concerned about the cold. And I kept saying, are you sure? <laughs> sure. Are you sure? And 
they said, oh, yes, oh, yes, we have very mild winters here. It was 30 degrees when I got outside. I mean, this was not up 30 degree at night and 60 degrees during the day. This was 25 and 30 degrees during the day. And I had, I had a, um, you know, fairly good and, and had a lot of good lenses for um, an SLR, a single lens reflex. And, you know, it was like a Canon. It was really good. And it didn't go anywhere. I, kept, I clicked. And I said, what is happening here? And my batteries were frozen. So how did you get pictures, my dear? I didn't. So do you submit a story without pictures? Well, yeah, we used um, some stock photography okay. from Williamsburg, mm -hmm. but they had nothing brand new from me. I I had no idea. And then I talked with um, one of the photographers from here, who was really good. His he and his family lived on the Seminole Reservation for a while. His father was. Um, the Indian agent, that's what it was. He was the Indian agent for the Seminole reservations uh, and the Seminole community here. So uh, he, was, he was really funny. But anyway, he, he was an outstanding photographer and had a photography store. And he said, well, why did you leave them in the camera? Because <laughs> that's where I needed them. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. Next time, if you have a problem like that, you take the batteries out and put them in a little baggie and keep it under your arm in your inside your coat. And then when you need them, you take them out and you use them and get your shots and then put the batteries back under your coat, under your arm. And I thought, well, gee, that's such common sense. Gee whiz. <laughs> Why didn't I know that? I mean, I should have been able to figure that out myself if they're frozen. And freeze them. Yeah, nothing like defrost, def defrosting a battery. Everybody should know that, right? Everybody should know that you put it in your armpit and put yeah. your coat on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is true. This is true. But anyway, um, they did not get any fresh pictures from me. It was a nice camera, though. Okay, so if that, that, that should be one of our future projects if Patricia needs to go back to Williamsburg to get those pictures that she didn't get the first time. Well, yeah, because now I, now I got a, a really nifty little... Do that? call it. Yeah, one yeah. of those... Well, you know, do that, yeah. Not, yeah, not, not a selfie-type camera, but I mean an honest-to-goodness digital camera. So, yeah, I could do that. She got a big do that. <laughs> <laughs> Batteries froze. Oh, gee. So, anyway, yes, I, I was in Virginia, and I went to a couple of plantations, and... I, I did some time at really wonderful places in Richmond. So those, I mean, and, and really, the, those are put on our best, put our best foot forward places because they do cater to visitors. So when I say I love Virginia, that that was my actual taste of Virginia. Sure. And it really certainly wasn't representative of the entire state. But I and always a yeah, but yeah, but. What I saw was just so nice. The people were so nice. And it, I don't know, I, I think, and you can help me with this, 
when you walk into a place and you get a very warm reception, you can tell the difference between it is my job to be warm and receptive as opposed to a person who is really warm and likes to meet people. Yep. And that's the sense that I got yep. from all of the people. Well, there might have been a couple of exceptions, but certainly not many, that they were really happy to see you. Well, they and always talk about Southern hospitality and beginning to mm-hmm. the South, so. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, it, if it came through in that kind of a situation, I made the unauthorized leap, but a leap that I think was fair, that it was representative of a lot of communities within the state. So that's my story. I like it. Yeah. So what are we talking about, Virginia, for? Because I like I always liked Virginia. Oh, I don't but know. That's... I guess we're pointing out of the cold weather. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're not a cold weather bunny, but you put up no. with the snow bunny, the cold in Virginia. That's all. Yeah, and it was unexpected because it really was an aberrancy. This was not normal for them. It was I just hit it at the wrong time, and even the residents were saying, "What are we going to do? It's so cold." I didn't have anything but a thin jacket, and I was really cold. I think any bear with only a thin jacket in the middle of thirty-degree weather would be cold. That's true. For me, it was extra. That is true. You had to tough it out. I am a delicate little bear. You are. I am. You are. I am so. Ah, okay. So now we can go to your questions. Right. Unless, of course, unless, of course, you would like to know that, let me see here, we've got comic books for sale this week, and someone has already bid $5,000 on a Marvel comic from 1963. 1963, $5,000. And that doesn't include the auction house charges, which is a lot. Yeah. That's pretty $5, good. $5,000. I know. And the next one, Whiz Comics. I have no idea what. Do you know what Whiz Comics are? Never heard of it. Nope. Was it? It was from Fawcett Publications, which is a big publication house, or big publishing house, um, 1940. $4,500. I was just thinking, you know who we could probably bring in to help us learn about the comic business and character drawing? It would be Donnie. Donnie Pickford would be a good, probably a good guest on... Just oh, give yeah, it a, I had a good an exchange background. with him a couple of weeks ago. Ah. Uh, because I, yeah, I did. I came across in the comics up for all. And by the way, um, this one isn't even in decent condition. It's fair to good. And it, and it was restored fair to good. A 1.5 out of a 10-point scale. That's and a low, low. did 45 $4,500. That's pretty good uh-huh. investment. I don't know about an investment. I wouldn't want a low-grade uh, comic book that had already been restored. It was restored <laughs> to one point five. I can't imagine what they started with. But anyhow, no. $4,500? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'll, I'll take the money. 
this is this is like door number one, door number two, or door number three. I'll take number three with the money. I just I cannot believe this. Five thousand dollars for a 1963 comic book, and it's not even like a one or two issue type thing. This right. Is issue number number 39, Tales of Suspense. Issue to 39, so it's not a one and only. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, people, it's their money. My gosh, they can do anything they want with it. It just baffles me that this is one of the places they would want to spend it. Would you send something to Toys for Tots, please? <laughs> send the comic book to Toys for Tots. See, they could appreciate it. What do you think? And, and let them auction it off. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this, this is good. This is good. Okay, well, I can tell you stuff. All right, so I've got your questions. I have your questions. And I also have, we never did really get an, an introduction here. I have some Christmas quotes. And, and one is really a good, a, a good and wise quote, quotation. And the other is from Phyllis Diller, the comedian, <laughs> who, has, who, who died not very long ago. Mm-hmm. What I don't like about office Christmas parties is having to look for a job the next day. Ooh, very good. Yeah, and, and, that, and that sounds pretty good. And the next one is, a good conscience is a continual Christmas. Who do you think said that? Lionel Billmore. <laughs> I think he he would say something like that. It was Benjamin Franklin. Oh. Very I good. thought his wisdom I thought his wisdom was in general living conditions sure. and things like that. Sure. There stuff like that there. But no, it it stretched out to really wise advice. Sure. A good conscience. So have a have a good conscience and it will be like Christmas all year long. Okay. So I have questions for you. I'm ready. You are ready. We have a Stump Walden question, a brain teaser, colonial question. That one, I have one that your mother would love. And your presidential question, a presidential quote. And? The first lady. Your first lady question. I, I just have so much good stuff about the presidents. Um, I have to go down a couple of, couple of clicks here. A first lady quote or question, and tonight it is a question, and your baseball question. Are there any that you can't wait to ask? Yeah. You want to go with that category? Yeah. All right, go. I want want your presidential quote. All right. Yeah. Okay. Which former president called a presidential candidate a fathead with the brains of a guinea pig. <laughs> this is not recent. <laughs> this is not you, recent. You sure Donald Trump didn't say that? I, that's, why, that's why I had to say <laughs> it's not recent. Um, my gosh, this, this, what an election year. Wow. Oh. Okay, no. A former president called a presidential candidate a fathead with the brains of a guinea pig. Who would have the guts to say that? Um, <laughs> Besides what happened this year. Yes, something in addition to this year.
How about Teddy Roosevelt? It was. It was. You are so right. I never thought that you that one of the, probably the only clue is who was the one who would say something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. I, I was down yeah. to Truman and and Teddy, and I thought, no, I don't think Truman would say that about Eisenhower. I just don't see that. So that's why I went with no. Teddy, T.R. Okay. With Teddy Roosevelt, uh, yes. Called William Howard Taft. <laughs> who, who was his protege, by the way? Teddy's or Taft's? Taft. Hey, Teddy, Teddy protege with Taft. Taft. Teddy sort of picked him to run. So he was just, yes, that, I was unhappy. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, it, it was and it was the upcoming election that he was talking about. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it was in 1912. Um, I'll tell you what one of Taft's conclusions were. It, it, he said, essentially, he gave up as a candidate. He complained in a letter, a personal letter, quote, there are so many people in the country who don't like me. <laughs> After Teddy Roosevelt said something like that, I think that's a safe assumption. Oh, my gosh. And it really was. I didn't realize that he was so unpopular. But he was, and, yeah. and that was what Teddy said about yep. him, which yep. I thought was terrible. It might have been true. But, <laughs> and I don't know. I did not know President Taft. But um, that's what he said. Can you imagine calling somebody a, a, in, a, and and from a position of authority? Teddy Roosevelt had authority even when he wasn't president. Mm-hmm. Calling a candidate a fat head with the brains of a guinea pig? Nope. That does not show class uh, nope. culture. Uh, it's just not. That's not something I respect President Patricia to do. N- no, it it would it does not reflect no. class and culture. And in the Roosevelt family, they were pretty classy and pretty cultured. They, they were. They were. Except for Teddy. That's true. He, he kind of flew outside the, the no-fly zone. Or, I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, he, he, he flew in his own territory. He didn't follow established flight plans. Well, I guess his daughter sort of the same way. That's right. Yep. Alice. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Boy, it, and even until her late in life. Now, I read an interview with her that was published in a really hotshot magazine. It wasn't the calls, it wasn't Vanity Fair, but it was something on that on that plane. Right. And it wasn't terribly too many years ago. When did she die? I don't know, but she was or a guest she? she was a guest on information please, but I d I don't know. I'm asking she had a very long life. Teddy Teddy there's a famous quote is it Teddy says, I can either manage the, the country or I can manage her. I can't do both at the same time. And I think he was absolutely right. Yeah. That this, this was an interview with her. Mm-hmm. And the things that she said were, I thought, wow, no wonder Teddy had that sentence in his life. And, and she was a sentence. I mean, she was a, she was a life sentence. Ah, uh, yes. Really, really, she was another one who flew outside <laughs> the established flight patterns. Okay, what's next? My colonial question, please. Oh, your colonial, oh, this is good, this is good. 
I have three here. So the one, the one that will make your mother smile. What were the names of the British ships? There were three in Boston Harbor and loaded with the East wow. India Company's tea. Wow. That was the Boston Tea Party. What were the names of the, sh of the three ships? Boy, you can think and nod. <laughs> it is not winking, blinking, and nod. No. <laughs> but that's a wonderful guess. Dance for Francis and Victor? Uh, this is these are the really stuffed shirt era of the Brits. Mary Elizabeth and Josephine. <laughs> Gosh, it really could be. It's the Dartmouth, the Beaver, <laughs> and the Eleanor. I never knew that. That I never knew those. Wow. I I never knew how many ships they attacked. And it was such a small band of people. It, it, it truly yeah. was a just a handful. And, and, and it was like, like, like one or $2 of tea, basically, you know. It, it, well, yeah. It, 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 that's what the tea was worth, and not what the Brits were going to charge for it. But that's what, that's what it was worth, just a couple of dollars. And it was, as I say, it was only a handful of the Sons of Liberty who... Actually well, got dressed up as Indians and boarded the boats. Well, actually, one of my ancestors is part of that rebel rousing group. <laughs> you know, that's you what. Go. That's was, what. That, was it male or female? Doctor Bush was his name. Doctor Bush. Doctor Bush. Guy. Yeah. So he was part of the the Tea Party people. So, so that's <laughs> that, that's part of my claim to my American revolutionary ancestors. One of them. Yes. So. He, he was part of the revolution before there was a revolution. That's right. Really? This was one of the earliest. Dump that tea. Dump that tea. He was an early revolute. Yep. <laughs> Revolutionist. Okay. What else? What else would you like? My first lady question. Your first lady question. Let me see how I termed this. First lady question. First lady. Um, oh, I'm still on presidential quotes here. Uh, your first lady question. Which first lady was the first to accompany her husband on his inaugural parade? Or in his inaugural parade? Um, Julia Grant. No. Nope. Mary Todd Lincoln. <laughs> nope. Mrs. Zachary Taylor. Mrs. Zachary Taylor. I don't have no idea. Uh, uh, how long have we had an inaugural parade? I don't know. I don't know. You said Abraham Lincoln, and I thought, well, gee, I don't even know if it goes back that far. Could have been from the time of George Washington, yeah. for all I knew. I don't know. Anyway, it was Helen Taft. Huh. 
she was the first American lady huh. to accompany her husband in his inaugural parade. There must be a story behind it that we just don't know. Yeah. There must be. Yeah. And and I have listed as Helen Taft. She was actually Nellie. Is that not? Oh, I guess Nellie was her nickname from Helen. I got stuck. That's a good one. I got stuck. You got yeah, me. That's, that's you an, got me. Uh, yeah, I know, but I, that's so obscure. You got me. How would I expect anybody to know this except Walton knows everything? Oh. So I tried it out. I, I have you know this. everything except which first lady went to the <laughs> participated in the inaugural parade. So do I so have you know everything except this one? I don't know why I have okay. this. Al- why do people think I have this illusion of knowledge? I, I, yeah, I'm just like everybody. Because I, I have such a hard time stumping you. <laughs> I think that's a good indicator. Because I, I really want to be brutal and. I come up with these questions, and you say, oh, yes, that was X, Y, and Z. What? How did you know that? <laughs> have, I ever, have, 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 I... have I ever done that to you that you thought you had me? And I, I wiggled out of it? Uh, wiggled? Are you kidding me? <laughs> How many times have I said, my gosh, you did better tonight than I did? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, okay, what else would you like? Or do we have another first lady question or quote or comment? Or that's all in the category of the first no, lady? No, that, that, that's it for the for tonight. On okay, that okay. And how about the private quote? Oh, I'm <laughs> so many to choose from. Yeah. Ooh, it is very good. Let me see. Um, oh. Oh, I did. I, I do have another question a presidential question and then we can go to the quotations sure okay how many vice presidents did james madison have uh maybe some died in office well let's go with three no he only had two oh. but what made their vice presidencies so remarkable um Dolly picked them out? <laughs> no. He had two vice presidents, and both of them died in office. Wow. Now, I would check the water in that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Gee whiz. How can, how can you be two for two on something like that? Well, he just was unlucky, I guess. Either that or the vice presidents were unlucky. I think that's probably more accurate. I think he was the, one of the smallest statured president we had. I think he was like just five foot two or something. Five? Yeah, I think yeah. he was only five feet. He might have been five two. I I thought someone in there was just five feet. But anyway, you're right. He he was either five feet or barely over it. So yes, he was the shortest one. You are right. What else would you like? Oh, we're we're into the quotes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which president said, "Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power." Ooh. Barack Obama. No. No. Um. 
George W. Bush? No. Herbert Hoover? No. That's three. Franklin P. Adams? No, yeah, right. It might as well have been. <laughs> Gosh, I really love that guy. Um, I love... And how, how would you say that? I mean, Franklin has been dead for many years. Um, so I want to say I love him, yeah. but he is not here. But, you, you, but you're still, but you are. But I am. Yeah. Yes. So in my heart, I yeah. love that man. That's right. How's that? That's very good. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay. So who said, oh, I told you, it was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, Abraham Lincoln. All men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. And our wise Abraham Lincoln. How about that? I like that. Okay. So, so if that proved the same, give me power, give me death? Okay. Who said that? Well, I'll just point off Patrick Henry's famous verse. Give me good video, give me death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a Patrick Henry question at some time down the line. Ah. Somewhere down the line. We okay, need, what else would you like? We need hmm? to still get Patrick Henry on the show sometime. Yeah, we do. Yes. We do. And I do have the email from the person who said, oh, somebody will call you within the next couple of days. <laughs> the end. <laughs> no, somebody took lessons from me. Um. Okay, what what is what is your next that I should give you? May I take three minutes and play a song because I need to go visit another okay, room. Sure, <laughs> go do your thing. I'll, so, I'll take advantage. Yeah, of it. Patricia will take advantage, and I'll be back, everybody. So be patient as we do our natural thing. You know. <laughs> to love you and I love you cause I know you are such a sweetheart that when you walk down the street everyone's heart just naturally skips a beat the others who have met you better start in to forget you because to know you is to love you so it's time for everyone you know to know you love me to know Where you, you son it would be twice sunny Love Where you would be, there would be sweeter honey. And I love Where you would tune, everyone would be crooning, harmonizing out in the street. You're such a sweetheart. You're such a bundle of me, oh that my. When you walk and that's the down reason the street, when you go by each heart, everyone's heart skips just a beat. naturally skips a beat. Dear, the we would spring, you would be twice springy. Where you would find, you would be twice springy. Where you the moon, everyone would be spooning. Every night would be mighty sweet. Because to know you is to love you so It's time for everyone you know to know you Love me Were you a room you would be twice as cozy to know you Were you a sonnet would be 
be twice as sunny. Where you would be, there would be sweeter honey. Where you were tuned, everyone would be crooning, harmonizing out in the street. You're such a bond, love me, oh my. And that's the reason when you go by, each heart naturally skips a beat. Yeah. Where you were spring, you would be twice as springy. Where you were vine, you would be twice as clingy. Where you were moon, everyone would be spooning. Every night would be mighty sweet because to know you is to love you so. It's time for everyone you know to make my life a bowl of peaches and cream. You got me living in the craziest dream to know that you love me. Watching the night go by Wishing that you could be Watching the night with me Into the night I cry Hurry home, come home to me Set me In your arms I'll stay Waiting to hear you say No other love have I No other
are the dream I have known, bringing love to my lonely heart. Now there's heaven in view, now the dream has come true for tonight. And I am back. Sure, it was longer than three minutes, but you know, I wouldn't do the natural good stuff that everybody should do. And you probably got peanut butter along I did. the way. I did. I knew it. I knew it. I, I did. I, I learned I something, I think, today about pericoma, which I never knew before. What? That's who we just heard. Yeah. For his whole solo career, I'm not talking about as a big band singer, Patricia. From 1943 to 87, 40, 40, no, 44 years, he was only with one label, RCA. Wow. I, I thought that was incredible to think that they loved him so much and they kept him under one deal for all those years. And he loved them so much uh-huh. that he was a loyal person. Yeah. He was a loyal client. We don't get that anymore. No. You know, what, what really disturbed me, and you can help me with this some night, not tonight, <laughs> but some night, was the free agent. When, it, when the free agent case, I can't remember who brought the case. In baseball? It was in baseball. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was in baseball. Right. And who, who brought the, the case Ford. up? Uh, Floyd was his last name. I can't think of his first name, but yeah, Floyd was his, Kurt Floyd. Okay. When free agents went into effect, it absolutely destroyed part of baseball's personality. And then, of course, it spread to football, which gets us into the 88, 90, 100 million dollars a year contracts. Mm -hmm. But free agents in baseball just put them on a shopping spree. We say, okay, how much are you going to bid for me? How much are you, okay, I'll take you. And they just left their teammates. They were never really part of a team. You don't get to be part of a team when you're only there for a year or two. Yeah. But when you first, when nowadays the rules are, and it's been like this for a long time, you can only be a free agent after six years. So, you know, you're... And then you- and then you bail out on your teammates. Then you can, yeah. <laughs> then you bail out. I mean, there is no such thing as the constance and steadiness of the old New York Yankees. We had Joe DiBaggio. We had, yeah. You know? Yeah, but they, they also did that, that most people wouldn't do. They basically, when they needed a ball player, they made the big-time trades, especially with the Kansas City ball club. <laughs> they get major place stars to come to them. They used to call the Kansas City A's the farm team of the Yankees because the Yankees used to take their best players. And they stayed. Uh-huh. Until they didn't need them, and then they moved them off. Yeah. Who traded Joe DiMaggio? Nobody did, but there was a talk at one time that the two owners, Boston and Red Sox, seriously talked about trading Joe DiMaggio for Ted Williams. What? Oh, yeah. Because the theory was, 
you know, Ted was a left-handed hitter, and that was New York Stadium was made for him. Joe was a right-handed hitter, and Boston was made for him. So the, the two owners thought, well, maybe we should trade our two stars for each other, and that would help us each other's team. It never got done, but they talked about it. Oh, I hope somebody washed their mouths out with soap. Babe Ruth were traded. Yeah, I know. He was traded for a Broadway play. Not. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. What were the circumstances around that? Well, the owner of the Boston Red Sox really liked to bankroll Broadway shows. And he needed a, a, he needed the money to bankroll his show No No Manette, so he sold Babe to the Yankees for eighty thousand dollars to invest it into the Broadway show. Well, how's that for <laughs> an ego boost? <laughs> I, I I'm speechless. Yeah, it sure did happen I back. They were going to. He was willing to. I mean, in in essence, he was going to sell his best player, yep, or the or the one with the most draw, yep, and probably and the best in a couple of areas, yep, because he needed money to underwrite a play, right? Well, <laughs> I have a couple of choice words. Well, you know, well, I'm thinking this was was quite unfiltered. He didn't necessarily filter what came uh, came out of his mouth. I wonder what he said when he found out. Well, then he wound up making the Yankees great. You know, it was the deal that put the Yankees on the map. It did. It did. But now, see, it, well, it, now, it, where it, would you thought? Where would you have thought of if you you are a writer? Mm-hmm. And if I was your uh, sponsor, or what the word, patron, the patron of the art, or what the, what the proper, you know, back in the old, you know, in the, in Europe, in the, uh, in, you know, and when the, you had the wealthy people help support the artists or whatever, they called them patrons yeah, of was, the art. He, they called him the guy with the pockets. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. So patron I, of the art. Patron of is, the art. So if I said, I yeah. love Patricia so much, I love her work. And she needs some. She needs to work on this piece of property for a few more months, and I need the money, so I'm gonna go off and sell my most valuable asset. What you would, what you would you thought of that as an artist? I wouldn't have taken it. I would not have taken it when you sell somebody. I mean, that's, oh my gosh, he was actually selling. No, I would sell my house before I did that. I would sell my car, I would sell my house, I would sell, I can't sell a television, I won't have one. But I, I mean, really, it, I, I'm just astounded. I'm stunned. I, I cannot believe somebody did that. Well. Hmm. I and mean, this is back to the old days of chattel. You, you can, yeah. you, you just, you, you sell somebody on the auction block. You sell the person. I, well, it'd be interesting to go look at the history of baseball. Trade. How did the trading idea came about? You know, that's sort of what they did. I think the concept was because there was a, a monopoly and they figured the o- owners sort of were a group. So they just moved their assets around. I guess that's sort of how they could argue with the Congress, I guess. 
Well, I can understand that. You know. Trading a player for a player. Mm-hmm. But trading a player to get money to support something that <laughs> is... It's just not, well, it cannot what, even be linked in the remotest way. Well, that's baseball. why I don't think the Red Sox fan probably never forgave him, probably. I would think they shouldn't forgive him. Or shouldn't have. They probably still don't. Mm-hmm. Nope. They could have been the New York, they could have, the Red Sox could have been the New York Yankees. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh, Walton. <laughs> <laughs> but now, what, now, what, now, what would you thought of this though? Those really big teams, the Yankees and Boston. You know, they had the minor leagues, but those minor league teams out here in California, they were owned by independent owners. So mm-hmm. they, for example, the San Francisco Seals sold Joe DiMaggio to the Yankees. The uh, San Diego team sold Ted uh, Ted Williams to the Red Sox. So what do you think of that? I'm not allowed to use the word. <laughs> I will I will simply say I think it stinks. Well, you know the players wanted to go in the big league. That with the big time, but that's how the structure worked back in them days. Wait, no wonder some of these guys had tempers. Mm-hmm. My goodness. <laughs> my goodness has been running through my head this week, and I don't know why. Things had been getting stuck in my brain. There, there was a Statler Brothers song that got stuck ah. in my brain. And this week it was Henry Aldridge. Um, it happened. Girl, I guess. It was Homer's. My goodness, Henry Aldridge. Well, I guess Mary said that, too, his sister. My goodness, Henry Aldridge. It happened to me, too. I'm so glad to hear oh, that. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. It does. Oh, gosh. Yeah, making making toast and waiting for the toaster to pop. My goodness, Henry Aldridge. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in my head. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, anyhow, that's my story. I, I think that's terrible. No wonder I don't like F-words. Well, wow. you know, if you're going to... Once we start becoming professional broadcasters... You can start, you can, you'll you'll be able to have plenty of material to talk about on the air. What do you think? I think we'd have one day on the air <laughs> in sports broadcasting if I came in and said, <laughs> "You got to be kidding me! They did what? How long <laughs> do you think we would last?" I think I think you'd be such a, a phenomenon. You would have a lifetime time to it. <laughs> as good as my awful shows. Oh yeah. Oh gee, I I saw I saw Wink Martindale posted uh, a couple weeks ago TV news news anchors or or news commentators TV salaries Mm -hmm. and these are people only on cable that I saw and their salary range from twelve million to twenty nine million dollars a year. Patricia, I could live with that for a year. A one-year contract? You think you could work for twenty-nine million for one year, then retire? <laughs> I could support Toys for Tots too. <laughs> I know you're good. Yes, yes, we could retire. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh dear, I, I'm just not built for this. <laughs> 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 I am just not built for this. 
Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Would you, you after af, after you earn your thirty million, would you still, would you still take my phone call? Of course. Okay. Of course. Okay. Yours would be the only number <laughs> I would answer. <laughs> if you go through my secretary. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We're in the age today of watching a bank president get fired or a financial investment community type thing, president, get mm-hmm. fired and still walk out. This happened recently. Billion, do, trillion, with, million, with zillion. With an $81 million bonus he, he, because that was he was supposed to be paid. So they paid him. They fired him and then they paid him. So what do you think That's of that? Not- I'm not allowed to use those words. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think very much of it. I think about it a lot, but I don't think (laughs) of it. (laughs) Yes. Gee whiz. Okay, what's next on your list? Well, you know, he has a very high lifestyle, you know, and and that's just want to make sure he he can... He, he, he's well cared for in the cause in the in the way he was accustomed. Yeah, to. yeah. He they want to make sure yeah. he, he's not on the on the streets of New York after six months or something. So eighty one yeah. million might get by. Eighty one million might do it, and that was only for this year. <laughs> well, it frightens me. You know that what that tells me, my dear? Something really simple. Mm-hmm. There's some people making the money that we get dreamed about that we would... There are people in this world making big bucks. See, I think that's the part that disturbs me so much. They are not making big bucks. They are taking big bucks. Mm Mm-hmm. There's nothing that they did with... Don't you blame the stupid dollars bonus remarkable? Don't you blame the stupid board director giving them that kind of contract? That's stupid. That's what I mean. That that is the classic example of stupid. Who authorized it? It was stupid. There is no common sense involved in that. No. No loyalty to the customers whose pockets this is coming out of. Mm -hmm. Well then. Banking and baseball. <laughs> okay, we're into the B mode tonight. That's an appropriate word. Alrighty. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Well, let's see. What are we down to? We got my stump wall and my okay. brain teaser. Uh-huh. uh-huh. My initial question, I think. Right. Um. And I think that's it. And my baseball. Oh, we didn't do your baseball no, yet? No, we haven't done baseball yet. Oh my goodness. So I think we oh, done we the did. first we yeah. done the first lady quote, the presidential mm-hmm. quote, mm-hmm. and the colonial. So we done three of the three of the seven. And this is the first time That's we cool, huh? and this this is the first time we ever taken a, a snack break and a you know other <laughs> during the question. We've been, but we've been doing this exactly one hour with your peanut butter break <laughs> in there. <laughs> And we've all, we're not even half finished yet. Okay. <laughs> oh, you wanted your presidential question? Is that what you asked for? Uh, presidential, 
no, I'm 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 reviewing the because this has been a long segment. I'm reviewing it for the cust- for the for the families. <laughs> the customers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Our customers, oh my gosh, family, you are putting up with so much of this. Oh, yeah. All right, now, any meeny, miny, mo, Patricia liked this one very so. If she liked this one very so, which one should I chose? Can I keep this rolling diorime? I can't. You better just pick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> better just pick. Um, my presidential question, my dear. Presidential question. Let's chug it backwards here. Chugga, 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 Your presidential quote. Chugga, chugga. Your presidential question. Here we go. I've got more than one. How come I only wound up with this one on here? Okay. Which Republican candidate promised Americans a full dinner pail? A full dinner what? Pail. Like your lunch pail. Oh. A full dinner pail. When he was a candidate, that's what he promised. I'm not sure he could mm. deliver, but that's what he promised. Hmm. Let's go with my relative, Charles Everett Hughes. He was a president. He was he he was a candidate. He was he was my my. Oh, co- I'm so, oh, oh, of course. This oh. was this was a candidate. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the Supreme Wait, Court, what? and they they asked him to run, so he ran, and they lost, and he went back on the Supreme Court. Went <laughs> back to the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> Always nice to have a place to go if you. That's lost. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very few of us have the Supreme Court. Is yeah. Option. Yeah. Um. No, which Republican candidate promised Americans a full dinner pail? Teddy Roosevelt. No, it no, it wasn't, and and it wasn't a chicken in every pot either. No. Um. Now with the wig, and now with yeah, the wig party was, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. William McKinley. Ah. Okay. And he was touting that, and this this really interests me because we were talking about. Um, a chicken in every pot, right. and a car in every garage, and right. that was essentially around the Depression. This had nothing to do with the Depression. Uh, well, essentially it did, but um, in 1990, he was touting, or his party was touting, recovery from the panic of 1893, mm-hmm. which really tanked. <laughs> The Depression really ignited a terrible depression there. And people talk about the 1930s as a depression, but this was in 1893. And the United States had pulled out of it, and it was during McKinley's first term. Ah. So when it was time for re-election, they built the president's re-election campaign around the nation's newfound prosperity. And they took great care to position their party as the friend of the working class Americans. So it had everything to do with depression in 1893, not the depression in the 1930s. That's remarkable. Never knew that. So he he promised a a full dinner pail, like your lunch pail. Sure. I don't know how it ever got to be called a lunch pail. 
That's it's a, really a weird name. That's a future question for Patricia for next week, I think. It's something. Look it up. <laughs> look it up. Or you can have. Look it up. Or else you can have Ken look it up for you next week when he's on, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> You're by the computer. Look it up. <laughs> she loves this. She could just show a flashcard on that one. Okay, what's next? We're down to my baseball question, my stump Walden, and my brain teaser. Okay. Uh, we're going to do the brain teaser right now. We will do the brain teaser right now. Which word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly? I got this one, so I'm not even cheating on this one. No, thing. no, I, uh, uh. Uh, misspelled? No. What What was your question? That That was your answer. Yeah, with my answer. Yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> hear either. <laughs> no, I have. You know, sometimes you come up with an answer that's better than the one I have, and that wasn't one of them. No. <laughs> it wasn't one the better one. It wasn't one the better ones. Okay. All right. No, it wasn't one of your better ones. No, what? It, no, it, and sometimes you really. And I think, why? Gosh, Phil, why didn't they think of this? And you've come up with a much better answer than what they what was listed at the uh, at the. We've got really great riddles. May <laughs> may 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 you read that one more time, my dear. Okay, which word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly? Which? Is the answer which? No, uh, which word, what word, doesn't matter. What word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly? Word? Mm-hmm. Word. Word is misspelled. <laughs> no, which word? <laughs> Say I give up, Walden. I have no idea. I, you're gonna, you got me completely on this one. And this, this one's going to slap side of your head. Which word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly? The word is All incorrectly. Them? Oh, I was close. That's why I was thinking misspelled or whatever. Oh, incorrectly. Okay. Very good. I like that. It is, it is spelled mis incorrectly. And the word is incorrect. I got it. I Very got good. It. Very um, good. See, I stumped you on that I one. Wish wow. I, was, I wish I was... And you have... Yeah. I wish I was as smart as you. Uh, yeah, right. I get these out of the internet. <laughs> I can't make these up. Um, oh, I, oh, that I got it. Oh, yeah. I, I am so smart. Yeah, but, but she, yeah, you, 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 you are, you are getting so hot on these little brain teasers. You have trained me, my dear. Oh boy, you are good. You are good. Okay. What's next? Baseball. Baseball. I've got so much stuff in here. Where is your baseball question? Baseball, baseball. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Which National League first baseman led the league in errors a record, a record seven years in a row? 
It was a record number of errors, seven years in a row. I'm trying to think of a guy who was a terrible fielder and a good hitter. Jimmy Fox. No, who is he? He was known as Double X. He was a big home run hitter for the Boston Red Sox for many years. But he didn't uh, do well elsewhere. Well, he mo he played five different positions, so I thought maybe the reason why he was not a good fielder. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that might explain things, yeah. <laughs> I do not know, my dear. You got me. It was Dick Stewart. Oh, yes. Of the Pittsburgh Pirates yes. from 1958 to 1964. Oh, yes. He led the league in errors, and each time it was a new record. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And later on, somebody, oh, they, they had different nicknames for him, including the man with the iron glove. But he, in an interview, he said, one night in Pittsburgh, 30,000 fans gave me a standing ovation for catching a hot dog wrapper on the fly. <laughs> I think do it. Yeah, go ahead. Somebody who can, who can make that kind of fun out of something that would set, other players just off on a tangent. Oh, yeah. On a tangent? Tantrum. <laughs> well, a tangent, maybe. A tantrum. Yeah. They used to nickname one of the... ovation because he caught a hot dog wrapper. They used to nickname one of the players Dr. Strange Glove, and I don't remember... That was... He's was the that, one. He's the one, yeah. He's the one. And Stone Fingers. Mm -hmm. I wonder where Dr. Strange Love came from. Oh, I'm from sorry. From Dr. Strange Glove. Yeah. Not yeah, I missed that. I think I from the movie. The yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That leaves us with... Stop Walden! Yes, yes. And I have two choices. I have to make one. A decision on one of them. All right, let's see. Way back up here. Way back up. Okay. I will ask you which program gave kids on the show a hundred dollar savings bond every time they appeared. The quiz kids? It was the quiz kids. Ah. So you know that was really interesting. They didn't pay people a lot and when they had kids on the set, did they get scale? Uh, I when you know, I when the actors get yeah. scale. Or when they when they was an actor, yes, they got scale. Uh, when they were on the on the quiz show, they got paid by the bond, and the bond who used for the educations. And and, and Richard, when we mm -hmm. talked to him a month or two ago, he was saying for some families that was really important. That was not necessarily the case for my dad. He said my dad was an engineer, so uh, going to college with uh, you know, he and he owned his own business. Yeah, that was not a a major thing, but for some family, it would they, it opened new doors to have the kid financial way paid for. So. Why didn't I remember that you've talked with a couple of the quiz kids? I have recently, so that helped. I mean, gee whiz, Patricia. Gee whiz. You <laughs> can't, can't even remember who Walden's talked with. Okay, then I'll give you my second question, and this is a repeat. Oh. 
so you should get this one. Oh. Okay. It might not, I don't even think, it was not, it was not a trivia question. It was an interesting chunk of information. Okay. So I'll ask. Anyway, General George Patton was nicknamed after an old-time radio show following his introduction of a new uniform for his tank troops. What was the nickname they gave him? And you helped me with this, the Green Hornet. It was the Green Hornet yeah. because because he introduced a new uniform. <laughs> the green color was brighter than the Army olive green. The jacket sported two vertical rows of buttons. His were gold. The, the, the regular uniforms were not. And uh, it made him look like a bellboy, a bellhop. <laughs> Those little little um, Johnny commercials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Call oh, yeah. Philip Morris. Oh, yeah. Yes, that one. Yes, he, he looked like one of them. And uh, so it was also bad timing because, you know, it was a, a nice green uniform. Sure. But it came out, his suggestion and his recommendation came out at the same time the Green Hornet Strikes Again was playing in movie houses. It was in 1941. And you know, so he didn't quite make it. But he also had a helmet as part of his uniform. I don't know if he gave it to the guys, but as part of his uniform, it had a helmet that looked remarkably like a Washington senator's helmet. <laughs> it was a football helmet. Wow. I kid you not. It was a football helmet. Dressed up with, you know, some painted stripes and stuff like that there. Yeah. So, with that, he the uniform also earned him the nickname Flash Gordon. <laughs> but the Green Hornet was the was the best and uh -huh, the biggest. Uh -huh. Remarkable. It was not a complimentary time for George Patton. No. No. He was a little strange in some areas. Yes, he was. No, he was a little strange in a, a lot, lot of areas. areas. Yes, he was. He really was right. a strange person. Yep. Got the job done. Yep. And he got what he was hired to do for them. But along the way in reaching those goals and those targets, he did some really strange things. This uniform was That's really true. strange. It was the oddest looking uniform for a military person <laughs> that you have ever seen in your life. And I, you and, I mean, and, and, I, and you and I know somebody that was in Patton's army. Uh-huh. Somebody who survived. Yep. If they didn't get killed in war, they got killed by Patton. Yeah. Um, who, who, and, who? And, and, so, and he's still with us. Who, who, who? Jimmy Weldon. <gasps> he was in Patton's army. Yes. I did not remember that. Yeah. He may have said it while I was listening, but I don't remember I, yep. I don't. I think this is the first time I've ever heard that. I think he could briefly talk about it, but you know he would go on to other stories. But he'd been part of the Patton he Army. He so fast. Yeah. <laughs> he just winds up his machine gun and starts firing and doesn't stop until he just can't speak anymore, which is never. <laughs> Jimmy is just a bundle of words, and they just fight him to get out, and he doesn't resist. That's true. So, yes, it, it, and he really, he speaks so fast. His, his normal speech pattern is so fast that 
I only grab maybe two thirds of what he's saying. And the other ones have already swept by. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's. Um, I learned a long time ago in the doctor department that doctors will hear fifty percent of what you tell them, and they will retain. 25%. That's not very good in the medical profession. That is not a good record, especially in that profession. So, I, and I think part of that horrible situation it belongs to, to Jimmy Weldon because I can only grab onto portions of his speeches and the time that we spend with him. Uh, Jimmy Weldon, by the way, was the voice of Yaki Doodle. The duck. That's true. That's true. Among other things. That's I true. mean, really. And Webster the duck. Uh-huh. He's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, General George S. Patton Jr. George S. Patton Sr. was also a general. Oh, I never knew that. Yep. And, and I'm looking at George S. Patton uh, and looking around for information about him one night and up comes George Sr. I thought, oh, I wonder what his son is doing. (laughs) (laughs) His son was also a general. George Jr. was the George S. Patton we talk about. Um, His father really had quite a distinguished career, but George Jr. eclipsed him. Yep, he's the one. He's the one. He's the only Patton we know about. He's the only one we remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's the end of my story. Flash Gordon and the Green Hornet is my swan song. And it was so nice of Ted Sylvester from Toys for Tots helped us kick off our Christmas season. This is the first Saturday in Christmas season. First Saturday in December, and then we're stuck and we're, we're stuck. We're, we're in, in Christmas mode for the rest of the month. We're in. We're Golden in. is in a Christmas mode 12 months a year. Oh, how, how, how do you know? How can you <laughs> well, tell? Yeah. How, <laughs> how can you tell I'm in the Christmas mode? Oh, because oh, you say Merry Christmas in February. <laughs> that's a hint. Yeah, that's a very good hint. That's a hint. He is not your measuring stick when we talk about Christmas season. You can love Walden for his enthusiasm. I know. But most I, people I, don't I, celebrate I, Christmas 12 months a year. I know somebody who listens to Christmas music 12 months out of you. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. <laughs> people love music <laughs> in, in defined categories. This is my category of music. This is my constant. Yes, I do. I listen to Christmas music all year. That's Christmas what, music is very nice. That's what makes it's you just special. Very nice to listen to. Yes, that's why it makes you very special. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You don't have to struggle to understand words. You no. don't have somebody screaming into a microphone. You don't have any, have anybody doing rap about Christmas mm-hmm. and the traditional songs. So it really is a very pleasant experience all year long. And it just happens to represent one of the fun times during the year, which is nice. And that's and what, one thing to say before... Hmm? And that's what Patricia's all about. It's nothing but fun. 
<laughs> I think that's us. Yeah. Us as a pair, as a team. We ain't got no money. Money. We're ragged and funny. We're ragged and funny. Side by side. But we travel along, oh. singing our song. Side, side by side. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I just have one thing to say about music before you make me say goodnight, because it is time to say goodnight. You played some really fun Perry music, uh, Perry music, Perry Como music. He had an entire album with love songs? This is his double album called His Greatest Hicks. And so it's two complete albums of his great hits, and some of those are his love songs. His, his signature love songs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are certain songs, and this is what I wanted to say, and I think I've said it before. There are certain songs that either Dean Martin or Perry Como or Bing Crosby sings, and I can't tell them apart. I think most people... in particular songs. I think most people have, have the same issue. You don't. No. No, because you're really tuned into their voices. Right. And voices in general, uh, in any audio production, I'll call and they'll, they'll say, hold on, I don't know who this is. Oh, yes, it's X, Y, and Z. <laughs> it's just <laughs> but, that the answer. Poof. Yeah, but, but see, Crosby and, you know, she think about it. Perry and D. Martin follow Crosby style. So if you think of, if you break it down, their style is so similar to Crosby, and the vocal structure is close. I can see why both people, if they mm -hmm. don't study it, would have a tough time. What you played tonight was clearly Perry Como. Yes. And it wasn't even close to Dean Martin, who had a highly individual delivery. And Bing, of course, had the boo boo boo, and Dean had the yeah yeah. See, <laughs> kind but, of the slide it, into his songs. But she, but every once in a, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. If you go, if you look at them when, if you look at the time when they were all in the 40s, they were so mm -hmm. close to Bing, because Bing was the standard bearer. Once in the 50s, then they sort of broke away into their own style. Perry had his definite, wait, and Martin yeah. had his, you know. We, we had to wait for that to happen. Uh -huh. Every once in a while, you play a song and say, okay, who's singing it? Say, hmm. <laughs> you know, it sounds <laughs> like all three of them. And it really does, yeah. to my ears anyway. It, it sounds, I think it, it could be Dean. It could be Perry. Correct. It could be Dean. And I'll throw a dart. I don't know. When I say I don't know, I'm not being stupid. <laughs> I just well, I now, really don't know. Okay, what's, 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 so. now, now, could you tell? Let me, let me do this. Yeah. Let's just do this. Yeah. What? 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 No, it's over here. Over here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see here. Somebody else listens to Christmas music. Hmm? That's true. But I'm when I want to show a sample. Okay. Of something. Okay. Now I'm gonna go down to a familiar song. Let's see here. Now this song here could. This is 1958. Couldn't you tell it this Perry Como? 
Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. Never let it fade away. Yeah, now that's the, that's the Perry Como of the late fifties. You know, if we chose a Perry Como of the forties, I think it'd be tougher for you to figure out. That's all. I think this was easy for me because I know the song and I know it put him really on the map. This this song really took him out of. He's a great singer too. My gosh, would you listen to that? I was thinking today, one thing I didn't get a chance, I was looking at Perry Como Christmas style, just to see things else I didn't have, and I think I got the available albums, and then that got me to the Ray Charles Singers, and I haven't looked up all the Christmas albums yet. I know they did a few. And I bet February did some. I know you got, what, you got at least one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've got two of the Ray Charles. Another one. Gosh, oh, it, it was good. Another one, I, another one I wanted to look up is the Robert Shaw Singers. That was the famous group that you hear a lot of the traditional songs. So that's another group I want to look up, you know, sometime when we have time. But, you know. See, now this show, the, the, the Ray Shaw Singers behind him was so good. For when your troubles start multiplying And they just might It's easy to forget them without trying With just a pocket full of starlight Catch a falling star and put it in Can you imagine during rehearsals for TV shows Perry would just sing away and still be listening to the baseball game in his ear? What do you think, Patricia? Not. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Save it for a rainy You are asking your brain to take in and give out at the same time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're making a deposit in the withdrawal at the same time. Now, see, this is another easy song. Along with the happy sound as it goes Along the ground, ground, ground Till it leads you to the one you love Then your love will hold you round, round, round In your heart's a song with a brand new sound And your head goes spinning round Right, can you tell that Perry Como? I can tell that's Perry Cole. Did not Dean Martin do that also? I would not be surprised, but I I just remember uh, Perry's version with the Ray Charles singers behind him doing this one. Yeah. Makes a girl and boy. It's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. The style with the with the Ray Charles singers be doing, you know, behind him. Yes. Uh, it separates him. From the other two instantly. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. But every once in a while, there's something you play, and I sit here and say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you it's one of these three, but I don't know. Well, an- another one you could throw in the pile that most people have a hard time is Dick Haynes. Because he would be the same structure as Crosby. You know, that was a very popular, you know. He was, Crosby was the standard builder for a lot of these guys, you know. Yeah. Even Sinatra. Sinatra wanted to be, um, 
That's who he wanted to fall with Crosby. Hmm. And they all eventually sounded different. They did. They did. And they all started from the same little garden. That's right. And speaking of garden, my squash plant is doing beautifully. Ah. Oh, it's standing up, it's spreading its little wings, it's smiling. That is cr- happy leaves. Are you going to take it with you to, to Barbara for Christmas? Just to make oh. sure it's going to be okay? <gasps> I never thought about that. Oh, I better take it in. Well, we got... Just we, in case. We, we, we get some hard freezes around yeah. Christmas. So we got to make sure your baby, your baby's going to be okay. Yeah, I better put her in the apartment. Uh-huh. Take her in from outside. She's doing very well outside. But it hasn't gotten cold enough to be a concern either. But my goodness, thank you for reminding me about that. So we need to. Poor little baby without their. She'd be out there freezing her little leaves off. Now, I mean, the other thing, do we need to put her in a little sunlight too? So you need to put her in the office maybe. Oh, well, no, I could, I could leave her by the lanai door. Okay, okay. Sunshine. She'll probably get more sunshine inside than outside. Okay. But. Outside is good for her. Okay. She's got to learn to breathe natural air. <laughs> <laughs> you have to raise her properly. That is true. Breathe. Breathe deeply. Put your little wings up. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, my goodness. Yes, your leaves are starting to smile. Oh, yeah. But she's doing very well. I'm glad. Very healthy plant. And I go out every morning and I look to make sure she's not drooping. And nope, she's just standing up straight. She's got a good sturdy stem and growing very slowly. She might be the secret to good health. Yes. You have, she hasn't stunt her growth. Nope, she's no. just doing it slowly and well. Uh, oh. Okay, guess what? What, my dear? I'm finished. Are we ready to run? Are we, are we ready to run off and do other stuff? We are probably ready to crawl out and do other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I I stumbled on the stairs last night when I was bringing bags of groceries upstairs, and I was going to say I skinned my knee, but I didn't. I stripped my shins. My one shin is. I, I, you know, I cannot go out in public with this. I have to wear pants. I, 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 I just, I just like the idea of the Patricia bubble wrap. I just rather go take that to market. I mean, I just. I, I hope to tell you, Walden, I need help. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't hurt unless I move or walk on it. So it must be one heck of a bruise right down to the bone. On top of it. But I mean, it is, I absolutely stripped. My shin. Oh. It's about 10 inches long. Oh. Oh, my goodness. And it's pretty wide, too. <laughs> so, oh. I mean, I, if I saw this on somebody else, I think I'd excuse myself and go outside and throw up. But, <laughs> I mean, it's mine. I did it. Yeah. But, oh, my goodness. I really did a good job on it, such as it is. Well, we need you to take care of that. Yeah. I don't know. Why did I tell you that? Because there's not because that. I'm looking at it, maybe. Maybe because there's not. Maybe because you don't keep too many secrets from me over your lifetime. This is true. Oh, oh, 
I know why. Yes. Because you said we can hop off to bed. That's and true. And I'd say maybe some of us could fall to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really one of the reasons, but my goodness, it is so ugly. I, I mean, really, it is ugly. I stripped the skin right off. You got some ointments or something you can wrap it up with tonight? No, I, well, I, I did it last night, and it, it stopped bleeding pretty quickly, okay. surprisingly quickly, especially for the men, because, particularly because of the medication. Yes, on. yes. But, um, no, it, it, it did really well, and... Um, I don't have anything large enough. There is, there is no way even a surgical-sized Band-Aid can cover this thing. So I just left it open, and it's probably the best thing to do for it anyway. And it's, yeah, it's doing okay. I just uh, poured some peroxide on it, and I guess that's what I'll do tonight, too. Ooh. It doesn't, that doesn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It didn't even bubble like it's supposed to. But it's a good antibacterial yes. type stuff. Yes. My goodness, this is an ugly wound. Oh, well, then I never do anything halfway. No. You, you, you're, there's nothing in between with you. You don't. You are not Mrs. Gray. Either black and white. <laughs> it's either un, all or none. <laughs> yeah, this is bleach white. Yeah. I mean, we, we go for the, yeah. I have really overdone the expectations on this one <laughs> really overdone oh my goodness oh my goodness and as I say it it, it doesn't hurt it's just when I walk mm -hmm. that bruise yep really it's the bruise mm-hmm yeah no it takes a couple of days it is wet on the bone I uh, scraped it on the concrete step is what I did I scraped yep, it yep um and that convinces me that I shouldn't have been wearing shorts to begin with. <laughs> I'm not sure pants would have made any difference because, boy, I did a good job. But anyway, I have to crawl to bed. You can walk to bed. I can crawl to bed. Well, I'm closer to my bed I than you are. I can walk to bed. I'm closer. I can do that. I'm not going to, but... I know. I know. I have to stay up for a little while. I know. You gonna go have your snack now? The Insomniacs Club. We meet. We meet at three o'clock every oh. every day. Yep. Yep. In our, the morning. Our club report. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, and then we could report about it. Yeah. That's true. Uh huh. That's good. Celeste, you're not listening. I know that. Well, maybe not because she's an insomniac. Um, I think that's a dynamite idea. People can join up by by listening to the replay of the blue on this one. You know, like we got an email from Dan ten days later when he hears this, so he'll want to put in his membership. I think. <laughs> Except he's one we put to sleep. He doesn't have any problem sleeping. We put him to sleep. Yeah, but boy, he he is erratic. You know, see how he works. Sometimes he'll go to sleep and then wake up and go back to sleep. I sort of wonder about Dan. Yeah, and wake up and go to work and then yeah. come home and go back to sleep yeah. and wake up and yeah. listen to us, but go right back to sleep. Yeah. We go to bed with a lot of people. I know. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we go to bed. We actually we put them to bed. We don't. We don't go to bed with them. Well, yes, we do. They listen to us while yeah. they're. 
falling asleep. They, they listen are, to us and they fall asleep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we are performing a public service. Well, the last thing they he, we're the last thing they hear at night and the first thing they hear when they wake up. So we This is true. <laughs> this is true. Our 7 a.m. days are numbered. Um, we don't typically do that anymore. I, don't, I can't remember the last time we did it. But it's true. Fred used to tell us. You know, I, I, I called in and I went to bed and I got up to make the coffee and you're still here. <laughs> And indeed we are. Oh, yeah. Go to bed, Patricia. You want to say good morning to the family? I want to say good morning to the family. And then you could say, go to bed, Patricia. All right. <sighs> Our family, bless you. You are just so wonderful. And you stay with us or you get up and we're still here, <laughs> whatever the circumstances. Thank you for being with us. And thank you to Colonel... Ted Sylvester, Marine Corps Colonel, who spent time with us talking about Toys for Tots earlier. So that was fun. So we had a good time, and gosh, thanks for being with us. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Patricia? Yes. Go to bed. Go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. We love you all very, very much. Rose that blooms will never bloom again. But come what may, I know I must have you again. My darling, say you're mine again. Say that spring will never come again. And say the chapel bells will never ring again. No matter what will be, I must be yours again so darling say you're mine again if i were to lose all the world and its treasures who cares let it be as it may as long as i have you beside me I'll always be happy that way. Say I'll never see the rain again. And say I'll never hear a sweet refrain again. And say that I was wrong and I'm to blame again. But darling, say you're mine again.
Winum Equalizer, Jaws Professional. Alt Tab, Fibber McGeehan, Alt F4, 1. Fibber McGee. Skype, Sign in Edit, Alt Tab, Sound Forge Pro 11.0. Escape, 0 point, enter, 0 point, oh, 3, enter, 0 point, oh, menu, file, A, save as dialog, file name, colon, sound, 1, edit, to set the value, use the arrow keys, or type the value, alt, plus, n, S, A, T, U, R, D, A, Y, N, I, G, H, T, 1, 2, dash, 3, dash, 1, 6, G, U, E, S, T, T, E, D, S, L, E, V, E, S, T, E, R, W-I-T-A-P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-S-E-C-O-N-D-P-C Save a save button, enter data window, type in text, 0.030 seconds. Jaws Professional, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Bragg, Raul Page Down, Menu Bar, Skype. Alt Page Down, Leaving Menu Bar. Alt Tab, Skype Trademark, Left Bracket, Alt Page Down. Windows M, Desk S, Seagate XPS, Sound Forge Pro Enter. User account Y, Sound 